Welcome to another episode of Spice Together. Guys, that was not planned <laughs> at all. We're just so in sync. Yeah. Uh, I'm Harper. Come on over here, sugar bun. This machine just called me an asshole. And I'm Michelle. I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. It's bad. Wrong. Wrong. Bad. No, it's not bad. It's Christ. Wrong, bad, bad, wrong, wrong, bad, bad, wrong, bad, bad, wrong, bad, And as you can tell from our spooky voices, <laughs> it's Halloween! Ah! Ah! No! Oh, it should be yes! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so clearly it's Halloween, folks. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> ghosts, obviously. Is that what ghosts make? I was the we ghost. We have our, a new sound machine. I don't remember what any of these sound like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as we've done for the last t- two years before this, this is the third year of us doing it. Uh, instead of just our normal monthly roundup for October, we're doing Hooptober. Right. Hooptober. So, if you haven't listened before or you're not familiar with Hooptober, what movie rock have you been under? Where have you been for the last 10 Hooptobers? I would assume it's the most popular um, uh, challenge on Letterboxd by a huge margin. Probably. There, there are a lot of them. There, I see our friend, friend and listener of the show, Jesse, does a lot of challenges on Letterboxd. Yeah. I always see. Um, Puts us to shame. But um, huh? <laughs> she puts us to shame. It's true. Uh, but this this is the only one that we have really done, um, like specifically, and we've done it three years in a row. And so Hooptober is created by this guy Cinemonster on Letterboxd, and basically there are a bunch of rules. You have to watch thirty one horror movies. <gasps> we need we need our man. Oh man, yeah, we don't have our screen one. Our rules. <laughs> yeah, we usually have that. That sucks. Because um, we're going to say rules a lot. It is true. Uh, <laughs> so you have to watch 31 horror movies between September 1st, or sub- sorry, September 15th and October 31st. And um, then you have to, uh, with those 31 movies, you have to cover a whole bunch of other rules. <laughs> um, so before we get into the movies, I'm going to quickly try and cover the rules. So you have to watch movies from six decades, or I'm sorry, six countries, eight decades, uh, two post-apocalyptic or natural disaster-related films, one film with Robert England, our man, uh, one Something is Underground film, three Satan-slash-Devil-centered films, one Amicus film, uh, the worst Dracula film by Letterboxd rating. That's a coffin opening? Yeah, I got it. (laughs) 
<laughs> you said Dracula. <laughs> We're dragged the film by Letterbox Ready. You, you haven't seen and can access one LGBTQ plus connected film, five films from either De Palma, Wes Craven, Ken Russell, Hitchcock, and or Moorhead and Benson. Good job. Oh, it is dying. Yeah, you can tell. Uh, two Peter Cushing films. Uh, one film based on a work of or invoking the name Bram Stoker. One, <laughs> one film based on a Clive Barker story. Uh, one film that was released in the year that you turned 10. Uh-oh. So I was going to steal all their info because I'll be like, oh, they were born in 1988. <laughs> I don't know about you. I was born in 1998. I'm only 25. <laughs> um, uh, one Mario Bava film, Michelle's favorite. The Mario. And one film with an X in the title. Um, so extreme. As we usually kind of do, we basically, we ignored, just to <laughs> give a Sorry. little background on how we made our list. Um, we kind of... <laughs> bananas over there. We get kind of ignore the countries and decades at first, and usually we pick movies for all those like specific categories. And oh, and I forgot, uh, to, I forgot to mention. Uh, of course, there always has to be a Toby Hooper film. Hooptober. That's why it's called Hooptober. Um, uh, yeah. So we pick all the single categories and then see what all we've covered already in terms of countries and decades, which is not cheating. I don't know. Some people think it's cheating. <laughs> Very sad. Very sad. Oh my god! <laughs> Hooptober came to me tears in her eyes. <laughs> um, uh, but um, even Cinema Monster says, "Of course, you can overlap." So, as long as booyah. it's thirty-one. Um, anyway, so we do that, and usually that covers the countries and decades pretty closely. Anyways, I think this time we had to pick like one more country and one more decade, maybe. Yeah. But usually, because we do it that way, we usually have some extra um, slots, so we divide them up and just pick random horror movies that we want to watch. Um, so we've got our 31 movies. We began watching them the night of September 15th. We're staying on top of it this year. That's right. We got a lot done real early is, was the plan. We'll probably so, fail miserably after this. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how it goes <laughs> as we continue through the month. But anyways, enough of that. Um, I did want to say to our mini segment, we're going well at the end of Hooptober, we are going to be talking about some awards. We're yeah. going to be giving out awards for like best kill, best monster, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like some of favorites and maybe some of our least favorites too. We'll see. Um, but and then our mini best segment. Best use of lightning strike. Yeah. Best use of lightning strike. Very it's more of a thunderstorm than well, a lightning. Well, there was one in a movie we watched recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, and then our mini segment, as I think we pretty much always do on our Halloween episode, we're going to do some horror movie trivia and see who's the real horror movie master. Like we all know, it's Harley. Probably, yeah. She is a <laughs> Halloween cat. She likes eating <laughs> spider webs. <laughs> um, so let's jump into the movies. And we're going to talk about them in the order we watched them. So our first movie, which satisfies the category uh, of one of the five films by De Palma, Craven, blah, 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 blah is Phantom of the Paradise, which came out in 1974 and is a De Palma film with a capital D. The most highly acclaimed horror fantasy of our time with a PH. <laughs> fantasy. Fantasy. Uh, this is a very long synopsis. Holy but moly. this is a rock opera hybrid of Phantom of the Opera and Faust um, starring... 
singer-songwriter Winslow Leach, who finds himself double-crossed by the nefarious music producer Swan, Swan. who steals both his music and the girl Leach wants to sing it. Who wants he wants him her to sing it? it. You keep it. trying to paraphrase for the grand opening of the Rock Palace, the Paradise. After Swan sends Leech to prison for trespassing, Leech endures a freak accident which leaves him disfigured and plans his revenge on both Swan and the Paradise, becoming the Phantom of the Paradise, starring William Finley, Paul Williams, Jessica Harper, Ooh. Garrett Graham, George Mamoli, Archie Hahn, Jeffrey Kamaner, Peter Elbling, and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, Phantom of the Paradise. I had seen this before, but this was the Two first watch Phantoms for you. To paradise. <laughs> so, what do you think? Man... I don't know. Harper don't like it. I don't know what to think. <laughs> everything everything tells me if everything on paper I should love this. It's a Brian De Palma movie even mm-hmm, though mm-hmm. besides that one real crazy split screen segment I wouldn't know it was a De Palma movie. It's it's a yeah. I there's guess. there's a <laughs> lot less voyeurism and um uh split screen and split diopter. And also Hitchcock references <laughs> um, yeah. than his most of his movies. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like on paper, I should love this. And I only kind of like, I liked it. I for sure liked it. I didn't dislike it, but I just wasn't like You don't like musicals. No, I'm not much of a musical person. And you don't like Phantom of the Opera. It's okay. And we you don't it like Paradise. <laughs> I mean, I liked Paradise uh, on Ma- Mount Rainier. What did you like? Um let me look at my The review. design of the Phantom? Yes. So I did like all the analog audio gear stuff yeah. was super cool. Mm-hmm. And I like the look of the Phantom. And I love the fact that like he sings through like a robot voice thing. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> um, that's cool. Uh, some of the music is is cool. Uh, I like a couple of the songs. I really like that one where they're um, where the like scientist guys are have like swords on their guitars and they're like cutting body parts off people and then assembling those body parts into beef beef yeah the ultimate singer uh garrett garrett graham as beef was easily my favorite part of the movie yeah he's great in it he is so funny um that was definitely my the highlight of the movie for me um i thought um it feels like it just goes a little too all over the place for like a Phantom of the Opera parody, not parody, but like, you know, homage version of it or whatever. It um, like there's just so much that happens in the beginning. Like it takes like 45 minutes before we get to like the Phantom of the Opera part. Yeah, it's like, well, who was the Phantom growing up? What was he like? <laughs> well, and the opening is just weird to me, too, like where it's like first it just tells you like Swan is like the most successful musician of all time or whatever. And then there's just some guy playing piano and it's like, what is, I don't even understand what's going on at all. Um, yeah. And then there's so you like, just let it happen to you. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> then he like sells his music and then gets betrayed and then goes to jail and then escapes and then has the disfiguring. He there's just like a gets lot. His head crushed in real life though. in a that vinyl press is like, y'all didn't that, test that out. I did really love that piece. Yeah, I know that's incredibly that's so scary. scary. Um, but I do love that, that that's how he gets disfigured as a record press. Yeah. That's pretty clever. Um, See, I don't know. I should love uh, this. Should be like a five star movie for me, but for it could just be one of those ones you'll revisit like ten years from now, and you'll be like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, because every all the reviews and other people I've talked to about, everybody's like, 
everybody's like you like rocky horror <laughs> and i'm like yeah i like rocky horror and like everybody's like this is rocky horror but way better yeah <laughs> and like it should be but i don't know it just didn't like click for me exactly i think i still like rocky horror more i don't hate it as much as you do i like it and i, I like the music um i think i still i didn't like it any more than i did the first time though so a rewatch didn't really help that much yeah um but yeah, I appreciate all of the musical moments and the cre- the creature phantom design. Yeah, the design's super cool for sure. Um, and it is. And funny there are that- some funny moments where he's like uh, signing his soul away and stuff. And yeah, he's like, oh, just some blood. generic stuff. <laughs> like sign in blood, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Garrett Graham's the best part of this movie. And what's the name of the guy who plays the phantom? William William fin- Finley. And we've seen this guy. I've seen him in he three movies this year. Probably some more we'll talk about. Yeah, he's in another Hooptober movie. Yeah. Uh, which we didn't know when we picked him. Um but yeah. Uh yeah, so I liked it okay. I like I like Jessica Harper. I always like Jessica Harper. I just, just don't get I don't name. like her little dance she does. It's so well, weird. I don't remember it. It's just awkward. <laughs> she has like her little cowboy hat on. You say so. <laughs> but I do love the entire moment, like the actual concert premiere part where mm-hmm. it is crazy and you have like I mean, the audience is obviously just real people going insane um with filming <laughs> and they have a I like that they keep bringing back the like kind of boy band. Oh yeah, he keeps going through different like regenerations. It is like the history of rock music. Kind yeah, of, they start yeah. off like the pop, poppy, like Beatles people, uh, and then they become like or Beach Boys, the and kind then, of goth or something. And then in the end, they're like zombies. Yeah, the zombies. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, so I liked I liked the big climactic scene probably the most of this movie. Yeah. And Garrett Graham gives it his all. He really does. He's easily my favorite part yeah. of it. We've we've seen him in a million horror movies. He pops up a lot all the time. So this is probably for people who like musicals, who mm-hmm. like rock operas, and who like Phantom of the Opera, and probably enjoy De Palma movies. I mean, a little. That's what I was gonna say. Like, I mean, I'm I'm a well. Big... It has the great split screen. You said it. I mean, it, it. does you have one. It. it has one. <laughs> but like, you know, it's not like a. You said it. <laughs> is there a scene where the camera turns around and around? I feel like there's sh- well, or I mean, style? his like audio booth is <laughs> circular, but I don't think yeah. they do a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, that's true. So not your your signature stuff, but it was still early in his filmography. Yeah. So. Uh, I gave it three and a half stars. I did too. So we liked it the same amount. Quit well, saying I hated it. You. Should give it three stars by the way you talking. I said never stuff I like. You talking. What's this um what's this button do? That's ah! <laughs> the phantom. Ah! He's being crushed. All right. So next movie. The next one on our list uh was I think a miscellaneous pick. I'm double checking. It was a miscellaneous eighties from Michelle, but yes, it does count for eighties. And that is Maximum Overdrive. 1986, directed by the man. Stephen King, his only only directorial movie. Yep. Stephen King's masterpiece of terror, directed by mm-hmm. the master himself. Was it a masterpiece, though? <laughs> uh, the debate is out. 
when a comet passes close to the Earth, machines all over the world come alive and go on homicidal rampages. A group of people at a desolate truck stop are held hostage by a gang, gang of homicidal 18-wheelers. Hmm. The frightened people set out to defeat the killer machines or be killed by them. Starring Emilio Estevez, Pat Hingle, Laura Harrington, Yardley Smith, Josh <laughs> Short, <laughs> Ellen McElduff, J.C. Quinn, Christopher Murney. So, Maximum Overdrive. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't, first of all, we have to address the fact that it is so weird that Yardley Smith is in this movie. Y- Yardley? Weird. Yardley? I never know how to say it. Yardley? My mistake. <laughs> but just the whole time, it just sounds like Lisa Simpson's running around. It's yeah, so weird. Just being mad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, boy, this was something. So, we kind of talked about this on our Stephen King episode, so we don't have to go into a ton of detail. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't yeah. we? I forgot. But, um, so, we were expecting, based on everyone's like the reputation that it has in reviews. I was expecting an awful movie. Like he never directed again after this. Mm-hmm. Like how bad is this going to be? And it wasn't that awful. I mean, like there's adaptations that are way worse than this. Oh, there, that's for sure. Yeah. Like I don't think it's a bad movie. It's enjoyable. Uh, it's not a great movie, but it's, it's not enjoyable. A, it's not the worst. <laughs> it's not the worst Stephen King written movie by a long shot. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, it has a lot of, I mean, yeah, like you said, we talked about it not that long ago, but it has a lot of issues. Like the plot is kind of all over the place and the dialogue is really weird and but stuff. But you get stuff smashed by well, drugs yeah. it's and exactly, kids get steamrolled. <laughs> for the most part, it's exactly what you want it to be. Yeah, because you get kids getting steamrolled. You got uh, people, a baseball team, get half of a kid's baseball team getting murdered by a um, soda machine. Yeah. Um, you get a... <laughs> <laughs> you get a uh, a Bible salesman getting just creamed by a truck. I mean, yeah, yeah what else? Awesome. What more could you ask for? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it has a lot of issues, but it is also, for better or for worse, you can tell it's directed by a guy who is super on coke. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just constant <laughs> explosions and it's like, uh, okay, what if what if the guy shows up with a rocket launcher now? <laughs> for some, for no real, for no, reason. no reason that's really per- very well explained. I mean, it sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah. So it is a lot of fun to watch. This would have been a movie like to see at the plaza with like a crowd. It would have been great. Yes. Great. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely it was definitely better than I expected it to be because I'd all, always just heard terrible things, but. Uh, yeah, it is fun. For My sure. main disappointment was that that truck has the huge green goblin face on it, and it really has nothing to do with nope. why they're evil or anything. Nope, like its eyes glow red. Happens to be, <laughs> yeah. I was like, come on, why are you gonna do that? <laughs> and True. Stephen King has the best yeah. cameo when he gets yelled at by an ATM machine. That is pretty great. That opening is really good. He's <laughs> like, this ATM just called me an asshole. <laughs> um. So I think people who love seeing things explode and love trucks, this is the movie for truck drivers. You love trucks. They're like, yeah, truck yeah. drivers. Uh, <laughs> and just a little tidbit, if you stick around for the rest of this episode, you might just hear another movie that's adapted from a story in the same book as this one. Really? What a coincidence. Weird, huh? <laughs> uh, but yeah. I know what this button does. Oh, it's a heartbeat. heartbeat. Yeah. It sounds more like somebody knocking. Then why isn't the picture? Oh, it is a door knocker. Oh. 
Because I was like, then why isn't it a heart? <laughs> oh, the heartbeat one is more clearly a heartbeat, and it goes on forever, I remember. Oh, I'll wait for later for okay. that one. <laughs> um, I'm just setting the mood. That's what the trucks did when they were like, let us in. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure we, I know we talked about it a lot, but we also, the last thing we got to mention. What? That music. What? Chunk, 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 chunk. Every time the trucks go crazy. None other than ACDC scoring yeah. your Stephen chunk, King film. Chunk. It's great. Watch out. Ah, trucks on the road. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, Maximum Overdrive. I gave it three stars. I gave it three stars also. I guess watch it if you love trucks. <laughs> That's my tidbit. <laughs> it was certainly not the worst movie that we watched for Hooptober so far. <laughs> Every time you yawn, I'm going to spray you with water. No. <laughs> Like a cat. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, so this one uh, is for the category uh, a movie based on the work of Clive Barker. Clive Barker. <laughs> sure. I kept thinking it was going to be like vampire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, about some leaves rustling. That's the Lord of Illusions. Oh, that's him. <laughs> yeah, so we watched Lord of Illusions, which came out in 1995, directed by Clive Barker. Trust nothing except your fear. Okay. Okay, Clive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> During a routine case in LA, New York private investigator Harry Damore <laughs> Damore My mistake. Stumbles Damore stumbles over <laughs> members of a fanatic cult who are preparing for the resurrection of their leader, Nix, a powerful magician who was killed thirteen years earlier. Starring Scott Bakula. Kevin J. O'Connor, <laughs> Fumke Jensen, Joel Suto, mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Van Bargen, <laughs> who you will remember from the Malcolm in the Middle series as Commodore Skinner. Commandant Spangler. Spangler. What did you call him? Commodore, Commodore Skinner. Commodore Skinner. You've been watching too much X-Files. Yeah, I have. They are the same character. <laughs> Mom, you have to get over there and do yeah. your job. Have they gotten, or have they killed anyone have yet? Have they killed anyone yet? Um, there's probably some other familiar faces, but that's who we care about the yeah. most. So, Lord of Illusions was... Uh, mixed bag. Right. You go it's first. It's mixed. Um, this was a first watch for both of us. I did not think it was that exciting for a Clive Barker film. Like Hellraiser is way better and stuff. Well, um, you've only seen one other Clive Barker. That's film. all I need. Uh, there's a decent movie. I feel like at the core of this, but it's hard to get into because it's like very early '90s, um, kind of low budget. But, like, it feels like more like a TV movie, not, like, low budget because, like, Spangler is, like, throwing fireballs around and people are, like, floating. Mm -hmm. So there's some good makeup effects. Um, also, some of the magic stuff is gory. So I appreciated that. But the actual story itself was a little confusing because it starts off, I thought it was post-apocalyptic when it began. And then no, I was like, oh, it's just, cult. like, yeah, in the desert. <laughs> um, so... I was a little bored watching this because it's like two hours and it felt a little long. Was it? Yeah. No. Oh. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm about to. We need a button for like hot take alert. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, here's our hot hot take. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> uh, so well, tell us. You can tell me after I say this. That is whack. Everyone can tell we've not. not updated this since the 90s yeah, episode. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and Stephen King. Um, <laughs> I kind of liked this movie a lot. <laughs> which uh, I know is crazy. Because this movie has a terrible rating. What is its, what's its rating on Letterboxd? The uh, rating is 3.1. It's not, not terrible, so but uh, I was our only friend one of Kyle the... gave it one and a half. One and a half? Come on, Kyle. That's ridiculous. You gave it four. So something in between is probably the reality. You give it? I gave it three. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought this was kind of cool. So I will admit, I think the the biggest problem of the movie is the protagonist, Scott Bakula's character, is like kind of pointless. Like he's he basically no just purpose. a vehicle to, to get you through the story, but like I, you don't care about him at all. And like... He's like a private eye who has a history with working in the occult, but like that has nothing to do with anything in the end. Like it his, doesn't. His like the fact that he's like done exorcisms and mm-hmm. whatever, like none of that ever comes into play. So it's kind of pointless. Um, and basically, he's only there to like uh, for Famke Jansen to fall in love with. Yeah, it's very forced. It doesn't that really part work. is really forced. Yeah, because <laughs> um, plus uh, she's way out of his league. A little bit, <laughs> just a little. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I really liked about this. I mean, um, what'd you call him? Commodore Skinner? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he's kind of really cool as a weird bad guy who's, like, somehow... Like, the whole point of the movie is that, like, they're magicians, and then they're, like, people who do real magic. And, like, there's a whole world of, like, dark magic underneath the surface. And, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. And But he's, like, this really evil, like, take-over-the-world magic guy who runs this cult. And these other guys who escaped the cult, like, imprison him and bury him kind of alive. They put, it's very, like, kind of Zelda-esque a little yeah. bit. They, like, put this weird, like, metal mask on him that's a little Mad Max hear, looking. see, or speak. Yeah. He's, like, locked into this mask that's, like, bolted into his brain and then buried it somewhere in the desert where nobody knows. Like, that's kind of a cool setup, I thought. And then, like, these the bad magic guys are trying to, like, find him and resurrect him again. Um, that one guy who loves wearing those velvet, was it velvet pants? Oh, yeah. Or like skin, snake skin pants. Yeah, there's some crazy clothes in this movie, just in general, actually. Think like 90s LA magicians. What would mm-hmm. they wear? I think are cool. But yeah, I like when they go in that like magic archive place and there's like booby traps. And... I didn't really understand that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and um, and yeah, when the guy gets resurrected is really cool to me. Yeah. I love that effect. And that's, I mean, it's kind of a little, not nearly as cool, but a little similar to the same idea in Hellraiser when Frank comes back from the dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. For, this just kind of clicked with me. I mean, maybe it was just because this is like the second day of Hooptober and I was like really excited to get into the horror movie mood. But I just thought this was kind of fun. I liked it quite a bit, actually. It's not awful. I just don't think I'd want to watch it again. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Um, but yeah, I would like to read the story yeah. now, too. I need to read more Clyde Barker. I've read Hellbound Heart and um, I always forget what it's called. There's some short, like one of his early short story collections that's really good. But um, Did yeah. somebody say Hellbound Heart? Uh-oh. That's not a heart. <laughs> I know. Where's the heart? <laughs> you can't hear it. It's broken. 
<laughs> oh, it's just one beat? <laughs> yeah, it's just one. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think that battery is on its way out. Uh-oh. So, Michelle, tell me. You can take me. this if you want. Whoops, what did I do? What, uh, am I or am I not whack? That is whack. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's not awful. It's just I'm not watching this ever again. I was embarrassed at how much I liked it compared and you couldn't to everybody say else anything? in the room. Because like, mm-hmm. we're all just like, Everybody else ah! is like, everybody else is like uh, uh, that is one big pilot. S-H-I-T. Yeah. But what can I say? I like magic. I wanted to be a magician when I was a little kid. It's true. What was your stage name? The Silent Magician. Oh, my God. You knew that so Of course bad. I did. Mom named me that because I was too I was too shy to actually talk during my act. I just I'm did the I'm surprised. Tricks. I thought you'd be really into it. Well, I was really focused and nervous. That makes sense. You'd want to do it perfectly. I did family talent shows as a little magician. Why don't you ever do that magician. now? I don't know. I wonder what happened to my magic kit. We should teach Thea some. Oh, I need to, to find that magic kit and magic. do magic tricks yeah. for Thea. That's my niece. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Hooptober. <laughs> she is the Lord of <laughs> Illusions. Right, should we move on? Uh, I gave it four stars. As I gave said. it three stars. Next. Uh, next. Um, okay, this was under the category a movie that came out when we turned 10. We actually picked two of these. We yeah. both came out the same year, but we decided to pick two anyways um, just because we had extra slots. So this first one is... <laughs> Did you hear Harley? No. She's playing with a ball of She's kicking oh. it this way. <laughs> uh, disturbing behavior, like our cat is doing right mm-hmm. now. So this came out in 1998, directed by David Nutter. In Cradle Bay, it doesn't matter if you're not perfect. You will be. You will be. You will be. Steve Clark is a newcomer in the town of Cradle Bay, and he quickly realizes that there's something odd about his high school classmates. The clique, known as the Blue Ribbons, are the eerie embodiment of academic excellence and clean living. But like the rest of the town, they're a little too perfect. When Steve's rebellious friend Gavin mysteriously joins their ranks, Steve searches for the truth with fellow misfit Rachel, starring... James Marston, Katie Holmes, Nick Stahl, Bruce Greenwood, (laughs) William Sadler, Chad Donella. I don't think I know anybody else. Catherine Isabel. Except for Steve Rails back. Is he the... The um, he's the sheriff that was also in X-Files recently. Who's the the janitor? That was William Sadler. Okay. My man. My man. Um... I love, you remember this era when all these posters, they just like, what is this? They just like crank up the contrast is like and the 90. contrast. Yeah, it's like because their faces no are just like nose features. holes and eyes. <laughs> they are. <laughs> it's like, is that Katie Holmes or is that just like a white oval with eyes? I think it's just an oval. <laughs> so this this was a movie trying to do the faculty and failing. Came out the same year, right? I know. Yeah. So someone shopped around the same plot about like, oh, what if high school, it's like invasion of the body Conformity snatchers. in high school, yeah. Yeah. Um. And I think the biggest thing to mention about this movie that's weird and interesting is that it feels very much like an X-Files, um, like it's like the crew of X-Files split off to do this movie. Yeah. Um, because the director is a guy who did a bunch of X-Files movie. I think the producers, uh, sorry, I'm looking, producers, uh, may- maybe not producers, but um, it's score. isn't it scored by... Mark Snow, Mark maybe? Snow again? I'm trying to look. Yes, yeah, scored by Mark Snow, the X-Files guy. And there's a lot of like X Files, like and ex- it's filmed like in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, it's filmed in like probably Vancouver and Seattle area. Yeah, it looks very much like an X Files episode. 
uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and he did, he directed a couple of really good X-Files episodes, one of the best ones, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, what'd you think about Disturbing Behavior? I mean, it's hard not to compare it to one of our all-time favorites. Yeah, so between the two, Faculty is definitely my favorite. Oh, uh, huge margin. <laughs> I think it's a little ridiculous that James Marsden and Katie Holmes are supposed to be the outcasts. Yeah, that's <laughs> ludicrous. <laughs> it just doesn't quite work. Like, James Marsden has looked the same for probably the last 20 years as, like, a jockey high school, like, I don't know, in his 20s, it's, like, a player. It's very player. much <laughs> like in uh, Barbie when they're like, she's like, no, I'm so ugly. Yeah. And the Helen Mirren <laughs> VO is like, uh, the director should have chosen someone other than Margot yeah. Robbie to make this point. Um, uh, yeah, because they're very attractive young people <laughs> playing like the losers. And then the whole plot is just doesn't really make sense. No, it really is not really well thought Because it's kind of like this evil scientist is putting weird robot implant things in their eyeballs that makes them behave. But if they get too horny, they freak That's out. The key. <laughs> which, I mean, teenagers don't get horny, no. right? No. And they only briefly like explore that which is weird <laughs> yeah they, re- they really don't like abandon it, it in the second but half. yeah basically the girl just looks at james marsden and, and she's like oh, oh bad 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 yeah oh yeah she starts slamming her head on the wall and she's like wrong bad yeah. wrong bad <laughs> and that part is so weird freaks out and then uh and then uh, they like go to an insane asylum and it's like y'all how did you get in here, oh, first man. of all? And the then second, asylum. it's like, what flew over the cuckoo's nest with oh, no guards? Times like a thousand. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the the least like um, uh, sensitive portrayal of a mental institution yeah. ever. It's like every <laughs> single person in there is like, is like the guys in uh, the basement where Hannibal Lecter is kept. Yeah. Like it's the whole thing is like that. It's like insane. It's so, it's like no wonder people thought like, Ooh, mental health. I don't need that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you have this weird janitor who I thought was like, maybe he's kind of undercover, but for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I was like, oh, maybe he's like actually a military dude or someone trying to blow this wide open. Like, no, he's just a janitor who's pretending to be a little special. And so everyone leaves him alone. And how does he get caught in his lie that he's not a dum-dum? Is he reading like Camus or something? He's reading a Vonnegut. Oh, Kurt Vonnegut. You're like, Vonnegut. You can't be uh, (laughs) the R word if you're reading Vonnegut. (laughs) Did they say that? I think they did. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. It's it's a little far fetched. Uh, oh, and the, the ending is insane. Oh my god, the ending is really stupid. It really. I and I, <laughs> I read somewhere that they tacked it on. Supposedly, there's like a director's cut that would. I mean, I don't think it exists anymore. But that, like the original cut of the movie that David Nutter did, is supposedly much better. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that it's that no, much it better. No, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, the stu- there was apparently a lot of like studio interference and stuff, and David Nutter mm-hmm. almost did like an Alan Smithy anonymous thing um because he was so unhappy with the way it turned out so maybe there's like a slightly better version but yeah i mean the premise itself hardly makes sense so it's yeah it ends to... with like a student going to like an inner city school oh, <laughs> and he has the implant but that doesn't matter because he's not the one putting in the implant so like it yeah, doesn't, it doesn't matter it doesn't make any sense <laughs> there's no but a bunch of kids fall off a cliff too oh yeah that's fun listener john be aware this is maximum overdrive several dead kids this one even more oh, dead it's kids. all at once too it's like a mass mass high school like genocide. <laughs> yeah uh, 
So yeah, I don't know. It's like, got some entertaining moments, but it's certainly not very good. I wouldn't say it's, it's okay. And I love trashy '90s movies like yeah, this. And even I'm like, I won't watch this again. Yeah, if this wasn't like our jam in terms of like era of horror, yeah, I, it would be a much lower score for sure. <laughs> but it was entertaining to watch with some friends. Yeah, too. I end up giving it three stars. I did too. And Honestly, is, it's probably more like a two and a half, but most mm. people will probably give it two stars. <laughs> Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Next. I called it faculty light. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next up, this is one of our three Satan slash devil centered films. Do I have a devil? No. I'll just do this one. Ah! <laughs> right. Pretty good. Is this a witch's hat? <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you what I thought it was you a shark for this fin. movie because it is insane. Just all of them at once. My heart is like a shark's deepest bluest. My heart is like a shark's fin. What? Is that the deep blue rap? I don't. Deepest oh, bluest. My heart is like a yeah. I think fin. it is. Why did that come up? Because uh, I said shark fin. Yeah. <laughs> and that has been Harper's '90s rap. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So what is our Satan Devil film, Misha? <gasps> the Boxer's Omen, which came out in oh, 1983, boy. directed by Q Chi after suffering an injury in the ring and battled boxer Zen Wei enlists the aid of his brother Zen Zhang to avenge him and find the key to an omen, omen, which may release their family from an ancient curse. Black wizards, Teos monks, rampaging monsters, spooky apparitions, beastly crocodile skeletons, flying human heads, a sexy female zombie with long talons, and demonic bats lie in store for our hero. I mean, that said more than I could ever say. So the only guy we recognized... Was the big arm guy. That's Bolo Young. Bolo Young. Bolo Young. <laughs> He's a beefcake. I didn't recognize anybody else from this movie. Uh, Philip Coe is in Enter the Dragon, though. So that's something. I mean, this is a Shaw Brothers, so probably a lot of these folks were in those. Um, Where the Talon lady come from? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this movie is bananas. Weird, weird, weird. <laughs> it is bonkers on any level you could possibly imagine. Very, very weird. And that review probably doesn't even, or the synopsis doesn't cover probably half of what no. the weird stuff is. Essentially, the movie is, I mean, there is a story. Like, the guy's trying to, he discovers he, his, like, soul is tied to the soul of this monk who got killed by an evil black magic guy. And so he has to, like, save this monk whose like body is decomposing to save him to bring him back to life so that he won't die because yeah. they're like souls are intertwined for some reason or something like that and so it's after the, it's mostly just a series of these weird like abstract battles where he's like fighting this evil magic guy with a series of like transformations or like he'll like pour out a cauldron of goo and the goo <laughs> turns into a monster like it's just Literally, like, there are probably, like, a hundred, like, special, like, visual effects thing. I mean, it's all practical, but, like, a hundred effect shots, like, it's, yeah. or sequences. It's, like, constant. I still don't know what this film's about. I just told you. <laughs> but I'm glad um, you know, because it's just, like, a fever dream. <laughs> you want to hear some of my favorite insane moments in this movie? I do. Um, there's a little bat. So this evil bat gets killed. That's the, how the movie do starts. Do we have a bat? No. The bat, it's like, ee, ee, ee. This, I have a crow. Uh, 
this, this evil bat gets killed by the good monk guy and then it's the skeleton and then the skeleton rises up and it tries to waddle away <laughs> and he's like ah, i did ah. like that so yeah i, I like that um the black magic evil guy uh his head pulls off his body and flies around and it has tentacles hanging out of his neck very cool very very cool uh this is one of the craziest ones all right i'm gonna try to explain this so the evil reincarnated woman who mm-hmm. was born out of an alligator tummy. <laughs> yeah, that woman. Um, <laughs> she, uh, the this giant demon statue thing grabs her face and pulls all of her skin off. <laughs> right? <As> you do. <laughs> and then when she falls to the ground, she's like pooping out blue ooze uh, that's like coming out of her butt, I guess. And then out of that blue ooze, Three weird guys just like rise up out of the ooze mm-hmm. and then they commit ritual suicide and that summons these weird hairy cyclops dinosaurs that shoot lasers out of their one single eye. Yeah. Is that all? Did I get, did I cover that part? I mean, that's a small fraction of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's like five <laughs> minutes of this movie. It's all one scene. <laughs> yeah. That's one tiny part of one scene. Yeah. Um, I mean... Need I say more? <laughs> There's not a lot of boxing either. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down. There's like two boxing scenes, and it really kind of doesn't have they anything to do with anything else. They don't even come back to it. It's weird. The only thing it has to do with it is like he's trying to like avenge. So his brother gets paralyzed by this evil boxer, Bolo's the evil boxer, and so like it starts. You think, oh, he's like trying to get revenge, and he kind of does. He's trying to fight that boxer, and while he's doing that, like the evil people are like kind of voodoo cursing him, like poking his eyes out and yeah. stuff. So he's like having to fight while that's happening. That's the only way like the two stories are tied together. Otherwise, yeah. they have nothing to do with each other. Uh, man, I don't know. It's a wild ride. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little sometimes a little more open to a movie that like the plot is so secondary, and I'm just there for the ride. <laughs> I thought you are less. Uh, forgiving of that <laughs> well I, I just don't know what's going on <laughs> the cool crap on the screen that's what's going on yeah but i'll try and show you like tremors too and you'll be like there it doesn't make sense there's no plot and it's 93 minutes Reba- instead of 87 minutes <laughs> i mean that does sound like me <laughs> reba mcintyre what if reba mcintyre was at the boxer's omen would you love it then yeah of course would you love it then <laughs> um, so I don't know. You've seen more Shaw Brothers stuff too, so that probably helps. I've probably seen like two movies that you haven't seen. Don't be modest. Shaw Brothers? We all know you love all of that stuff. It's certainly not much of their horror stuff. Um, I thought this was awesome. You're always like, hopping vampires. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Vampire is great. I don't think that's, I don't know if that's a Shaw Brothers movie though. I don't remember. But um, yeah, I do love Mr. Vampire. Uh, I thought this was super fun because it's just off the wall insane. I gave it three and a half just because I don't know what happened. But there's a lot of goo. I wish they had more practical effects. And then here's a movie that's all practical effects. You're acting like I hated it. I just said I don't understand it. You acted like I hated Phantom of the Paradise. You did hate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm just teasing. Harley's like, stop fighting. (laughs) Harley, we're not fighting. Um, (laughs) I gave The Boxer's Omen four stars. Three and a half. You have to rent it from Videodrome. Yeah, that's how we saw it. It was a DVD. (laughs) DVD. I think it's in that big Shaw Brothers collection, I believe. Um, But yeah, I would love to own this movie because it was insane. (laughs) All right. Next up was a miscellaneous Michelle pick. 
miscellaneous me shells. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Remember when we did our Mother's Day and we had miscellaneous mamas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we watched Martin, or do you call it Martin? Martin. <laughs> Came out in 1977, directed by man. George A. Romero. Make your joke. Is there a George B. Romero? Okay. Yeah, we got that out of the way. <laughs> it's going to happen again. He could be the boy next door. That's true. He could be the boy next door. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. That's all. Uh, Martin sedates women with a syringe full of narcotics and then slices their wrists with a razor blade so he can drink their blood. Martin, who comes to live with his uncle and cousin in the dying town of Braddock, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, George Romero, <laughs> has romantic monochrome visions of vampiric seductions and torch lit mobs but it is impossible to tell how seriously he takes them starring john Amplis, lincoln mazel christine forrest and elaine nadu and tom savini mm-hmm. <laughs> and george romero pops up at some point he's the father the father father howard so martin <laughs> i think we need that father, father. Sound we, use it a lot. we do yeah. say it all the time <laughs> So you'd seen Martin before, but this is my first time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's hilarious. I'm like, Harper, this is dark. Boy, what yeah. are you talking I about? I had seen it, but I literally, <laughs> while we were watching it, I was like, I feel like I saw a completely different version of this movie because my recollection <laughs> of it was 100% different. Yeah. So it's kind of a clever take on like the typical Nosferatu vampire story. And I love how Romero presents it as like a family curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... For the most part, it's um it starts off a little unclear. Like, is he actually a vampire? Is he a messed up kid? Is his uncle just like insane because he's calling him like Nosferatu and like the demon or whatever? Yeah, garlic on their bed. Yeah, and he's and... acting insane. And Martin's just looks. Well, we know he's not innocent because he killer, literally yeah. killed someone on the way in the intro but uh it's like he's a gentle killer he tries to be although <laughs> starts he starts off that way i don't know he sedates people and then has quote sexy stuff <laughs> sexy stuff <laughs> um so Martin, it's called rape he's very a very dark figure not yes. the light-hearted boy next door <laughs> see all i remembered the main thing i remembered from it was him calling into the radio station yeah which is like kind of a much smaller part of the movie than I remembered. Yeah, I actually thought so he calls into a radio station to like tell his story of like how hard it's being a vampire and I thought it was kind of like a what we do in the shadows gag mm-hmm. or something so that like that would be in a vampire comedy for sure. It's like well, almost like, like people just won't die or whatever. Almost like an interview with a vampire thing too where like the radio yeah. station like they can't decide whether they believe him or not or mm-hmm. whether it's just like it's oh, they're like our listeners love this. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mostly liked it. Um, but there's supposed to be like a better version coming out. Is it longer or just oh, better quality? I think it's longer. I think they discovered like right after this version came out, I think whoever was putting it out, discovered, somebody found like a new print of it that had like extra scenes or something. Yeah. So I don't know if it's better or not, but it's, yeah, I think it's longer. Yeah. So yeah, it's I don't think that's been released yet. It's very different, a very different vampire story. Yeah, this and I is, appreciate that. This is definitely more in line with some of his other, like, lesser known stuff, like um, Season of the Witch kind of era stuff, where it's like he's using kind of horror elements within, like, this kind of very grounded, um, like, 
family drama kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the drama of just like growing up, except that he's like a murderer. Yeah. Essentially. And that like there is that one like kind of extended sequence where he goes to um uh you know kill this one woman and then accidentally stumbles on her having an affair with somebody and so it becomes like this big thing where he's like having to like chase them down and cover his tracks and like that's pretty it's kind of intense a little bit because it feels very real well yeah it starts off like he's like kind of unraveling because he's been doing this so long because he he says he's like 87 i think in the movie yeah um and his cousin doesn't believe him um so he and when he's talking on the radio show too, he's like, "Well, now like I use the syringes, it makes everything easy. I can like uh, clean up. I'm not gonna get caught." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And like the further he starts falling in love for like the first time, maybe, oh, yeah. and that's when everything starts unraveling for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he starts making mistakes, and he has to like kill random people very messily, and like has to run from the cops and yeah. stuff like that. So it's I think it's interesting. I think if this is one that I'll be like, you know, that probably, that was a really good Romero film. It's got like, a it's super got a, dark ending. Yeah. Too. It's going to grow on me. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I'm not like in love with it, but it's definitely really interesting. And it's, if you're a Romero fan, like it's a must see for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So on your second watch, what'd you think? I mean, I liked it better this time. Um, Cause I actually remember it apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It'd be interesting to do a Romero ranking. Like of his non-Living Dead movies, is probably the best. Maybe. Well, hold on. I'm thinking. No, Creepshow is probably the best one. But um, what about Night Riders? <laughs> and I like Monkey Shines a lot too. So I don't know. I mean, he has good ones outside of that franchise too. So I don't know. It's not. It's not my least favorite. Yeah. Okay. Um, I ended up giving it three and a half stars. I did too. That's Martin. 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 Um, so you remember earlier when I said that we would probably talk about another story from that same Stephen King collection? Yeah. Here we are. <gasps> Yay. And this satisfies our Something is Underground film. And that is Graveyard Shift, which came out in 1990, directed by Ralph S. Singleton. Stephen King took you to the edge with The Shining and Pet Cemetery. This time, he pushes you over. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. (laughs) (laughs) John Hall is a drifter who wanders into a small town in Maine. Ah! (laughs) Uh, He needs a job and decides to seek employment at the community's top business, a large textile mill. He is hired to work the graveyard shift. They said it. Oh, I thought you were saying something else. (laughs) Uh, The graveyard shift from around midnight to dawn, and along with a few others, he is charged with cleaning out the basement. This task strikes the workers as simple enough, but then as they proceed deeper underground, they encounter an unspeakable monstrosity intent on devouring them (laughs) all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starring David Andrews, Kelly Wolf, Stephen Mack, Andrew Kelly Wolf. Uh, Vic Palazzo's, and man. Brad Dorf. The only reason why we watched this movie. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. And I took a great clip from this movie that we'll have to play. Uh, it, that'll probably be my quote. Yeah. You'll, hear it, uh, you'll have already heard it. Um, uh, also, this guy, David Andrews, um, we have to add him to the list of. 
um, small time actors who look a lot like Seth Meyers. <laughs> yeah. And then the other guy looked just like Fred Ward, right? Yeah. The boss guy. What was it, his name? Is that uh, Is Stephen it, Mocked? Might be. Yeah, Warwick. I think so. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, we were like, is that him? It's like, I didn't see him in the credits. <laughs> Super weird. All right, Graveyard Shift, Harper. Oh, boy. Tell us. Well, the story is not my favorite one in that book. It's I think it my, it's one of the opening stories in that Night Shift book. Um, yeah, and it's basically just these guys have to clean out the basement, and there's a lot of rats. And I feel like in the story, it's just one giant rat, but I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I read that. Um, this movie's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. The acting is really bad. Very bad. That's definitely the worst thing about the movie. Particularly the boss. That, that he guy. sounds like the pet cemetery guy or trying to do the same accent. I guess he's supposed to be doing some kind of main do accent. Do main people have an accent I don't know. that I have never heard of? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like so over the top it sounds and it keeps like kind of changing. It just sounds redonkulous and nobody else has that yeah, accent. Very weird. Um, the plot's also really weirdly put together where like, yeah, somebody gets killed by some kind of creature. It get pushes him into like the whatever. What do you call that? The not a thresher, uh, you know, some sort of loom. I don't know. Uh, oh man, it's that thing that that was invented in the 19th cotton century. Cotton gin, gin. kind of. Yeah, I think it's a cotton gin. <laughs> um, anyways, um, so yeah, I don't know. The plot's really weird, and the main character's like, "Who are you, and why do I care about you?" The main character has like zero anything yeah, to do like with nothing. anything. <laughs> yeah, there's like nothing. Yeah, <laughs> he barely even talks. He's supposed to be like handsome too. It's like this guy. Yeah, he, he that? <laughs> uh, the best part of the movie is like kind of towards the end. They like go in the basement. They like fall into an old mining shaft, and they start like exploring it to try falling. and find their way out. They just yeah. keep going deeper and deeper. Something is underground. <laughs> there's a basement and then there's a sub-basement and then there's a mine shack and then there's like a cavern. <laughs> That's the best part is when they get to like this giant cavern. It's like this huge mining cave and it's like full of bone, human bones. Yeah. And it's like cool. And like a huge mausoleum that they never touch on. Yeah, yeah, it leads into a graveyard. Yeah, there's like almost something there. Like yeah. it's kind of cool. They focus the, too much on the labor union stuff yeah, and less on the much. giant cave. <laughs> the best, best part about this movie for sure though is that the main creature, which they don't really show very much until the yeah. end, is actually pretty cool looking and it's like a puppet. It's a practical effect. And it's more of a bat than a rat. Yeah. I was a little confused about that because there's all these rats. Yeah, I don't disagree about like that. Like they too. rhyme bat and rat. <laughs> I made a pigeon rat. Is it a bat rat? Maybe it's <laughs> like, a pigeon rat. Yeah, it's a pigeon Your rat. Your favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this movie was very boring, but. Yeah, it was way too long. It was. Um, for early 90s, even this like low budget, probably TV movie, the special effects are way better than like anything made with CGI currently coming it's true. out. true. This movie is not good and it still has better effects than most I movies. I know. Like there it's was a lot of cool bat rat stuff and gore and things and like the map paintings and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I appreciate all the little things that went into this movie. They just should have worked on their acting i guess <laughs> yeah and like i don't know there's not much um i mean the original story is not that great either to be honest red dwarf should have been the star yes why wasn't he answer me that yeah he's the exterminator who just like <laughs> pops in every once in a while um 
and says crazy stuff. And steals stuff. this show every yeah. time. He's, su- he's of such a gigantically higher caliber actor than yeah. everybody else in the whole cast. He doesn't have to do much. Yeah. He just embraces it's like, it. It's like if Daniel Day-Lewis was in like Sharknado, you know? I would simply just not work in this textile not mill. Not work the graveyard shift. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. I would not throw soda cans at rats and make them But mad. that's how he wins. The so slingshot with the Dr. Pepper can. That's I the know. key. Uh, yeah, it was okay. It's certainly, I mean, again, not the worst King adaptation. Yeah. What is the worst King adaptation we've ever watched? I don't know. We've seen so many. I mean, actually, yeah, we talked about one. What was the st- one in this? Is Dreamcatcher? Dreamcatcher is a piece of shit. S-H-I-T. So, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this might be better than Dreamcatcher. I don't know. It's a little iffy. Uh, but yeah, the like his shining, TV shining is much better than these than the um than most of i don't know what i'm trying to say there's a lot of bad king movies but this is not the worst that's what i'm trying to say (laughs) um that's graveyard shift Mm -hmm. what'd you give it two and a half i gave it three but i don't know harper yeah i think i'm gonna change it right now two and a half i think you're right pressuring you into that I don't know if we've been saying where these are all streaming. Have I we? haven't because who knows if they'll. Be That's streaming. true. We're recording this part a little early in October. Yeah. We're recording it in pieces, so yeah. Know. Hopefully, it'll still be on HBO Max yeah. for all those <laughs> graveyard shift heads that are excited Grave to go heads. watch it. Yeah. Um. So what's next? This was another of our devil slash Satan centered films. I don't got my devil. No. We need our Satan is good. Satan is our friend. Yeah. That would have been great, Harper. Sorry. But somebody deleted all our soundboards and made room for... That is whack. (laughs) Instead. I believe that was your idea. Thank you very much. We use it so much. Not this one. Talk to the hand because the face don't want to hear it anymore. We use that so much. (laughs) We needed our Jamie Kennedy. There are rules. And we need Satan is good. Satan is our friend. Apparently. Um, so we watched The Sentinel, which came out in 1977, directed by Michael Winner. She's Chicken living dinner. in the gateway to hell. <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> That's just like the plot of a movie. It sounds like the ACDC song or something. Gateway to hell. <laughs> a New York City model with a troubled past relocates to an apartment Boy, in a brownstone <laughs> building where the only other tenant is a withdrawn blind priest. After experiencing strange occurrences, she begins to realize her building houses a sinister evil. <gasps> Uh, Harley, our, our house houses a sinister evil, and its <laughs> name is Harley. The awoken. Aw, she brought her baby. Oh, she carried it in her mouth. Aww. So cute. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> All right. This cast. She's like, please, y'all stop podcasting yeah. and come upstairs. This cast is insane. Oh, yeah, it is. So we have Christina Rains. Chris, well, do you want to say where we know people from? We can do it later. Chris Sarandon. Sarandon. Martin Balsam, John Carradine, Jose Ferrer, Ava Gardner, Arthur Kennedy, Burgess Meredith, Sylvia Miles, Deborah Raffin, Raffin, Eli Wallet, Christopher Walken, uh, Jerry Orbach, Beverly D'Angelo, uh, I know Jeff Goldblum's in there. Uh, Richard Dreyfus has a uncredited sidewalk scene. <laughs> <laughs> so he is man on uh, sidewalk talking to a girl in red sweater. Yeah. 
uh, any other people? Literally everyone in this movie is a familiar face and you'll just spend the whole time going, but like, not who is that? always a familiar voice because Jeff Goldblum is dubbed over. It's so weird. Goldblum dubbed over. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of good people in this movie. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like kind of classic act, uh, actors and actresses like Ava Gardner, and yeah. John Carradine. Arthur Kennedy, our man from I uh, all these people. I know. Oh. I'm saying what they're from. You told <laughs> like, me to. Arthur Kennedy <laughs> from uh, uh, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Uh, Chris Sarandon, who was in Fright Night. Fright Night. I did. We know the main girl, Christina Raines. She's in like Nashville and. Oh right, right. Um, oh, I want to see Nightmares. Stuff. That's a movie that's on my list. And The Duelists, I've never seen either. Ridley Scott's first movie. Yeah. Um. But uh, Martin Balsam, we know from like uh, Psycho, obviously, Psycho. 12 Angry Men, Kate Fear, <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. We know Christopher Walken, all these people. It's a crazy cast. The cast is insane. Yeah. But most of all, the weirdest thing is seeing Beverly D'Angelo, the lady from uh, the mom from Christmas Vacation <laughs> in the National Lampoon <laughs> movies. Boy. <laughs> Uh, if you're a big She's, fan of her in those movies, uh, you pleasuring might, herself. Yeah, you might not recognize her. It's real weird. In her little lesbian love. It's real weird. <laughs> oh, my favorite part. We should have gotten this quote though. Uh, she's like, "So, what do you do? You, what do you two do for a living?" And what does she say? Fondle ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Fondle each other. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that will be our like oh, best my God. line. That's what I want to tell people. If anybody asks, that, if we ever go to a dinner party, and people are like, "What do you two do for a living?" We're like, "Fondle each other." <laughs> so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I laughed so hard when that happened. Like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. This movie was a, a pleasant surprise. I, I told you it was going to be good. Liked I actually liked it. Um, because I thought, oh, it's just going to be another Rosemary's Baby or something because it's just like your typical haunted apartment story. Um, but it's actually way more like creepy religious movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think there's some problematic issues because like yeah. it starts off with her being like, I'm going to be very independent. Like she's been dating this guy, but she really wants to live alone and just like live by herself for a while, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's like very refreshing, but then he kind of has to save the day at the end. Yeah, it has. I know you haven't seen this movie, but it reminded me of that sense of uh, Allison's birthday is kind of the same thing where like she's the main character, but for like the last act, her boyfriend is the one who like yeah. has to stop the So that wasn't fun. But up until that, I mean, even after that, it's still really interesting. And there's some problematic stuff where they use... Yeah, the much more serious problematic piece. Yeah, they um, take the freaks approach <laughs> and use some... It's a lot worse. Freaks is way more sensitive than this. Yeah. That. They, uh, when... Well, the, spoiler, well, it's a gateway to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and some demons come out and they happen to use people with physical dis- deformities to represent those Which, people man it's a really touchy iffy thing because when they first start walking out we were like whoa this is some crazy makeup effects yeah, and, and then, then we're, we're like, like oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah it becomes a little uh a little iffy yeah, yeah. for sure <laughs> it's gotten a lot of criticism because of that it sounded like um i mean it's, fr- it's frustrating because it is effective sort of yeah. um but it's also very insensitive so yeah. it's uh, yeah it's weird um, but the ending is insane. I don't want to spoil the ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know it's a gateway to hell. It's the tagline yeah. for the damn movie. <laughs> but um, the ending is crazy. Uh, and there's like a major twist about 
the main characters in the in two that's really interesting. Yeah, this movie just goes for it. It does. As far as like the religious stuff, there's some archival detective work. Uh, what else is there? I, one of my favorite things about this is that like, they build up so many like different threads of mystery throughout the movie and then it actually all comes together in a really satisfying way in the end. Yeah. Because like, okay, first there's like, Okay, she's got this weird history where, like, yeah, she, she has tried a very troubled herself. past, and like, okay, how, is that is is it like a mental thing? Like, is she losing her mind? Is this like one of those like apartments, uh, you know, apartment living people going crazy movies? Yeah. Or uh, okay, and then it's like she has these. Oh, we didn't mention the best part of this movie. There's a cat birthday party. There is. I posted a photo on her Twitter about it. <laughs> um. But like, there's a whole section where she discovers that like all these people she met were maybe ghosts. And then there's another part where her boyfriend may be under investigation for previous crimes right. and he, current crimes. He has a troubled past. Yeah. And like, yeah, she was the main girl in this movie. She was like the other woman, and this guy's wife at the time committed Killed suicide. Herself, or did she? Yeah. Like, the, yeah, the police like don't believe him. And then there's like all this religious stuff. Yeah. And then they keep showing right over my head until the end. <laughs> they keep showing this priest, uh, and you don't know what his deal is. And yeah, there's it, there's like all these little threads that throughout the movie you're like, I don't quite see how this all fits together. And then in the end, it really does come together yeah. in a satisfying way. So that's really cool. And they don't show the audience everything. And so it has that like psychological creep factor. For sure. To kind of build it up to. And a cat birthday party. Yeah. I mean, the cat birthday party alone should be the cover of this movie. I mean, yeah, just a cat with it a birthday It should just have hat. his little, like, a <laughs> picture of his little hat on. The Sentinel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's certainly one of the highlights. We had to back it up and take pictures. Yeah. Because it was hilarious. Um, yeah, but it's. Oh, all around, minus those two things we mentioned, is really solid. Yeah, if it wasn't for those two, like, kind of icky bits a little bit, yeah. uh, one much more icky than the other, yeah. uh, it would be, like, a five-star maybe for mm -hmm. me. Like, I really liked this, but those two things are definitely take away something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is great. I, I ended up giving it four stars. I had originally did three and a half, but I'm going to go with four because compared to the other stuff we've watched, it's been higher. Yeah. Higher caliber yeah it's definitely one of the best ones we've watched uh this and far, it's weird this director he only did like the death wish movies oh yeah so it's well, like that's what he got famous for yeah <laughs> never seen him no I mean, there's any other horror dead. movies we could watch yeah <laughs> so sentinels not currently streaming you can rent it on amazon yeah next movie so the next one is one of our two post-apocalyptic or natural disaster related films we went post-apocalyptic on both mm -hmm. um we chose Land of the Dead. Yep, that's right. We overlapped with our uh, <laughs> Romero episode. <laughs> we just did. Well, it's funny we picked two Romeros. Yeah, it is. not. That wasn't on purpose. But yeah, yeah we did Land of the Dead because we knew we'd be watching it for the other episode that you'll have just listened to recently. Um, so we won't talk about it too much since we already went pretty in-depth in on it. But um, Quick Land of synopsis. the Dead, tell us about it. The dead shall inherit the earth. The world is full of zombies and the survivors have barricaded themselves inside a walled city to keep out the living dead. As the wealthy hide out in skyscrapers and chaos rules the streets, the rest of the survivors must find a way to stop the evolving zombies from breaking into the city. Satang. Starring Robin Ward, Brian Renfro, Simon Baker, John Leguizamo, Dennis Hopper, Asia Argento, Robert Joy, Eugene A. Clark, 
and don't remember anybody else. So, Eugene A. Clark is Big Daddy. That's right. <laughs> so, for the most part, I I thought it was okay. I haven't seen this since it came out in theaters, and I remember Hopper's character being insane, and yeah. he's not. So he's very like boring Hopper, this which is, is pretty weird. disappointing. Yeah. Um, I do like that it sort of follows at least the smart zombie uh, idea from the last one. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the continuity, I guess, and the timeline of zombie evolution. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know, it's a little, it's missing something, something special. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a little formulaic with like early 2000s typical zombie movies. Well, I'd say for starters, the cast is not great. Uh, the main guy is pretty white, white bread. Yeah. Milk toast. Um, <laughs> milk toast. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, like you said, Dennis Hopper is like really boringly reserved, uh, which is like, why even have him in the movie if you're not going to let him kind of do his thing? Um, and, uh, and John Leguizamo is just John Leguizamo, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh the main problem I had of this is it feels like this is more like a Greg Nicotero movie than a George Romero movie. Like it feels like the movie is 90% about like what, how many crazy zombie kills can we make? Yeah. Which granted some of those are really cool and some of them are good. Like the makeup effects are really good in this. Oh, this is the first Romero zombie movie to have CGI, which is lame. Um, not a ton. No, but it definitely has some, Mm -hmm. um, but the social commentary, which is like the main piece of these movies, is so thin here. It's just like, oh, rich people are bad. Yeah. And they're... The in- rich get richer, the poor, the poor get, poorer. get poorer. Wow. <laughs> and in a zombie world, mm, it's even more. <laughs> yeah, there's just not much thought put into it at all, really. Um, it, and uh, that seems so secondary to just like, oh, we're going to use this massive tank bus thing to plow through zombies yeah. and... Yeah, there's just not a lot to it story-wise. Like, yeah, the piece of the smart zombies is very cool. I'm with you there. And that's clever and like a good evolution of the of the of the uh franchise story. But other than that, there's not much to it that like adds anything interesting. Yeah. Um so, I don't know. It doesn't really um do a lot for me. This feels more like a prequel to Walking Dead than anything else. Yeah, I could see that. Definitely. Um but yeah, we talked about it more on our other episodes. So. Yeah, we don't have to go too much. It's it's fine. I think if you're a completionist, probably watch it. Well, as <laughs> as you heard on that other episode, it's not the worst one. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> so that's Land of the Dead. Three stars. Three stars also. And it's not streaming anywhere. No. It, well, it might be later in the month. We'll see. We somehow own this and almost bought it again. Thinking yeah, we, we didn't did. Own it. <laughs> <laughs> we almost bought a second used copy. All right. Um, Next movie. What did this? I'm trying to remember what this was I think was this was for. a decade. I think you're right. Um, I'm double checking. Yeah, I believe this covered the 1950s. We needed an extra decade. And so this was 1959. I don't have a moomie. A moomie? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good enough, I guess. (laughs) So that's The Mummy, which came out in 1959, directed by Terrence Fisher, torn from the tomb to terrify the world. One by one, the archaeologists who discover the 4,000-year-old tomb of Princess Anaka are brutally murdered, 
Karis, high priest in Egypt 40 centuries ago, has been brought to life by the power of the ancient gods and his sole purpose is to destroy those responsible for the desecration of the sacred tomb. But Isabel, wife of one of the explorers, resembles the beautiful princess. What a coincidence. Forcing the speechless and tormented monster to defy commands and abduct Isabel to an unknown fate. Starring My man. Peter Cushing. My man. Christopher Lee. My man. Yvonne Furnow. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Eddie Byrne. Felix Elmer. 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 You're going to take that and you're going to like it. <laughs> I love Elmer. Yeah. Um. So, unfortunately, we have been spoiled by Brendan Fraser's The Mummy because no other <laughs> mummy movie is going to compare. <laughs> sure. It's kind of, I mean, I haven't seen very many mummy movies, but it kind of seems like Brendan Fraser's Mummy's the only good mummy. It's starting, starting to, to seem that, that way. We have to watch all the mummies and do a mummy episode yeah. and be like, it was, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> we were correct. <laughs> so, first off, this needs more mummy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it was okay. I did not like when the mar- narrator, Peter Cushing, had to oh re-narrate God. everything Look, we had just seen on screen. <laughs> I'm you, you, listener and Michelle, you all know I'm a big Hammer horror fan. You right? are. I love Hammer horror movies. I love movies. Hammers. This was really slow, even by Hammer stand- Like Hammer it's movies. It's not even that long. A lot of them tend to be pretty slow, but this one was really slow. It's, and it's, yeah. Like you said, it feels very much like they had to fill a running time. Like they're like, oh man, we need 10 more minutes. Oh, let's just show that scene where they go into the tomb again and we'll just but show a little time, bit more we'll of this what time. Happened. And Peter Cushing yeah. will narrate it. Yeah. It's like, oh man. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, and P- maybe, like, it's obvious Peter Cushing hurt his leg. Maybe he was supposed to do more because he's limping through the yeah, whole movie. Yeah, it is weird. I, it I forgot to look like at the a, trivia to see that. It seems like they had to write that in. It kind of does, yeah. Um, the only thing I liked is probably the mummy design because he, like, comes out of a bog a lot, so he's very, like, <laughs> muddy. Yeah, well, it's like... You only ever see him having come out of the bog, yeah. pretty much. So he's, he's always like bog. dripping and yeah. nasty looking. So, like, so okay, he's I more guess of that's a swamp thing it. than a mummy. Yeah. Um, uh, I do like the whole, I know we just complained about the flashbacks, but I think my favorite part was the actual like Egyptian part of it when they tell like, because you get to see yeah, like Christopher Lee doing his thing. Yeah, I just don't know makeup. why they didn't just show that the first time. I don't like know. just build off of that. Yeah, they. I mean, maybe the they saw Pulp Fiction and went closet. back in time, and yeah. were like, "We should do it out of order." <laughs> yeah. So Peter Cushing's fine. Chris Riley's good. Um, the it's a bit of a stretch with the that the mummy is not gonna attack people because that white lady kind of looks like his. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. Not Um, a lot of good things to say about the movie. Yeah, I mean it's fine. It's just yeah, it's not. It's not super exciting for sure. Um, And I think my favorite thing about it is then is that Christopher Lee as the mummy when he walks around, he walks around like Vince McMahon and that Mm -hmm. GIF we all use. He's like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) (laughs) appropriate. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what? Well, Terrence Fisher, he's done. Oh, he's done. I mean, Dracula, Curse of Frankenstein. We liked those, right? Uh, yeah, Dracula especially. Yeah, I mean, he's done tons of Hammer movies, tons yeah. of them. I guess we'll have to see the Universal. Dracula's not bad. Mummy and definitively Curse the Werewolf is, <laughs> is pretty good. Frank uh, Frankenstein created a woman. I have not seen yet, but it's supposed to be great. Uh, fan, hit their Phantom of the Opera is pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean. He's he's done a gazillion Hammer movies. 
Yeah. Uh, this one just doesn't work that well. Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about it either. Yeah, it's just not not super entertaining. I mean, I like I always love Peter Cushing. And mm-hmm. I mean, um Christopher Lee doesn't get a ton to do in this, frankly, but he Peter Cushing's Peter Cushing's pretty good. We were like, man, he's Although all- one scene he's really tan. <laughs> Who Christopher Chris Lee? Really? Yeah, well, he's supposed to be Egyptian. I know. <laughs> um, but I do <laughs> I do like Peter Cushing. We're always joking about how like this man has always looked like he's like 65 years old. And in these hammer movies, he's always like running and jumping and flying all over the place like a crazy person. He's definitely I, an old man. I, I love Peter Cushing. I want to see like, his baby photos. He's like my spirit animal. <laughs> Did his hair have like a receding widow's peak <laughs> as a baby? <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay, but yeah, I mean, there's just, I don't know, there's just not, and plus the mummy just doesn't seem that threatening. No, He's just not, not really. very scary. There's one good scene, he breaks in through like a prison window. I guess oh that's yeah, that's about, kinda He cool. does like smash through a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's more little, Frankenstein though. Jason <laughs> style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay. I don't have a ton to say about it, I guess, but yeah, it's pretty, I would say it's fairly low on my, if I was ranking Hammer movies. Yeah. So. I ended up giving it two and a half stars. I gave it three, but that's pretty generous, probably. And that is The Mummy. 1959. Not streaming anywhere. We had to rent it. So, next movie, Blade, semicolon, no, colon, Trinity, which came out in 2004, directed by David S. Goyer. And this qualified for our um, worst Dracula film by Letterbox rating that we haven't seen and can access. And it was pretty low on that list. It was it like sure third, was. second or third on that list. <laughs> so the and final, I was like, it can't be that bad. <laughs> it can't be really right. It can't be. It can't be. The final hunt begins for years. Blade has fought against the vampires in the cover of the night. But now after falling into the crosshairs of the FBI, he is forced out into the daylight where he is driven to join forces with a clan of human vampire hunters he never knew existed, or we did either, <laughs> called the Night Stalkers. <laughs> Together with Abigail and Hannibal, two definitely trained Night Stalkers. Abigail and Hannibal. Yeah. Come on, Blade guys. follows a trail of blood to the ancient creature that is also hunting blood. him. Blood! <laughs> oh, yeah. The original vampire... Dracula. Dracul. So we have added some more sound effects to our soundboard to give the people what they want. Oh, we didn't do our rules one. Harper. I'll do it the next. (sighs) So this stars Wesley Snipes, Jessica Biel, Ryan Reynolds, Chris Christopherson, Dominic Purcell, Parker Posey, Natasha Leone, James Remar, John Michael Higgins, Patton Oswalt. Probably some other people, but like you're thinking like, oh, I like I like some of those people. This might not be that bad, but this is like early 2000, early in their careers. So they're they're oh not boy. they can't say. Yeah. That. <laughs> when the credits were rolling, I was like, huh, this might actually be OK. And then we started watching and I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is very not. Okay. What is going on here? <laughs> Nothing good. That's for sure. Um. So. Also, I knew that this movie was going to be special when Triple H showed up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I forgot. I totally Triple forgot H. about that. <laughs> wow. I completely forgot he was in it. And he actually had a line and then he didn't die. So I was like, oh, he's coming back. He's like a main character. <laughs> uh, actually, I remember the best, my favorite part about this terrible movie is when Triple H is chasing after their car and he's screaming the whole time. Yeah. Ah! 
<laughs> like kind of like that. <laughs> For like, yeah, he's just like Aah! a really long time. <laughs> yeah, this movie was beyond terrible. I mean. For a movie with this kind of, I mean, it's not like gigantic. Well, it's pretty big budget, especially compared I to mean, some of the other stuff. Most of the other movies we've watched. Yeah. Is this the biggest budget movie of all of them we've watched? Well, on know. the list. We it can might check be. at the end. <laughs> um, but you'd think it would be competent and it's really not. It's, the writing is awful. It is one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. And Ryan Reynolds is doing his Deadpool character. And guess what, folks? It doesn't work <laughs> in any movie that isn't Deadpool. No, it's just... <laughs> he it's is really, so annoying. He's really obnoxious. <laughs> so um, and obnoxious. It did hurt. <laughs> here's the, I didn't like it. Here's the entire uh, synopsis of uh, the other character played by Jessica Biel. She's a vampire hunter's daughter, and she shoots arrows. Yeah. Yep, that's all the information we're ever given this about is her probably... in terms of personality, history, <laughs> anything. I don't really remember the second one. I know we watched it a couple second years ago. Good. But, like, this one feels the most Marvel-y slash comic-y. Kind of, yeah. Maybe. And the other ones I mean, I think didn't the second one does feel too. as bad as this. Well, like, Jessica Biel is, like, she's just, like, Hawkeye, right? <laughs> yeah. Or Hawk Girl or whoever. It was way before Hawkeye was, like, a popular character. In I'm any, just saying. that's ex- yeah. And, like, she has those weird, like, sleeves that just dangle when she's shooting Oh, yeah, when she stuff. shoots arrows, like, she has to, like, Like, they try to give them sleeves. costumes. It's really, yeah, it is really weird. <laughs> and um, then Patton Oswalt's annoying and i don't know he plays basketball at some point <laughs> i've totally forgot about that too um then dracula the bad guy dracula himself Ooh. is so <laughs> bad and you, i remember you commenting that, that he looks like he's in a cold play music video yeah he's constantly walking like down busy streets yeah. and like sees he's dracula like, what merch the world become? <laughs> yeah that's like it was like a whole sequence where he finds like a vampire novelty store and he's like really annoyed by it yeah He's like, goth people are the worst. And Wesley Snipes is just phoning it in. We know he didn't like filming this yep. movie. And we only watched this, too, because we wanted to see the CGI eyes. And the HBO version cut it out. Yeah, well, it, this the is whole like ending the director's cut or whatever. Yeah. Where, yeah, where that doesn't happen. <laughs> and so it's like, we didn't even get the one funny thing we I thought know, we I was looking forward to it. So you can watch it on YouTube. It's really funny. <laughs> so David F. Goyer has a pretty terrible track record as a director. Because mm-hmm. the only the he's only directed four movies and the other one we've seen the unborn oh, is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in a theater like we almost walked out i gave it a like half Gary a star Oldman is in that. Is. <laughs> a half a star <laughs> um yeah uh so not a great he's an okay writer sometimes but not <laughs> well yeah he, he co-wrote like batman begins and stuff well I think. what happened let's see He's, he wrote Blake, he's a writer on Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> Batman Begins, although also Batman v Superman, Man of well, Steel. I thought Christopher Nolan helped write those. Well, yeah, he did. Uh, but he also wrote Blade, the Hellraiser remake. God, he just says, writes all these like Terminator comic Dark book Fate. Movies. Yeah, he does. Dark, Dark City, that's a fantastic movie. Blade 2. Yeah, he, literally almost everything on here is a comic book movie. It's weird. Anyway, I don't like him. Well, and yeah. I don't really like this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, I think this is probably... I mean, it works for our, our rule. There are certain <laughs> rules that one must abide by. Oh, yeah, it was by. supposed to be bad. Uh, I mean, <laughs> up to this point, is this the worst movie we have, we've watched for yeah. Hooptober? Yeah, I, I believe think so. so. I have a feeling it might end up being the worst one, period. It could we'll be. It, we'll give out a Razzie I mean, was, at the end. This was the only <laughs> movie on the list that was picked specifically because it was bad. So, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. 
Although our next one's not great either. <laughs> yeah. Also, I want to say Parker Posey can't even save this one. No, I mean, and that's really saying I was really looking forward to something. Parker Posey, and she's her line delivery is bizarre. Yeah, she's pretty bad <laughs> in this. Well, she's got terrible fake vampire teeth, so that probably yeah. made it hard. But yeah. Also, there's, there's a vampire puppy. Oh, yeah. a couple <laughs> of puppies that. with Boy, vampire teeth. Boy, this movie teeth. is dumb, dumb, dumb. I forgot about that. <laughs> All right, I gave it one and a half stars. I gave it five cents. No, I'm just kidding. I gave it one and a half also. <laughs> it's streaming on HBO. Don't watch it. Nope. Do not. Next movie. Eaten Alive. Directed by Toby Hooper. Came out in 1976. He puts the hoop in Hooptober. Hoop. So as we all know, as part hoop of Hooptober, dreams. the rule <laughs> says there must always be a Toby Hooper film. There are certain rules. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> so, Ian Alive, meet the maniac and his friend. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. A psychotic redneck who owns a dilapidated hotel in the backwater swamps of Louisiana kills various people who upset him or his business or just whenever he feels like it. And he feeds their bodies to a large crocodile, not alligator, that he keeps as a pet in the swamp beside his hotel. Starring Neville Brand, Mel Ferrer, Carolyn Jones, Marilyn Burns, William Finley, Robert England, Stuart Whitman, and Kyle Richards, and Roberta Collins. It's really weird to see Marilyn Burns not in Texas Chainsaw. Like I, I, I probably wouldn't have even recognized her. If I it was know. weird that she wore a wig for half of it, too, yeah, that and was, then takes off the wig, that, and there's no mention of why she's doing that. That did make it more confusing, <laughs> you're right. I still don't know what yeah, was that going whole, on with them. Like, <laughs> it kind of, uh, oh, sorry. It there's kind, no yawning in nah! baseball! <laughs> it kind of insinuated that they were like on the run from the law or something, kind, kind of, of, but like, I don't think they were. He was like an emotional mess, so it's hard to understand what was happening. Yeah, oh, this is yeah the second appearance of our boy. What's his name? William Finley. Yeah, from uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Made yeah. a Made a recurrence here. <laughs> um, boy, I mean, one of these years, we're going to pick a really good Toby Hooper movie for that rule in <laughs> Well, October. we're not, because you always want to watch new movies. Well, because I would like to see all of his movies, but uh, yeah. Well, we're I'm, getting to the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> well, it's because you didn't want to watch The Mangler. Or I wanted to watch Eggshells. That uh, I wanted to watch Toolbox Murders, and some for some reason we we uh, decided this was some kind of agreement between us that we watched. <laughs> we watched one we both movie. don't want. Yeah, I don't know, because yeah, we did. Uh, was it Funhouse last year? Invaders from Mars. Invaders from Mars. That was okay. Funhouse was also okay. This one was bad, <laughs> just straight up bad. I think uh, it's probably my least favorite Toby Hooper movie I've seen. Um, it because it's basically just like uh, Toby Hooper or whoever that was writing it decided like they were like, what if we remade Psycho? But this time Norman Bates has a crocodile and he's very obviously crazy. <laughs> There's no like mystery to it whatsoever. Um, because this guy is Looney Tunes. <laughs> you know what's weird is he made a movie called Crocodile in the year 2000. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> is it connected? I don't think so. Does the croc live? <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so. Um, I did not... So there were a couple scenes that I think were good and might make it worth watching, but for the most part, it's kind of boring and there's no it's real really tension boring. and... You, I was expecting like 
Texas Chainsaw creep factor, and I didn't get it because everything's like on a set. Yeah, and it's so distracting. Uh, it's oh, like, before why I forget, is this fake. <laughs> I forgot to mention this was our Toby Hooper film, but it also was our film with Robert England. Oh it, yeah, yeah, it was a crossover. Um, yes, the set thing is a big part of why I didn't like. Uh, one of the parts of why I didn't like this, uh, aside from the fact the movie was just dumb and boring. But not um, many people get eaten alive either. Agreed. Only like, but like half. Yeah, this house is so clearly it's set. Like when people run up the stairs, like the walls yeah. are shaking. Like, <laughs> the, like I, I, I'm not against like sets. Like sometimes, sometimes you know, a fake set is exactly what you need. And like, I mean, I'm a huge Hammer horror fan, and those are all mm-hmm. shot on sets, and that's partly why they're cool. But like, this just felt like just too almost too cheap is like this doesn't even this doesn't feel real in any sense of the word yeah i find it just very bizarre that was this the follow-up to chainsaw um it's certainly not long after that chainsaw was 74 and this was 76 so i'm just like why didn't they give him more money i don't understand (laughs) um yeah i don't know and uh yeah, the bat, uh, the the villain is just kind of annoying, and he doesn't make any sense. And that was my other main problem. Oh he's just God, like he's insane awful. for no reason from yeah. the beginning, which works in Texas Chainsaw because they like stumble upon this family. But he's like a part of this town, and like he has runs a business. So yeah, I this, don't know. It feels out of place. This just doesn't have any of the magic. That he just Texas snaps Chainsaw for does. no reason. Yeah, kind of. And there's also just not that much actual crocodile stuff, which you mm-hmm. kind of expect is the whole thing. Like these people are going to be stuck in between like a crocodile and a maniac. And like he's the crocodile's barely in the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Robert England getting eaten by a crocodile is kind of fun, but there's also, just not that much of it. I, I like that Kyle Richards, she's the little girl in this and the little girl in Halloween. Oh, that's right. So yeah, she's I forgot just, about that. Making she spends her like way half of this movie just like crawling around <laughs> under the floorboards. Yeah. While Marilyn Burns is like tied to a bed <laughs> or whatever. I remember, I feel like I kind of liked the opening of the movie, which is also, again, just like Psycho. It's like this woman yeah. is working at a brothel and decides it's not for her when she meets Robert England, who is the inspiration for Buck, who likes to F-U-C-K <laughs> in, uh, in uh, Kill Bill, because uh, he says the same thing. Um she decides she doesn't want to work there anymore, and so she runs away and goes to stay in this crazy guy's uh, hotel and gets eaten by an alligator. Yeah, crocodile. Oh, crocodile. Sorry. Crocodile. Oh boy. <laughs> canceled. I'm just canceled. Yeah. Um, like that opening is kind of cool because you're like, oh, is she gonna be the main character? And then she's dead, just mm-hmm. like Psycho. Um, but yeah, it's just really. I don't know. I just didn't like this. It didn't do much me for me at either. all. I had a hard time even paying attention. I didn't like it so much. I think the ending gets crazy enough. That's when it you can be like, oh, okay, now we're finally getting somewhere. But it's a long way to get to that, that moment. I mean, only sort of, though. The ending's not even that great either, from what I remember. Well, Eat It Alive. I gave it two stars. I did, too. It's on Shudder, Tubi, Peacock, and Amazon. He's sick for fucks. You've seen one too many movies. <laughs> F-U-C-K. <gasps> F-U-C-K. <laughs> All right, next movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. There are certain rules. 
Uh, we picked this one because it's a film with an X in the title. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to try something that wasn't an exorcism movie, <laughs> but I had a well, real hard time. X. There's like extra <laughs> and X, but I, that was it was a really hard thing to search for unless it starts with yeah. an X, and there's and really not like horror movies with X. <laughs> yeah, really not very many with those. So, um, yeah, this was our film with an X in the title. So, Exorcism of Emily Rose came out in 2005, directed by Scott Derrickson. What happened to Emily? Question mark. When a young girl called Emily Rose dies, everyone puts blame on the exorcism which was performed on her by Father Moore prior to her death. The priest is arrested on suspicion of murder. The trial begins with lawyer Aaron Bruner representing Moore, but it is not going to be easy as no one wants to believe what Father Moore says is true. It's a weird synopsis. Mm -hmm. All right, but listen to this cast. You got Laura Linney, Tom Wilkinson, hey, Campbell Scott, Jennifer Carpenter, Oops, I mean. hey, <laughs> Kenneth Welsh, Mar- Mary Beth Hurt. Um, wait, oh wait, she was in uh, Child of the Night, right? Or something? Maybe. I can't remember. Colm Ferrer. I don't know who any of these other people are that you're saying. I don't know, but when you see the first like five people well, on screen, you're like, "Whoa!" Laura Linney and uh, and uh, Tom Wilkinson. I mean, that's a that's a heavy hitting group right there already. Mm-hmm, that is. And those are two actors who were in like everything in the early 2000s and are like in nothing now, which makes me really sad because I love both of them a lot. Yeah. Um. So I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out. And I remember thinking it was very slow and not like I was expecting more of like an exorcist type movie. And this is more like a procedural. You, when you watched it this time or when you watched it the last no, time? No, the last time. Okay. Then why, so did, this why time were you so I was excited prepared. to watch it? <laughs> because I was like, I got to give it another chance. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this sounds like me. Because like, like, I didn't did appreciate it back then. You didn't even like Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been 20 years almost. Okay. <laughs> I want to know what happened to Emily Rose. <laughs> her name, the real lady's name was not Emily Rose. It was like Frau something, yeah. <laughs> some German name. Um, but I actually liked it. I thought it was decent. It was a very different approach to your typical exorcism film. Yeah. And it's more of like a courtroom drama that happens to have some supernatural stuff going on. Um, and the cast is great. And yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. I think, um, I think it does run a little too long. Like it, it feels a little long, but um, the the structure, like you said, is really interesting in that it's like largely based on the trial, and then as you're going through the trial, like you're revealing the story of what actually happened with her and the exorcism itself and the possession and all that stuff. So it's a really clever way to tell a story that you know we've largely seen before yeah. in The Exorcist and any other exorcist movie. Um, but yeah, it lend, the trial part of it really lends it more serious weight than I would have guessed that it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, the thing everybody talks about in this movie, um, Jennifer Carpenter is pretty damn good, largely just in like her physical performance. Yeah, she does a lot of like contortion stuff and like can freeze her body in weird ways mm-hmm. and not move and it's creepy. Yeah, it, in the trivia, it said that they um, they had like a whole plan to make like these fake 
models of like contorted bodies and stuff. But then when they saw what she could do, what Jennifer Carpenter could do, they were like, I don't think we need those. Let's <laughs> just go with uh, what you can do. All right, Harper, get on the floor and contort and let's mm. see how well you can do. I mean, my neck It's hurts for the gram. Right so. <laughs> no, not right now. We'll post it. Maybe Do your best Emily Rose pose. Mm. <laughs> Hashtag Emily Rose pose. Yeah, That's Emily Rose That's pose. Emily Rose challenge. <laughs> you have to break your spine. Yeah, let's just start it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and Laura Linney's really good in particular. Yeah, I really like her character because she's not religious. And then she maybe yeah. kind of is religious by the end of it. And so it's like, all this weird stuff is happening and I don't believe in it. Yeah, it's a clever like setup. And yeah, she's like a non-believer, but is having to defend the priest who is, you know, trying to prove to tell Emily's story and prove that like he didn't kill her, that it was really... You know, she was like yeah. a saint, which the real person that's based on is recognized as a saint now, which is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, it was enough that it made me like want to read the Wikipedia page about the real thing and all that. And I, was, mm-hmm. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So that was, it is weird that they like changed the name, though, because it's like well, this is based on a true it, story. I can make it take place in Germany. In, no, like, but the they 70s. act like it's about Emily Rhodes, like it's the opening stuff in the yeah. end. It's like. Emily did yeah. this. Emily did, yeah, Emily's parents did it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It was also two priests, not one priest that were on, that was on trial. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it was it was definitely really interesting. I liked it. I liked it too. So I ended up giving it three and a half stars. I did too. And you want to hear something really annoying? Yeah. It's on Hulu now, uh, which is annoying because we bought a used DVD of it. <laughs> So that we wouldn't have to now we can rent own it from it Amazon. Forever. Yeah, I mean, now we can rewatch Emily Rose, any Emily Rose pose challenge. Yeah, anytime, anytime we, want. we want. That's true. What's next? Next up. Oh is my god! Our favorite, <laughs> the Omega Man, nineteen seventy-one, directed by Boris Sagal. And this satisfied uh, one of our two post-apocalyptic films. There are certain rules. I got to use a different one soon. <laughs> what else do we got? Oh, so, <laughs> Omega Man. <laughs> I should laugh so hard. The last man alive is not alone. Ah! That's a great tagline, actually. <laughs> Due to an experimental vaccine, Dr. Robert Neville is the only human survivor of an apocalyptic war waged with biological weapons. Besides him, only a few hundred deformed nocturnal people remain sensitive to light and homicidally psychotic. Starring Charlton Heston and his big pale legs, Anthony Zerby, Rosalind Cash, Zerb? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rosalind Cash, Paul Coslow, Eric Lonoville, Lincoln Kilpatrick, Anna Aries, and Brian Tochi. I don't think I recognize anybody except for Charlton Heston. Yeah, You'll take this last man on earth out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although Anthony Zerby is in the Matrix, apparently. Hmm. As Counselor Hamon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's the he's the guy that like runs Zion in the Matrix. He's I also forget. In I read Cool Hand Luke, American Hustle, The Dead Zone, The Parallax View, License to Kill, Papillion, and some Star Trek stuff. Huh. So he's in a lot of things. This was interesting because I don't think I've read the book, the I Am Legend book that this is based on. But now, as of seeing the Omega Man, I've seen all three adaptations of it: uh, The Last Man on Earth, Omega Man, and I Am Legend. 
And it's kind of amazing how different all three of those adaptations are. They each take like their own approach to Mm -hmm. the story. I've wanted to see this for years, largely because uh, that one Simpsons Halloween, uh, like season nine or 10 uh, parodies it. And they're all flesh eating zombies. And they're like, come on, Homer, we just want to eat your flesh. (laughs) Um, That's exactly what happens in this one. It's true. Um, Yeah. I, I I mostly like this. I thought there's a like, it gets a little slow after a while um, because you're kind of like I don't know really understand where this is going. Uh, kind of in the middle, but the opening is really amazing. I mean, all the reviews always mention that because it's like L.A. is totally empty and um, Charlton Heston's just driving around, and then he like just starts shooting <laughs> windows and stuff, and you're like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> um, but and and there are a lot of like really good moments here and there throughout, like. Uh, there was a really good twist I liked that I won't totally spoil, but like one of the main characters, um, like, uh, uh, takes like a, her, what do you call it when ladies wear that thing over their hair? Like a handkerchief thing? It's just like a scarf. Like a shawl or whatever, a scarf, yep. She like takes it off her hair and you suddenly reveal that she's become one of them. Uh, Do you have, um, like creepy music? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Yeah, we're all out. Mother, oh God, mother. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, it's back. It's yeah, back, baby. It's back. Blood. Um. So the only problem I had with this movie is that I thought it was gonna be like him on his own for a long part of the movie and yeah. instead it's like oh there's people oh there's some other people oh wait there's more people yeah it quickly becomes like oh no he's not even close to the last center yeah i thought it'd be him, like man. losing his mind from isolation and and he's like saving people yeah like, using his medical <laughs> know-how so it's like okay like i guess he's not isolated and alone and weird <laughs> um yeah. Um, so yeah, then it becomes a lot of different characters and these weird societies things. I did think it was interesting as like a post-apocalypse movie, though. We should have maybe included it in our our apocalypse episode. I think I tried to, and you didn't want to. It got vetoed for something better. Mm. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, we'll maybe. never know because I don't remember which yeah, one I it was. Yeah, no idea. Um. Um. But yeah, it's. I mean, but it does still have some horror elements because it's kind of like ghouls. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and the ghouls are pretty. They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> the ghouls are, are pretty cool. <laughs> and it's a weird, that's one of the weird things about this is like the when people catch the disease, not only do they like get all pale and ghoulish, but they suddenly are like incapable of uh, free will. Like they're they all follow that one leader guy. It's like I don't the, think they're incapable of it. I think well, he's just really good at convincing no, people to follow when, him. I mean, spoilers here, but when the main girl turns, she immediately like starts to follow him, even though she's been fighting against him the whole time. Like, well, she was with him in the beginning. That might be why. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but um, yeah, it's not like your typical. Just they don't just become zombies. Like it's a whole yeah. different beast. Um. I don't remember how many times Charlton Heston says, oh, my, oh my God. God. But he does show off his upper thigh. Oh. So it's win-win. For sure, yeah. We love, <laughs> we start a band called like Charlton Heston's Upper Thigh. <laughs> pale thigh. Yeah. Upper pale thigh. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think it's more of a sci-fi horror, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was fun. I was glad I finally saw it. I've wanted to for a long time, so. Yeah. It was cool to finally get to check it out. 
I gave it three and a half stars. I did also. And it's streaming on Max. 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 Where the Maxes are. <laughs> Next movie. Absentia. <laughs> Yeah. Absentia. 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 Or absentia. Absentia. This came out in 2011, directed by Mike Flanagan. 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 (laughs) And Harper, what is the rule? There are certain rules. (laughs) Okay. Um, It uh, this did not satisfy any rules. It was a miscellaneous pick of mine. Well, let's say it's a 2010s decade pick. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've just wanted to see it for a long time. There are fates worse than death. Just ask Doug Jones. Yeah. That's what the tagline should have said. Trisha's husband, Daniel, has been missing for seven years. Her younger sister, Callie, comes to live with her as the pressure mounts to finally declare him dead in absentia. <laughs> as, Trisha shifts, as Trisha sifts through the wreckage and tries to move on with her life, Callie finds herself drawn to an ominous tunnel near the house. As she begins to link it to other mysterious disappearances, it becomes clear that Daniel's presumed death might not be anything but natural. The ancient force at work in the tunnel might have set its sights on Callie and Trisha, and Daniel might be suffering a fate worse than death in its grasp. Starring Katie Parker, who looks just like... Uh, Kate Siegel. Kate Siegel. He's got a tight. Yep, he really does. Courtney Bell, Morgan Peter Brown, Dav, oh, Dave Levin, Justin Gordon, and Doug Jones. Yeah, I don't know how he landed Doug Jones. I don't either. He's only in it for five There must minutes. be a story behind <laughs> that. Like you met him at a, at a, at a hot dog stand. Yeah, like I did. Yeah. yeah. You I, saw Doug Jones getting hot dogs. I did. He was on the, the phone. The most slender man getting a slender food it's, type. That's <laughs> very true. Man would never eat a hot dog. He only eats long food. I mean, he would never eat a hamburger. Yeah. He eats hot dogs, long French fries, bananas. <laughs> Spaghetti. <laughs> Spaghetti. <laughs> With no meat it's sauce. It's a dumb joke, but it's very funny <laughs> to me. Um, yes. <laughs> um, this one was interesting because I kind of, I didn't know how I felt about it. I had to really think about it. Um, what did, what because this is, this is very early. I am on the fence Flan- about Flanagan. this. And what did you decide Flanagan fans are called? Oh man, Flana fans? Yeah, and I was like, shouldn't it just be Fanagans? And you were like, no, it should be Flana fans. is funner to say. <laughs> um, so I'm on the fence with this. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think the the low budget and the acting kind of holds it back. Yeah. I think it's a solid like start. You can see like his trademarks of jump scares and broken neck people and like Mm -hmm. there's always a character struggling with addiction so and the jump scares are are like really out of nowhere like there's no Mm -hmm. build up which is kind of one of his trademarks i think the other thing that feels like a trademark like if i watch this the thing for me that might clue me into the fact that it's a flanaga fan (laughs) feature flana fan um (laughs) is that uh like even though the acting is not great overall the core like the genuine emotion uh that runs through the movie is like well i didn't say that right the core of the movie is like the emotion that runs through and it feels very genuine yeah like uh it's hard to talk about this without spoiling the movie so skip ahead a minute if you don't want to be spoiled but um you know they find the husband and but he's like all traumatized and messed up and then he disappears again 
And so, mm-hmm. and it's like when the cop tells her, like, I know you don't want to hear this, but you need to file a mi- missing persons report. And you've seen like how difficult the whole process what has been for her of like yeah. filing that report and waiting seven years and looking for him and all this stuff. Uh, and to start it over again is just like devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the most, it's like worse than him dying. It's so, it's awful. Um, so yeah, I mean, that stuff feels, that feels very, you know, I think that's one of the things Flanagan really, uh, is really, really good at is making these like really hard hitting, heartbreaking, emotional moments within these like very supernatural stories. Yeah. And the supernatural part I think is where it gets more interesting. Cause it's all about these like maybe ancient creatures or a parallel world yeah. sort of thing going on. And th- there's a gateway between the two worlds. Yeah. I didn't know this before we watched it, but this is supposed to be like a modern retelling of like the, um, the troll under the bridge yeah. uh, story. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but uh, Billy goat gruff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the budget holds it back. Budget, yeah. The cinematography is not very good because it feels like it's shot like it's not like shot on video or anything, but it kind of feels like that. Like the lighting is definitely like that. Yeah. Um, and the like the two female leads, the sisters, um, K- Katie Parker and they're like Courtney something. Okay. They're not bad. Yeah. It could be worse, but I'm also like didn't quite believe everything they said. They're okay, <laughs> but the rest of the cast is horrendous the oh the detectives, de- detectives are like hot fuzz smokes. level stereotypes they are, really silly um <laughs> this like, one guy just chews gum exactly that's what i read in my review that said the one detective's only character traits are chews gum and takes glasses on and off yeah he was really just that dude from hot oh fuzz. my god it's really <laughs> ridiculous um but uh yeah so you know flanagan still had some work to do yeah <laughs> not just on the budget but just like on you know coaching people or whatever <laughs> directing people because yeah that there's a couple of bad, really dumb character moments. But also, I would just simply not go into the tunnel. <laughs> like, that tunnel is creepy. And they're like, you're well, in a bad neighborhood. Don't use the tunnel. Well, they keep <laughs> Don't <getting> go in it. <laughs> dragged into it, too, though. There's, and oh, what did you think about not really seeing the monster at all? It mostly worked. I wish he would have gotten at least one good look at it, yeah. but it was kind of just flashes of legs or yeah. people being dragged. So. Aside from the bad acting, that's maybe the biggest place you can feel the budget is that like you yeah. don't even get like a peek at this creature. Just give us a little You just peek. hear something and they see it, <laughs> but yeah, you never get to see it. So it's okay. It's certainly not, you know, up to par with what he's doing now, which is fantastic. Yeah, and I think like, I was trying to remember what other early stuff. I guess Oculus was yeah, after this. Yeah, it's been this. a very long time. Oculus, but and Hush Luigi is great. And Hush. I don't. I don't think I've seen Before I Wake. No, so. that's the other one I really would like to watch sometime. That, I don't so, know if that one's really a horror movie though. I don't know. It has a I butterfly on it. I think it's more of a, it. a drama. <laughs> so not bad, not great. But if you're a Mike Flanagan. Flanaflan, then you might want to watch it. Yeah. Also, <laughs> if you love Doug Jones, but you only want to see him for like two minutes. Yeah. He's he's creepy and his he has two scenes and yeah. he's good at Oh, both. isn't Mike Flanagan's brother in this too? Yeah, he's the like weirdo. <laughs> he's Doug kid. Jones' son, right? Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Um so I gave it three stars. I did also. So on Tubi, Hoopla, and Prime. Absentia. Absentia. <laughs> Next movie. So, May, which came out in 2002. Wait, you skipped one. 
Did I? Yeah. Oh, I thought I had them out of order. Spoilers. Rewind. <laughs> Next movie. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, boy. Nothing but the night. Nothing but the night. Doesn't that sound like an 80s Nothing song? Nothing but the night. But it yeah. is not. It is a 1973 film. Directed by Peter Sasti. There are certain rules. Uh, this satisfied one of our films with Peter Cushing. We had to watch two, and I think we ended up watching three. We watched a few, yeah. Because he's all he's all over the place. <laughs> this nightmare has already killed five people. Now it's yours to live. Hmm, that's quite a tagline. That's a I lot like of poster. pressure. Do you like the poster for this movie? It's kind of crazy. Like this looking. girl being ripped. She's screaming, and yeah, her face is like ripping apart, and the weird. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a, uh, it's this weird, what, what do you call when you hang, uh, uh, when you hang something over like a baby's bed? What is that called? Oh, no, you know what I'm talking about. A, um, a thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is not fun, entertaining podcast. The baby thing over crib is, is a mobile. Mobile. Duh. I can't even say model. <laughs> um, yeah, there's this weird like mobile that this guy uses to hypnotize Your her. Your mom was That's like, bubble, bubble. And there's like fire <laughs> and crazy stuff happening on the poster. It's a very cool poster. Uh, so Nothing But The Night is about nightmares. Uh, when various trustees of the Van Tralen Orphanage begin dying in close order, it's at first written off as a coincidence. But when a school bus accident very nearly takes out three more of them, along with a group of orphans, Colonel Bingham who's played by Christopher Lee and his pathologist friend, Mark. Oh, I thought I was going to do his last name. Mark. Mark, Mark. <laughs> played by Peter Cushing, begin looking into the deaths. They come to think the answer lies with one of the girls on the bus who has vivid memories of things she could not possibly have seen. So, as we mentioned, starring our, our men, men, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Woo! <laughs> yeah! Also, Diana Doors, Georgia Brown, Keith Barron, Gwyneth Strong, Fulton Mackey, and Michael Gambon showed up. Oh, man. <laughs> this was his first movie, I believe. Yeah, he just passed away, yeah. which is sad, but we are a Michael Gambon fan. So... Flamathlan. Flambon. Flamathlan. We are Michael Flambon. <laughs> um, uh, uh, okay, this one's going to be really hard to talk about without spoiling it. So I think first we should give our overall impressions and whether we recommend the movie or not. And then we can talk about the movie because I don't want to ruin it for people. First impressions is that this is a very, very slow, boring movie. Until. Until until the last 10 minutes, The last 10 minutes, it earned like an extra star and a half for me at least. Because, yeah, the whole movie, I was like, man, I don't understand where this is going. And this it's really talky. It's it has slow. the same energy as, like, Wicker Man. No, but no, no, it, don't do the... What? Okay, I'm not okay. spoiling anything because Christopher Lee's in it, too. Okay. So it's just, like, this super slow burn until it's, like, crazy ending energy. All right. Well, before we get into spoiler territory, do you want to... Would you recommend this to somebody or not? Or who Only would, lo- who would like, like this like Christopher movie? Lee and Peter Cushing and Mysteries. Yeah, and bananas endings. Yeah, hold out to the end. I think the movie's worth watching. Um, if yeah, if uh, you can, if you can make it through, then the last ten minutes are definitely worth it. Um, now let's get into heavy spoiler territory because I we got to talk about the ending of this movie because it's so insane. Well, yeah, this whole movie is like 
uh, this mom wants to get her daughter back, but the daughter's in this orphanage, and mm-hmm. this orphanage is, is run by these old people. And Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing are just shoved in the middle. And well, and people who run the orphanage keep dying off. Yeah, and, in like, like really mysterious circumstances, them. weird ways, like, like being weird. blown up. Like that was weird. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So, but in, in the mom accident. is like uh, a psychic. psychic. So you're like everyone thinks she's she's killing people off to get her daughter back right but here comes the spoiler stuff it's not her it's even crazier than that uh yeah because this movie it pre it's uh like 30 years early it's get out 40 40 years early <laughs> the people in the orphanage are using they're all like because they start to discover that like all the people that run the orphanage are like the world's greatest like biochemists and neuroscientists are like, why the hell would they go work here? Cause they need young bodies. Yeah. They're all pooling <laughs> their resources to like figure out how to put their consciousness into these yeah. like kids, but these orphans. They're trying to put like, so they've been filling this little girl's brain with like memories yeah. so that they Which can just transfer. Like when they die, she'll have all her, their memories. And so, so it's bonkers. Do we should we spoil all the stuff that happens at the end, or just or leave it at that? You can spoil some of it. Well, let's just say um, there's a Wicker Man esque fi- effigy sort of fire <laughs> slash witch burning, and also a bunch of kids die in a really <laughs> really crazy way. I mean, yeah. this movie, I literally. St- sat up on the couch and went, what? <laughs> and I seriously think if I had been drinking something, I might have choked to death uh, <laughs> while we were watching because it was just... You would have done a spit take. This is one of those movies, uh, like God told me to, that we watched not that long ago too, you could never guess where it's going just by the you first... You don't know what death is. <laughs> <laughs> just by the beginning. You could never guess where this is going to end. Yeah. Um. And I, I kind of wish I paid more attention. I just was like, mm, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. It's losing me. <laughs> um, and the other thing that's kind of um, interesting about this is this was Christopher Lee's. Uh, he started a production company. I can't remember what it's called now. I'm blanking. Um, but this was the only movie that they made uh, in his production company that was kind of like, you know, his answer to Hammer or Amicus. Um, and I think the movie was like a total failure. And yeah. um but yeah, now it feels very ahead of its time now because, I mean, yeah, it feels very Get Out. I mean, Jordan it's, Peele must have watched this it's, movie. It's like Wicker Man and Get Out put together, but with kids. What's crazy is Wicker Man came out the same year. Yeah, that is crazy. He was in Wicker Man and this the same year. That's kind of wild. Um, yeah, so I think it's worth watching. Uh, it's definitely not like the best just because most of the movie is, is really kind of slow and you're just the whole time you're just like, I don't understand where we're going. Yeah. Um, and it's like, doesn't even really feel like a horror movie for most of the movie, but then the ending is just so crazy that I think it's worth watching. Yeah. Um, so nothing but the night. I gave nothing it. Nothing but the night. <laughs> I gave it three stars. I gave it three and a half. A half. And it's on Tubi and Shout Factory. But if you gave it a star, a half a star for every kid that dies in a horrific <laughs> way. It'd be five stars. <laughs> or more. <laughs> At least. <laughs> uh, next movie. Now I can say it. Sure can. May. May. So May came out in 2002, directed by Lucky McKee. Is that a... Nope, never nope, mind. It's a guy. Never mind. I, always, I used to always think Lucky was a woman, but it's not. 
He's so There are lucky. certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. He's a star, but he... Okay. Crazy, crazy, um, so this was our LGBTQ plus connected film, which uh, we were maybe sort of scraping for that. <laughs> Not, I well, mean, we had seen a lot of more LGBTQ yeah, I mean, positive thing. films. This is mostly just, I mean, Anna Ferris oh, for sure. has a girlfriend. And may may or may not be like bi, bi. or something. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, yeah. no, no, who knows? But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had just looked up like, you know, what are some horror movies with LGBTQ elements? Yeah. And this one was on the list. And I've always wanted to see May, so... Um, so May, yeah. Be careful. She just might take your heart. Aw. <laughs> so sweet. Psychological horror about a lonely young woman traumatized by a difficult childhood and her increasingly desperate attempts to connect with the people around her. Did you say she may take your heart? No, it doesn't. Oh. Might. <laughs> what a wasted opportunity. Starring Angela Bettis. Jeremy Sisto, who is rolling with the homies <laughs> and clueless. Funny. Anna Ferris, James Duvall, uh, Nicole Hiltz, Kevin Gage, Marley Kennedy. I don't know. Is that everybody? I mean, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, May. I feel like I would have loved this film if I had seen it in high school during like our goth years and be like, oh, have you seen May? It's so crazy. (laughs) See, I feel like that if if you had in in 2002, if you had seen May and Ginger Snaps, I feel like those two movies would be like your whole personality. You'd be like so (laughs) obsessed. I mean, I would too, probably. But um, yeah. So what did you like? What did you... What'd you think of May? So I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it had a more original story than most of the other ones we've watched so Mm -hmm. far. Um, And I always love early 2000 movies because they're usually a little corny or something. But this has a lot of good gore. It does, Which I wasn't expecting. And May is just so like awkward and weird it's like she plays it perfectly <laughs> yeah that's what the main thing i took away from it is that uh this is a movie that 100 percent relies on the lead performance yeah like if this movie had somebody else instead of angela bettis it would be a completely different movie and it probably wouldn't be as good probably not she's got such a like odd physicality and like all her weird mannerisms and stuff it's she's just like kind of magnetic to watch because it's so strange uh, strange, so but not cringe. like, yeah, but not so like outside the realm of realism that you're like, this person could never really exist. Like she's yeah. just a weird person. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like the <laughs> she's talking to the guy on the bench. I really like this scene. She's like, uh, she's like, yeah, I work in a veterinarian's office. And he's like, oh, wow. What the, what's that like or saying? And she's like, well, some really weird stuff happens sometimes. And then she tells this like awful story <laughs> about this dog getting, having surgery and they use the wrong kind of. Uh, stitches and like his guts fall out and she's like yeah. it was a mess <laughs> so he's like laughing about it and he's like whoa and then she has all those weird little quirks when well you tell when she's like really starting to lose it more than 
she was in the beginning of the movie and she's like talking to his body parts. And, oh my God. That w- and she's like, you have or like, or to Anna Ferris, like, I love your neck. And like she keeps yeah. talking about her neck. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Because May likes to sew. Yeah. <laughs> and she has a little doll friend who lives in a case. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really liked when she was talking to Jeremy Sisto and she's like, bye hands. <laughs> <laughs> talking to his hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I laughed a lot They're watching like, Look this at those movie. gams. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I didn't realize it was kind of a Frankenstein story. Um, yeah. But it's a really, I mean, you know, in this household, we are big body parts fans. Love it. So I love <laughs> a twist on a Frankenstein story for sure. Yeah. Um, this was probably maybe my favorite thing we had watched up to this point in Hooptober. I really enjoyed this a lot, actually. I enjoyed it too. I would definitely watch this again. My only problem, I feel like it just ends too, like, abruptly. I don't, I mean, I guess I could see that, but... You know, I'd read, I didn't think about it when we were watching it, but in some of the reviews I was reading about it, um, they, a lot of people think that after, I'm trying to remember at what point, that after a certain point in the movie, um, it's all in her, the rest of it's in her head, that she doesn't really kill all these people and stuff. Yeah. Because she suddenly gets like very like outgoing and very like confident in what she's doing and, uh, and the way she talks to people and stuff. Um, I thought that was just her deciding she was going to do this. I mean, yeah, I think it could be taken either way, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. I don't remember what the point was where it changes. Um, I'm blanking, but, um, and, but yeah, I just thought this was really funny. And the ending to me is, I don't know. It's like, she goes through with it and does, you know, she, she does, she commits this like insane crime and like kills all these people and creates, and it still doesn't work. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's all like, I don't know. I liked it. And I liked, it's just so painful to watch too because she's just so lonely. Yeah. And that's the one thing, like, I don't even think her mom calls her at any point. And I would, I thought at least that would still have the connection past the beginning of the movie you see the oh, mom. Yeah. But even like the mom doesn't call. I mean, maybe she's not alive at that point, but that's, I guess, my kind of some of my issues. There's like zero background beyond the intro. It's interesting that you say that because there was trivia that, like, originally the intro with her as a child was way longer, like 20 mm-hmm. or 30 minutes. And then he ended up cutting all that out and thought it was better without it. Yeah. I feel like I just need a little bit more or something at the end. Yeah. I end up giving it three and a half stars. <laughs> it was a four for me. It's on Shutter to be Pluto. <laughs> And maybe Amazon. Who knows? It could be anywhere. It could be in your closet. Ah. <laughs> um, let's see. Next movie is Satan's Slaves. Satan's sla- Slavs. <laughs> Which came out in 2017. Pengabrabi Satan. Directed Pengabrabi. by Joko Anwar. Woo! Sorry, I keep doing that instead of hitting the button. <laughs> We I like know Joko you're a Anwar. big Joko Anwar fan. I've only seen one other of his films. Well, yeah, I've seen two, but he's <laughs> only made like three main major features. But the two of them I've seen, I like a lot mm. in Pedagore and Satan Slaves. I want to watch the sequel to Satan Slaves now. Pengari Satan 2? It's Satan Communion? Slaves Communion, yeah. Well, it's the rule, Harper. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> um, this was our, I think our last Satan slash devil centered <laughs> film. Yeah, because we did Boxer's Omen and The Sentinel were the other two. She comes back for the last child. After dying from a strange illness that she suffered for three years, a mother returns home to pick up her children. That doesn't sound like this movie. 
I mean, it does, but I feel like it's misleading on purpose. A I mean, bit. you find out early on the mom like dies really early. Well, yeah, the mom comes dies. Back. Yeah, comes and she back comes back yeah. in a different form. <laughs> I'm a stick. Um, Starring Tara Basterow, Eddie Arfin, Nazara Nuz, and people I'm not going to try to pronounce their names. This was also um, our, Indonesian? an Indonesian film, yeah, for counting the different countries we watched stuff yeah. from. Um, so I had seen this before a couple of years ago and really liked it. That's what made me want to watch Impedigore when we did. But um, So I obviously liked it enough to want to watch it again. What did you think of it, The first seeing it for the first time? I liked it. I thought it was really spooky and original, and it reminded me of Hereditary. And just like in Pedagore, it had the right amount of like gore and scare and jump scares and stuff. It's all about family. I was gonna say it's very <laughs> like unique family dynamic is really interesting because it's kind of like the mom passes away and then they're kind of discovering like a family secret mm-hmm. and they have nobody to ask because their dad kind of abandons them for a job. Like he'll come back later, but Which, it's like, why did he leave? Right. Like a day after she died. It's really weird. We were watching the movie and I couldn't remember exactly how it ended. And I was like, Oh, the dad's going to turn out to be bad. Right. And he doesn't. I mean, <laughs> maybe like, the what sequel the hell? he But is? yeah, then we watched the trailer for the sequel. <laughs> we're like, Oh man, maybe they're re- He's retconning. Yeah. This the dad is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so there's a um, lot of, and then there's like all these other mysterious deaths surrounding them. And like, they're, it's like, I feel bad for the oldest daughter. Cause she's like having to raise all of these kids yeah. and deal with all of this. Well, but like, you know, slowly without spoiling it, you know, she finds out like, oh, there's a reason why I have so many siblings yeah. and why we're all exactly seven years yeah. apart. <laughs> um, it was kind of crazy when we were watching this. We, I was like, man, I, I had forgotten. I was like, this feels a lot like Hereditary. And it wasn't that I had forgotten. It's because this came out a year before Hereditary. Yeah. Um, so not that I think Ari Aster stole stuff from this movie, really. But it was just interesting that there's a lot in common in terms of like both the plot and the like some of the visual stuff, like, you know, all the people standing outside the house and pointing in and stuff like that's all very feels very hereditary yeah and that's the other thing i like like uh it's a newer horror mil- film and it feels original and it's shot really well yeah i think anwar does a really good because like this and a pedagore are super similar in like visual style mm-hmm. and but like everything is lit perfectly also when we started watching i was like oh is this like made in the 70s or 80s or whatever yeah yeah it's like nope it's new it's only like five years old yeah and i believe I'm 90% sure this is a remake of um, an 80s, uh, uh, I'm sorry, an 80s um, Satan Slaves movie from, uh, I think it was called Satan's, I don't remember. It has a slightly different name. It's like Satan's without the apostrophe slaves or something. Mm. Um, But yeah, it was an 80s Indonesian horror movie that was like a big deal in Indonesia. This is a remake of that, I believe. Um, but yeah, this was a nice little surprise. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> I remember that it was good. But I'm glad you liked it. I'm really glad you liked it. Would you be willing to watch the sequel with me sometime? Yeah. Yeah, I think I want to see it. So I think anyone who likes a weird family movie with some horror, maybe some Satan, Satan stuff, stuff, would like this. Yeah, I agree. I gave it four stars. I did too. Indonesian horror is where it's at. Yeah. Uh, it's on Shutter. Um, yeah, this was like a big Shutter, like they bought it and released it. It was a big deal for them at the time. 
Um, what's up next? Next Uh oh, is it time for our double feature night we did? You mean our... Oh, man. Was Craven double feature? I do mean that. Yeah. So what was the first movie we watched in that So double we feature? first watched Swamp Thing, which came out in 1982, directed by... Wes Craven. There are certain rules. Um, and you already said it. It's because it's directed by Wes Craven. So we had to watch like up to five from one director. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was like Wes Craven, Hitchcock, uh, De Palma, and then a bunch of directors we ignored. <laughs> I think we mostly did Craven and De Palma. You had to watch two or three of them. So Swamp Thing, science transformed him into a monster. Love changed him even more. <sighs> So romantic. It's a swamp thing, baby. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> uh, Dr. Alec Holland, hidden away in the depths of a murky swamp, is trying to create a new species, a combination of animal and plant capable of adapting and thriving in the harshest conditions. Unfortunately, he becomes subject of his own creation and is transformed. Arcane, desperate for the formula, attempts to capture the swamp thing. An explosive chase ensues that ultimately ends with a confrontation between Holland and a changed Arcane. Starring Luis Jordan, Jordan, Adrian Barbeau, and Ray Wise. And David Hess and Nicholas Worth and Don Knight and Al Rubin and Dick Dorock. Boy, do I wish Ray Wise was in this movie a lot more. <laughs> He's in it a good amount, but he did not play the swamp thing. Do you want to hear suit, the craziest piece of trivia about sucks. this movie? Yeah. Every scene. So that guy that plays Swamp Thing in the movie, Dick, I think it's Dick Dorock. Um, he was supposed to only be the stunt double. Yeah. But they kept finding that um, the face looked too different with b- between that guy and Ray Wise. They were shooting every scene with the Swamp Thing with both of them. There two different versions of the scene. One with Ray Wise, one with the stunt I'll guy. watch the one with Ray Wise. Yeah, and then he ended up using none of the Ray Wise because he thought it was too unbelievable to cut between the two because they looked so different. It's like, why do you find a stunt stunts? guy who looks more like Ray Wise? All he does is walk through swamp water. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I guess he, like, he gets hit by a car and stuff. I don't know. But um, yeah. Like I would like this movie so much more if it was Ray Wise as the Swamp Thing because yeah. I love Ray Wise. And, and he's only, like, Ray Wise has so much energy in the beginning of this movie. He brings it, and I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be bad. This is going to be fun." Yeah. But then we kept watching, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ray Wise went away. <laughs> um. So I didn't really know what to expect though because there's so many low ratings, and I do think it's not it's not that bad. Like this would be a fun group watch or like a fun plaza screening. I, kinda, I think I disagree with you. I thought it was pretty bad. I mean, the ending is stupid, but oh, I really love Ray Wise and Adrian Barbeau together. Yeah, but they're bare. That's like 20 minutes of the movie. But that's like together. saying you like absentia because you love Doug Jones. <laughs> yeah. Don't you? <laughs> he eats hot dogs. <laughs> and spaghetti. Um, <laughs> but I think the problem is it's, it has, I think the movie is too short. And so, no, wait, I don't think it's too short. I wrote that wrong. I think despite the short runtime, the movie drags on yes, too much. I agree. It's <laughs> yeah, not too the short. opposite it's slow. of too short. Well, the movie just feels like it's very uh, repetitive. It's too. extremely repetitive. That's exactly what I was going to say. It feels like 
uh, oh, Swamp Thing fights those bad guys and gets away, and oh, they're coming back for him again, and this time he's going to get away again. It's like the same thing happens like five times, and it's always daytime, which makes the Swamp Thing suit look even stupider. It's funny, it's though, because so he's like well, just wandering. He's like just a little lonely Bigfoot creature, does- and then... <laughs> And I never randomly hear him scream in the background. <laughs> well, yeah, our favorite part, there's we posted it on Instagram. It's the best edit in the whole movie. The bad guy's like, be careful. He's he's apparently very reclusive. And then it cuts immediately to the swamp thing. <laughs> just screaming out in the middle of the swamp. It's like reclusive my ass. Um I don't know. I mean, partly it was probably especially hard for me to get into this because i've read like all these swamp thing comics that are like super intellectual and philosophical and interesting and then this is just like oh swamp thing just like smashes stuff and it is very comic comic like with the weird camera man fades See, and swipes i mean that's the thing too though is Wipes. it's like uh um wes craven just like 90 percent of other directors don't they think they know what a comic book is, but they don't. Like, and it, it was trivia that he had never read any of the stuff that this was based well, the on. Comics in the eighties probably weren't that. That I've read plenty of comics from the eighties. Um, the good Swamp Thing <laughs> comics are from the eighties. Um, Harper's getting sassy now. I'm just saying, like, all these directors are like, oh, comic books. Like, it has to be stupid. <laughs> and, like, that's not really. <laughs> well, I think the problem is he probably thought uh, he's filming for a different audience maybe which seems to have happened a lot with Wes Younger yeah, maybe he thought he's making a movie for kids and they're like we need more adrian barbeau breasts that's the only part i didn't like it, it felt really out of place her breasts were really on display in this movie whether she was naked or not yeah at all and i'm just like it makes me sad that she didn't want to have the topless scene put in as much and they just used like all of but it craven didn't either yeah apparently. it's like come on now um, like she gets harassed this entire movie that's true yeah, i mean even ray Twice. like i love them together but he just like starts kissing her it's like dude you yeah. met her like an hour oh ago. yeah they fall in love as a as as with him as a monster even though they've only known each other for like 24 yeah hours. that's the other like <laughs> i don't know about uh, that you know the other, one thing i did like about this movie kind of is that uh so uh is it henry or harry manfredini i always forget the composer um he did all, you know, much of the Friday the 13th movies. And the score in this movie is, like, exactly the same as Friday the 13th. It it's just like, he's like, I don't know. Just take that Friday the 13th one and just, like, tweak it a but little But no bit. one's going. Yeah, it, that's the only thing that's missing. That's the only thing that's missing. Yeah. It's all the same kind of stuff. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, I also read that the movie has more ridiculous wipes than you'll ever see outside every of every shape imaginable outside of a family <laughs> video uh, fil- um, edited on iMovie. It's like I... Star Wipe. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, it's absurd. It's so ridiculous. Um, Mimi Craven made an appearance in this, but I was trying to look for what's his name. The little kid is so weird. Oh yeah, that's kind of funny. And also, we forgot to talk about the uh, buff buff beefcake who becomes like a little person, <laughs> but also oh, yeah. his turtleneck shrinks with him. <laughs> that is so weird. So weird. Uh, but yeah, there's this like young kid who owns a grocery store and he's like cracking these jokes. He's so bizarre. Yeah. It's such a weird oh, yeah. choice. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, when he sees Swamp Thing for the first time, he says, there goes the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who is this kid? <laughs> He's so and weird. he's like in love with Adrian Barbeau because literally everybody is trying to just see her boobs. Well, he's movie. right at boob level. Yeah, so, he I couldn't mean, help it, I guess. She's like, my eyes are up here. And <laughs> he's like, my eyes are not there. <laughs> <laughs> 
And she's like, do you have a gun? He's like, what type of establishment do you think this is? Of course I have a gun. Yeah. Like, who is he really running this business I mean, in the swamp? <laughs> I guess there's stuff to like about this, but it's just too corny for me in a way that I just couldn't get on board with. If, maybe if somebody else had directed it now, you know, if this was an SOV movie, I'd be if like, oh, Vinegar it's Syndrome released yeah, a totally. 4K, but it would be I, amazing. Because it's Wes Craven, I know he's capable of more. Better. Well, he like, does these movies too that are like goofy. That are awful. You mean the goofy ones? Like what? He has goofy movies. What's a goofy movie? <laughs> Red Eye. I mean, Red Eye, Vampire in Brooklyn, Shocker, yeah, maybe but, Deadly Friend. Those are all great, though. <laughs> yeah, no, point. People taken. under the stairs is. I don't know That's where way that's better going. Than this. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a weird movie. Man, I've seen but. almost all his films. Well, let's move on to our next one then. Um, well, hold on. Okay, okay. What did you give Swamp Thing? Uh, I gave it two and a half. I gave it two and a half as well. well but it's it? a fun two and a half. That's, You're like, it's a stupid two and a half. A fun two and a half. Okay. <laughs> it's fun. If we had watched this at the Halloween party, two and a half would have been like, to me, is like, I will never hilarious. watch this again. <laughs> Anything lower than a three is like, I'm never watching this again. He's such a liar. <laughs> I've never watched that movie. You buy so many movies yeah, that are lower than I three ratings once, and you don't like any of them. <laughs> so not true. Um, but this is on Tubi. So if you want a little adventure in your life With and you want to save breaks. our swamps, <laughs> go watch Swamp Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the part part duh of our West Craven night? Duh. Uh, duh. The only time I can use that. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, was Vampire in Brooklyn, which came out in 1995, directed by oh, man. Wes Craven. Uh, this was another Wes Craven film. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> we love him. I don't know. <laughs> A comic tale of horror, yeah. <laughs> horror and seduction. Detective Rita Vetter is assigned to a baffling serial murder case. After examining the crime scene, a corpse-filled ship found adrift at sea. Rita meets Maximilian, a smooth-talking Caribbean playboy determined to romance her. When Rita begins suffering from crippling hallucinations, she calls upon Dr. Zecco, an occultist who suspects a vampire is on the loose. Starring <gasps> what happened? Hey, okay. <laughs> Angela Bassett. Yeah. We love Angela Bassett. We do. Uh Eddie Murphy playing three different characters. Whoa, what a surprise. Wow. What a twist. Crazy. Alan Payne as Detective Justice. Kadeem Harrison <laughs> Harrison. Uh John Witherspoon. We like him, right? Who's he? He's in um it was like Adam Sandler movies. He's what? in Little Nicky. I've never seen <laughs> He was in Hollywood Nicky. Shuffle. Um, right. He's in like every Eddie Murphy movie. I believe you. Uh, Zakes oh, yeah, Moke, who is uh, Wes Craven. Uh, well, he, he was, was in, in The Serpent and the Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. He's also in Body Parts and Roar and Outbreak and Waterworld. <laughs> he's in Body Parts. I don't really remember that. He's the detective. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Forgot. Joanna Cassidy, Jerry Hall, Simba Kali, Vicklin Reynolds, and a bunch of people. W. Earl Brown's in the movie for like two seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he showed up, I was like, oh, wait, no, not him. Who I'm thinking of um, uh, Skinner. Oh. 
Oh my What's god! Skinner's name? Um, uh, uh, he's, well, he's only in it for like two seconds. I know. Uh, That's why he can't find him. Oh, where's his name? <laughs> Mitch Pelagi. Okay. Mitch Pelagi. Yeah. Oh my god! I got so excited when he shows up in the very beginning of the movie. And he's We're like, like, what? He's like a oh pimp my god! Or he's a drug a pimp. <laughs> Skinner from the X Files. It was so. I was about to fall out of my chair laughing. That was the funniest part of the movie. I totally forgot. Um. But yeah. Uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. First thoughts, Harper. This is another one that I had a kind of a hard time writing a little bit, like a lot of these, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so Tell at first more. I was kind of surprised, like I was liking it because the ratings for this movie are like really bad. Yeah. And I was like, boy, this is gonna be a real piece of trash. And it's not that bad, really. It's not bad. No. Um, but I think you're probably, all wrong, letterbox reviewers. Probably the same. <laughs> the problem I had with it, I I would guess, is probably the same thing that most people do: is that it can't seem to decide whether it's trying to do a horror or a comedy, because when it's horror, it's like kind of serious, like horror, like this, like very vampire, dramatic, romantic, supernatural mm-hmm. stuff. And when it's a comedy, it's super goofy. Yeah, like like Nutty Professor level yeah. goofy. Um, <laughs> And it's like, it's not Eddie Murphy getting a fat suit. Yes, he does. (laughs) Uh, It's not like you can't have those two things in the same movie, but they're not blended at all. It seems like it just keeps kind of like turning, taking a left turn. And then it's like, oh, we're back to comedy land. And like, so that when the stuff is serious, you're like, I don't understand if I'm supposed to be thinking this is serious or funny because we just had a scene where a guy like, where like his eyeball popped out of his head and he's like, oh boy. (laughs) Not again. (laughs) So yeah, it's the two don't blend at all. Yeah, I mean, Angela Bassett's playing it serious. Totally, 100% serious. There's yeah. nothing comedic about her performance. Eddie Murphy as Maximilian is pretty serious, but I think that's the joke. I mean, because yeah, he, that's what's weird. It, like, yeah. is, it, is it a joke? I can't tell. Because he's a vampire in Brooklyn. It's hilarious. The two shall never meet. <laughs> I guess. Um. Um, but his other two roles are like super goofy. Wait, well, what are yeah. the two? It's the preacher and who's the other person? He, he plays oh, Guido. A white guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like an Italian white guy. Yeah. Um, the preacher awful. part is really funny. I mean, the funny stuff is pretty funny. Yeah. Honestly, probably would have liked this movie better if it had been a comedy the whole time. Yeah, More it definitely comedic. tries to do both, so it's kind of hard. It's the like drama bits don't work nearly as well. Um, and then I do. I wasn't expecting it to follow like. Uh, the Dracula story so that we had just seen the mm. last the, the Dementorship, <laughs> the Dementorship. <laughs> and oh like God. all of that and the familiars and stuff I was like oh there was a lot of vampire lore in this I wasn't prepared for it <laughs> I did I really liked the familiar who's his ghoul yeah basically he his calls Renfield. him his ghoul <laughs> uh, I like yeah he like keeps getting like more and more like messed Disgusting. up and yeah I love that my favorite thing with him he's washing the car and his hand is just like it just like pops off. <laughs> it definitely made me laugh last. See, like that's the funny stuff. And, it's like, <laughs> and when he's the pre, when he takes over the preacher, like t- you know, morphs into the preacher, and he walks into the church, and he's just like smoking. Yeah, and he's like, he's in the back of the church, he's and he's like, like oh, God go damn! <laughs> yeah. And everybody turns around, and like, what did he say? Uh, he said what? What? Yeah, that, like that was genuinely really funny and like made me laugh a lot. But yeah, when but then to go from that straight into like, you know. Uh, uh, the detective she's just like you know falling in love with him and like fighting his seductive mm-hmm. it's like I don't know I can't take this seriously <laughs> this movie was like flubber five seconds ago I think that they didn't need uh the other detective making this weird love triangle well he's supposed to be what's his name Jonathan Harker 
in the mm. Dracula story, I guess. I didn't pick up on that. He's Keanu Reeves. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I get it why they had him, but he kind of just drags the whole movie away from the funny stuff. Because he's not funny either. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's really him. I think it's just the story. Um, it seems like every scene is like at the beginning of the scene in the script, it was like, this scene is funny. Yeah. <laughs> this scene is serious. Play this serious. Yeah. Maybe there's like a secret cut where you can do either comedy or serious drama. Yeah. I would probably love this movie <laughs> if it was like coming to America level, like funny. instead it's of close. instead of. I mean, the funny stuff is, yeah. but there's not a lot. Uh, it's like 50%. Um, and then I'm trying to think, since it's Wes Craven, we had a lot of body parts and gore and stuff on the ship. Uh, there's a lot of blood, right? A lot of killing. Yeah, fair amount. Some vampire stuff going on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The other thing that was kind of annoying to me, I even if I took if I liked the serious stuff, I really wish Angela Bassett had just gone full evil and not like resisted him. Wouldn't mm. it have been way more interesting if she was like. If she was the vampire in Brooklyn. Well, yeah, if she like, <laughs> you know, accepted it and became like vampire. Like if he wasn't the villain, he was like saving her from, yeah. her, you know, that'd be <laughs> way more interesting to me. But no matter what happens, Angela Bassett is amazing. We love her. We love her. She's amazing. So I think people should watch this yeah, and give it a chance. It's worth a shot for sure. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than the Swamp Thing. It is. I am a Vampire in Brooklyn fan. I'm going to say it. Right. I might not have rated it like a fan. Yeah, so you always do fan. this. This was really fun. I two gave and a half. it three stars. <laughs> yeah, I gave it three stars also. <laughs> because it's, but it averages like two and a half. Like this isn't a two and yeah, a half movie. I agree. Compared to some of the stuff we watched, this might even no. get bumped up by the end of Hooptober. Hell no. It's definitely <laughs> not, it's somewhere in the middle of our Hooptober rankings, I would guess. I it's would watch this again. Definitely not at the bottom. Let's make next year's Halloween party Vampire in Brooklyn themed. <laughs> Come dress as your favorite Eddie Murphy character. <laughs> I'll be the preacher. I'll have dry ice in my pockets. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I gave it three stars. You gave it three stars. Yeah. And it's on Pluto and Amazon. Hmm. Next movie. We're going to talk about The Awakening which came out in 1980, directed by Mike Newell. And this... Oh. There are certain rules that... <laughs> He's forgetting. Uh, this is a movie that is based on a work or invoking the name of Bram Stoker. It's based on a novel called The Jewel of the Seven Stars, I think. Hmm. The Awakening is a little more... Simple. It's a little more pizzazz. Slice down. Uh, they thought they had buried her forever. 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 When a British archaeologist violates an Egyptian queen's tomb, her evil spirit enters his daughter. His daughter? <laughs> his daughter. Are you from Philly now? Yeah. Starring. Uh. Man. Charlton Heston. Who would have ever thought we would have been saying that Charlton Heston was our man? NRA president, yeah. Charlton Heston. Second Amendment forever. Over my day, body. Uh, also, Susanna York and Jill Townsend, Stephanie Zimbalist, Patrick Drury, and Bruce Myers. Stephanie Zimbalist. That sounds very familiar. Stephanie Zimbalist. Well, she's in The Awakening, Harper. Well, maybe it's like her dad or something. Zimbalist. There's definitely a famous actor named Zimbalist. 
Zimbles. I'll I'll uh, do some research. We're also a Susanna York fan. Yeah, she's in the the shout right. The shout, oh, yeah. the silent partner. They shoot horses, don't e- they? Ephraim Zimbalist <laughs> Jr. Hmm. Don't know who that is. Uh, he was in a bunch of TV shows, apparently. Cool Good stuff. Anyways, so I was fully expecting this movie to suck and be super boring and be like another the boring mummy movie, and I was pleasantly surprised. I thought this was great. Yes, I agree. This is definitely one of the best surprises of the Hooptober month. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, I'm with you. I was. I mean, it had a terrible rating mm-hmm. on Letterbox, which a lot of our picks did. Yeah, it averages a two point six. Yikes! Come on, people. This is not a um, two point six movie. When you go to Egypt, and I had never heard of it at all. Like you know, yeah. Like the poster's cool, but I didn't know anything about it really. Um. So, uh, yeah, just you know, well, it didn't have high expectations, but I really enjoyed the hell out of this. Yeah. Um. I think besides the Brendan Fraser mummy movies, particularly the first one, this is probably the best mummy movie I've ever seen. I know, and we haven't seen that many, but this would be right up there. No, I we haven't seen any of the Universal ones, which is obviously a big oversight, but uh, I also hear that those are not very good, yeah. typically. And we watched the, I mean, you know, earlier we talked about the Hammer one, and that was not very good. Not, not the best. Um, this was way better <laughs> than that. Um, so... Yeah, we already mentioned that this was shot on location in Egypt, which really helped because the budget just seemed huge for this movie. Yes. And they like used um, authentic artifacts in like the Cairo Museum. It was like Museum of Antiquities or yeah. something in Egypt. Yeah. So there's a lot of for like, some it reason feels them to real. Film yeah, it feels like a real excavation. Like they really found this tomb. <laughs> this is definitely the first like, and we keep saying it's a mummy movie, and it is. There's it's never like possession. Movie. There's never like a mummy that like gets up and walks around, but the mummy itself is like cursed and possesses somebody and is like bringing about the end of yeah. the world, maybe. Um, but um, yeah, like the tombs and stuff all seem very. I mean, I, I can't imagine the tomb itself is genuine, but it feels way more genuine than like you know, for example, that hammer mummy yeah. one that feels just like a big open studio space that they put fake bricks on the walls. <laughs> um, this felt like very real. Um, so that, that the production value definitely adds a whole lot to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's funny. So the big thing with this one that all the reviews say like, oh, it's really boring and slow, which it is slow, but I thought it worked slow like it's a good build up so it and also it spans a lot of time so i can see why people would think it's slow because like you have like 18 years in the past and then like the present day so there's like two separate chunks of story getting told yeah so i think maybe some people have an issue with the pacing because you do spend a lot of time in the past before it swaps over sure yeah um and then the other thing that people do complain about which i don't think is a weakness i think it's a strength they all say it's a ripoff of the omen which i didn't get that at all when we watched it yeah but no (laughs) knowing that this was made very specifically because of the success of the omen this came out not long after it um then i'm like oh yeah there are a lot of similarities (laughs) you know if if such a thing exists this would be omen exploitation yeah um 
Because, yeah, I was when I was writing my review, I was like, oh, yeah, all the kill, a bunch of the kills are very similar to the ones that happen in the Someone gets speared. The opening kill. falls and, like, slices somebody. The opening somebody. kill is somebody hanging themselves yeah. uh, in a really dramatic Someone, way. Yeah, yeah, then somebody's head essentially gets cut off by glass. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, and, and it's like, you know, the end of the world prophecy. There's a lot of similarities. It just, like, overlays that, kind of that formula on, you know, Egyptology stuff instead yeah. of you know, Christian mythology, which is way more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the only probably issue I have is that the ending, it kind of cuts off very suddenly. Yeah. Yeah, the ending, I don't know, it feels like it should be like this big dramatic ending and it does feel a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Just, I mean, this Although is... Although I guess it ends just like the omen. Kind of. <laughs> well, the omen's like uncertain a little bit. Yeah. But like, this is like, up. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, not, I guess we're spoiling it, but it's not like that spoilery, I guess. But uh, it's just like, oh, I guess the end of the world's going to start. Yeah. But like they don't show any of that happening. It's just like, oh, evil has awoken kind of thing. It almost <laughs> I mean, feels like it's set up for a another sequel one, or something. Yeah. yeah. But it's, um, but yeah, I mean, even leading up to that is really cool and really uh, intense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought this was really fun i like yeah. this a lot and it feels like there's actually probably a longer version of this because when they're in the present day it does feel a little rushed and like maybe certain things got cut because the character two references something we never see on screen yeah um but yeah awakening the awakening yeah it's made me want to read the book for sure it was good I liked it. Yeah, I this was a, lot. a very pleasant <laughs> surprise. Uh, I ended up giving it four stars. I did too. Um, you gave it three and a half according to my letterbox. Did I? That's what it says. But that's okay. You can change it to four. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not streaming. Well, after everything we've been watching, I always go back and adjust them a little. Yeah. It's like, this was actually better than I realized. <laughs> this was, the, my letterbox says this isn't streaming anywhere, but we watched it streaming, didn't we? We rented it on Amazon. Oh, okay, okay. Or we so. got it from Videodrome. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't recall. But um, yeah, so you can also we it. watched it. We should have watched it during the partial eclipse. We watched it the day after. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah it did because <laughs> it, it does heavily involve eclipses yeah. in the movie. Um, but yeah, that was the awakening. I don't think we have a mummy noise, do we? I don't know what it would be. <laughs> no, <laughs> very anti-mummy. Not a mummy. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> <Comical>. <laughs> <mummy>. <laughs> All right. Next movie we watched was The Skull. Uh-oh. So this came out in 1965, directed by Freddie Francis. Um, this was... Uh, there are certain rules. <laughs> this was one of our two 1960 or 60s movies. Um, and it was a... Uh, sorry, I'm double checking. It was one of our Peter Cushing movies. Um, and also our amicus movie. <laughs> There's a lot going on Ma- for this Mainly movie. it was an amicus movie. We watched three Peter Cushing movies, so it doesn't <laughs> have to count for that. But yeah, it was our amicus movie, but it also happened to be from the 60s and have Peter Cushing, like all amicus movies. <laughs> when the skull strikes, you'll scream! An occult investigator buys the 150-year-old skull of the Marquis de Sade, which turns out to be possessed by evil spirits, starring Peter Cushing and... Christopher Lee. <laughs> the duo we always need. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, same, basically the exact same cast as the Hammer Mummy movie we watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, my boy. Also, Patrick Weimark, Jill Bennett, and Peter would throw up in Nigel Green and April Ulrich. Um, so I will say it's in watching these back to this back to back with the awakening. The awakening was one that I didn't expect much from and mm-hmm. was pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised. This is one I had high expectations for and didn't really like that much. It did hurt. I didn't like it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I we'll, like we'll get it. to our like <laughs> awards at the end or we'll talk about like our favorites and least favorites, but this is probably near the bottom, sadly. Um, I don't know. It was weird because there were parts of this I really liked a lot. So here's one thing to note. Um, Amicus, like 99% of Amicus movies are anthologies. This is like one of the very few ones that's not. Um, it's like, you know, it's a single story. Um, but it almost has an anthology feel at times because like Hammer, they like over explain too much. Yeah. Like there's a whole sequence where this guy shows up with a book uh, owned by Marquis de Sade that's bound in human flesh. And like the only purpose of that scene is so he can verbally ex- remind viewers who Marquis de Sade that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, there's it, a lot like that. So in that sense, it's got an anthology thing where there's a lot of like, oh, let's like flashback to who Marquis de Sade was or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the things I liked about this, I thought it kind of had some nice restraint in that like, I kind of expected the skull to like talk or based on the poster, like shoot lasers out of its eyes or, you know, have a spooky yeah. disembodied voice or something like that. And they didn't do any of that. Like, it's very like, contained um and the atmosphere like contain you mean dull i mean yeah that's the other <laughs> side of that coin um the atmosphere is pretty creepy and has some cool moments um and of course we always love peter cushing and christopher lee being spooky pals who collect spooky I mean, items they are pretty cute together <laughs> um but yeah i mean holy smokes this movie is so slow it was very boring it's just it has the uh uh, what's it? The Simpsons, Stephen King joke. It's like, there's a skull. It is evil. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit like that. Um, the only thing I thought, like, there were some decent, like, practical effects where the skull is floating in around. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just fishing string probably. It looks good, though. But it looks good. And there's, like, something else that I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, for the most part, I wasn't into the setup. I wasn't really into the story. And the characters are pretty blah. Even though they try, they try their best to hold it together. <laughs> I mean, it's not an awful movie by any stretch, but it is, it's just so slow. And like the last half of the movie is like, it's very slow for an 83 minute movie. Yeah, that's like, the thing. It too, should, yeah. Like a, as a short, maybe this would be great. <laughs> like, I, I would guess like the last like 20 minutes are like this long sequence where there's like no dialogue, where basically Peter Cushing is like, He's getting like possessed by the skull or like commanded to do things against his will. And he's the like, skull wants him to kill. Yeah. And, um, and it's like this whole like at night. So like his wife is asleep and he's like sneaking in the bedroom and attempting to kill her and then like resisting and As getting away. <laughs> and it's like, there's like no dialogue for like the last 20 minutes almost. And so that makes it feel even longer, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I had heard really good things about this and, so and like some of my letterbox friends have given it good ratings and stuff. So I was I was a little disappointed for sure. I ended up giving it two and a half stars. I gave it three. It's on Canopy and Prime, I think. Maybe I just have Canopy, but and Pluto. 
Don't um, watch it though. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know that I could really recommend it, but it'll it'll seem like a really good three or two and a half stars when we get to the next movie. <laughs> uh, next movie is Kill Baby Kill. <laughs> they love their punctuation. What a uh, misleading title. Yeah, this came out nineteen sixty six, directed by Mario Bava. All right. <laughs> And Harper, uh, what are... There are certain rules for this one. Well, you just said it. It's a Mario Bava film. Okay. And we've seen a lot of his like really highly rated ones. And so this was... No, nah, I wouldn't say digging in the dregs or anything like that. And again... This you can is, say that. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this is another one that had very... Like looking at my friend's ratings, five stars, four and a half, four, three and a half. Like, uh, yeah, I expected to really like this. Um uh, I was just looking it up. Uh, the name clearly is taking advantage. 1965 was when uh, Faster Pussycat Kill uh-huh. came out. So clearly that's what they're trying to go for. This title makes it seem like it's like swinging 60s murders or it something. Does. And it is not. It is like gothic, yeah. uh, you know, haunted ha- home. Uh, yeah. Horror. So the tagline makes you shiver and quiver. Mm. And synopsis, a 20th century mm. European village is haunted by the ghost of a murderous little girl. Are they, though? I mean... Are they? <laughs> that's a problem, because that's, like, the plot of, like, uh, two-thirds of Italian Gothic <laughs> movies, which I'm a big fan of Italian Gothic movies. I like the style of movie, but... Apparently, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, well, this was not... I mean, I've seen lots that I like that I feel like you would like. This is not one of those. Um, man... I have such a love-hate relationship with Mario Bava. It's so frustrating to me. Yeah. Because this guy has made some of my favorite like Italian horror movies. This guy made Black Sunday, Black Sabbath, and uh, um, Blood and Black Lace, all like masterpieces to me. And then, but then he made like um, what was the what was the one that was like Bay of Blood? Yeah, Bay shot. of Blood. Whip Bay of in Blood the Body sh- was okay. Which one? Whip in the Body. Yeah, that was pretty good. But uh, Shock and um, Bay of Blood and this were all just like not good. They're just dull. Um, this one was really boring. I'm gonna be honest. It was so boring. I don't remember anything <laughs> happened. I, I don't think I was paying attention like at all. Yeah, I mean, I think we were working on some stuff for Halloween at the time <laughs> too, which probably didn't help. But also, it just felt like to me. I mean, I've seen a fair amount of these kind of style of movies, and to me, this felt like almost like the public domain version of yeah. those Italian Gothic movies. Like there was just like nothing unique about it. Uh, I say there was one sequence. Uh, the only one I remember. Yeah, and it was like 30 <laughs> seconds long that really stood out and was really cool, but the rest of the movie was really boring. And th- that sequence, essentially this guy's like chasing somebody that he thinks is the killer or something. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Um, and he runs out this door in this room and then he ends up back in the same room he was in. And he keeps running in circles and yeah. circles, getting closer and closer to this person. And then it turns out that person is him. Ah! And I don't even remember like how that played out in any real way. I don't know. Uh, but it was a really cool <laughs> sequence for sure. That part f- was unique and really cool. But the rest of it just felt like this could have been in any other gothic horror movie. Yeah. And it's just, it just felt really generic. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's worth another watch for me. You don't have to, obviously. Never. <laughs> but since so many, so many people whose opinions I trust love this movie, I was really They are liars. <laughs> really expecting more from it. I gave it two and a half stars. What'd you give it? Also two and a half stars. I'm sorry, and Mr. Baba. And it's on Canopy and Shop Factory. 
kill, baby, kill, or don't. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> I would simply not or don't. kill the baby, kill. kill the baby. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Next movie, Short Night of Glass Dolls. Guess what? It's an Italian giallo. Giallo. Le Corte Note della Bambella del Vitro. Um, what was that? Whatever the Italian, the Italian title, title oh, okay. is. <laughs> 1971, directed by Aldo Lado, Lado, or I was having a stroke and you need to t- check on me, Harper. And we like Aldo Lado because he Aldo uh, Lado. He was a assistant director on um, uh, The Conformist and some other stuff too, I think. But yeah, this is his most famous movie. This and Who Saw Her Die, which I've also seen and liked. Did we have a rule? There are certain rules. Nope. This was a miscellaneous pick by Harper. This is a movie I've wanted to see for a while that I've heard about. When things are not what they seem, dot, dot, dot. Mm. <laughs> An American journalist in Prague searches for his girlfriend who has suddenly disappeared. Is this Italian giallo if it takes place in Prague? A lot of giallos take place outside of Italy. Just, what? Yeah. Then why are they called Prague giallo? <laughs> Prague giallo. <laughs> Yeah, because it's usually either an American in Italy, an American foreigner in Italy, or it's an Italian in a foreign in another foreign country in Prague or wherever. This stars Ingrid Thulin, Jean Sorel, Mario Adorf, Barbara Bach, Fabiano Savalacevic. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice attempt. I appreciate the attempt. Uh, Jose Coaglio. I probably covered all the main people. All right, I have a lot to say about this movie, so I want you to get your to to speak first, so I don't just totally take it over. Okay. What is this movie about, Michelle? And this then... movie is about a dude who wakes up in a morgue and he is paralyzed, and he's like, "Where am I? What's happening? I'm not dead." And then he has to force himself to remember what is happening, what happened, how he ended up here, mm-hmm. and solve the mystery of his missing girlfriend. And yeah, they're like about to do an autopsy on him, but then like his friend, who's like a medical examiner, is like his body temperature is still yeah like, he normal. hasn't gone like he doesn't have a heartbeat or brain activity, but he's <laughs> his body temperature still up. Something's and his wrong. His eyes won't close. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, what a brilliant, cool setup, right? It was that it helped after the last two we watched. I was like, okay, this one at least has a a. A viewpoint. <laughs> what a great! It's trying something. So yeah, starting off with your leading man in the morgue telling his story through his memories was pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> so, what are your other thoughts on this? What'd you like? What'd you not like? Um, I like the format. It keeps the viewer interested because it goes back and forth from what's going on in the present and what's happening in the story. It's almost like an anthology without an anthology because it's like the wraparound story is him in the morgue and the memories are like the individual little shorts and stuff. I would say less like an anthology and more like, I don't know what you'd call it. I would this say format, more like, of an anthology. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like Double Indemnity where the guy's dying and in the process of telling his story. Yeah, It's a lot like that. <laughs> um, I did think the typical Jello detective mystery thing going on is still like, I don't know. They always just have this one character who's like, this is actually what's been happening the entire time. Ah! <laughs> and so I don't like that part. Um, and also it's just like a lot of mystery, missing girls. That's the main plot of every Jello, I guess. True. Just girls go missing. Um, and 
I would watch it again, though. Okay. And maybe I'd appreciate the mystery the second time around. I wasn't as into the mystery, more just him as being in the morgue. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you said some positive things, girls. I would have had to kill you with black gloves. No! <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> This one's interesting because it is a giallo in some senses, and but also breaks a lot of those rules. Like there isn't any black gloved, like straight razor, right wielding killer, but it's got a Morricone score. It's got a beautiful missing girl. It's got a secret shady organization behind it. Things so it has a lot in common with some of the better giallos. Um, and also the other big rule it breaks. Like I would get, I would say of all the ones I've seen, like ninety nine percent of giallo movies start with. Uh, a dead body, a dead female body, mm-hmm. and somebody finds it or somebody witnesses the killing, um, and then that's where it starts. That's how almost all of them start. But this one with the whole like very noirish. Well, it does start with a dead body. Yeah, but it's his. <laughs> it's not a woman. It's not the victim. It's the main character's dead body, which is very different than what you'd expect. Um, so, I mean, the big thing, one thing we haven't mentioned is that a lot of this movie has uh, plays into this this historical context that we probably, well, I certainly didn't know much about, um, about Czechoslovakia in the context of the USSR. Um, This takes place like right after uh, people in either Prague specifically or just Czechoslovakia in general tried to kind of uh, have some kind of rebellion or protest against the USSR. And then it was like put down. So it's like the communist, um, the USSR government is like kind of, cracking down on people yeah a lot of that went over my head because i was For like sure. how is this a part of the mystery and like without knowing like the political backstory i'm like well i don't know does that mean that we were supposed to think they're evil or not evil or is there a secret organization well like what's happening <laughs> so it does what works well about that is that it's like there are a, a fair amount of um of giallo movies where like the killer in the end is is like the guard dog of like some secret shady organization that's generally just like rich, evil sex traffickers. It's basically, uh, that's where I thought, what's his name? Jeffrey. uh, It kind of is, I guess. uh, Why am I blanking (laughs) on his name? You know, the sex trafficker guy who hung himself supposedly in real life. Oh, Epstein. Epstein. Uh, Basically Jeffrey Epstein is the bad guy in most Jalo movies in a lot of them (laughs) or a crazy mother. That's on most of the time. Um, But this one, it's like, yeah, it is a secret, sex trafficking ish evil organization but they're doing it because they're like part of this like political yeah political thing so in that sense it really reminded me of um that movie the history of the occult yeah and how it was like linking dictatorship to like black magic and sacrifices and that stuff which was really cool um and man the ending of this movie is intense intense yeah because i don't want to spoil it but we'll say that um He's like finally remembered Things like get topsy turvy <laughs> yeah. in the office. <laughs> our, our man has finally figured out how he ended up here and why he's paralyzed. But he's like on the slab about to be uh, uh, have an autopsy done in front of a whole class of students. <laughs> and he remembers that like the guy who's about to do the autopsy is the bad guy. Yeah. And so I won't say what happens. But um, yeah, it was just super intense ending too. Um, and of course, great Morricone score and all that jazz mm-hmm. too. So, and really well shot, like a lot of these. So, I thought this was great. This was a highlight of Hooptober for me. I liked it too. I only gave it three and a half, though. Mm-hmm. So, I hope you can. Black gloves are yeah. coming out. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> ah! <laughs>
What'd you give it? I give it four stars. But the more I think and talk about it, the more I'm like, this is like a four and a half, maybe. This is definitely... All right, let's not go crazy. (laughs) Well, in my Giallo list, this is like top five, top ten for sure. (laughs) Of the like 30 I've seen, so... Butterflies don't fly or something. (laughs) These butterflies don't fly. Yeah, you gotta love that, like, (laughs) real poetic imagery they use in Giallo. Ah! (laughs) Alas! So it is streaming on Tubi. Yeah. So, yes, check it out. Short Night of Glass Dolls. Totally. Title has nothing to do with anything, I guess. Um, <laughs> what are glass dolls? Yeah, I don't remember. It seems like it should be Short Night of the, the butterfly. Flightless Butterfly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be better. <laughs> the Flightless Butterfly. But still a pretty cool title. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Next movie we watched is Kronos. So, Kronos came out in 1992 directed by Guillermo del Toro Giovanni Giovanni <laughs> There are certain rules What is that Giovanni Giovanni I don't know from? but it keeps popping Giovanni, in my head Giovanni. I think it was like it's either like in Chernobyl or one of the like Cold War movies Giovanni, we watched and it was like yeah. an alarm going on. Yeah, you're right. It was Giovanni, something that I say like in my, I keep trying to think of at the end of uh, Smoking Causes Coughing, the robot keeps saying the same thing over and over again in oh, French. I forgot, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Anyways, um, this was another miscellaneous pick, another Harper pick. Um, it's because you have been watching. I thought I picked this one. I picked, or no, I picked it to give you an extra pick because I've been wanting to see it too. Mm. Um because you watched, what, The Devil's Backbone kind of yeah. recently? And I was like, oh, we should really watch Kronos. We own it, and you've never seen it. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. So, faced with his own mortality, an ingenious alchemist tried to perfect an invention that would provide him with the key to eternal life. It was called the Kronos device. When he died more than 400 years later, he took the secrets of this remarkable device to the grave with him. Now an elderly antiques dealer has found the hellish machine hidden in a statue and learns about its incredible powers. The more he uses the device, the younger he becomes, but nothing comes without a price. Life after death is just the beginning at as this nerve-shattering thriller unfolds and the fountain of youth turns bloody. Starring mm. Federico Lupi, Ron Perlman, Claudio Brook, Margarita Isabel, Tamara Shanath, and Mario Ivan Martinez. Um, so this was a good movie. I liked it. Um, sure you can always tell when you're watching a Guillermo del Toro film because this has like... Uh, like family relationship stuff going on slash like kind of gothic overtones people speaking spanish people speaking spanish (laughs) in spain (laughs) not in mexico and then there's always like a supernatural horror element he's really good at balancing all of it he is i mean he is one of the greatest living filmmakers (laughs) and he just loves making his little models and posting on them on instagram he's such a good dude he's like i painted this today (laughs) i hope it's never never i hope he never gets canceled for something awful because i love him so much i don't think he would he's such a cool guy He's also like such Although, a great... Although I wouldn't be surprised if his house has like a secret dungeon, I mean, but that's it's probably like true. filled with puppies Models. or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's such a, a great like cinephile too. Like he feels very much like one of us. Like him and Martin Scorsese and... Um, Uncle Marty. And Edgar Wright are like those the three filmmakers, I would say, who are the most obsessed with just watching movies also. Yeah. Which is a, a you know, I mean, Spielberg really too, probably. 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 
And we all know James Cameron's just in a submarine under the ocean. He ain't watching nothing. <laughs> he just watches Titanic over and over uh-huh. again. He's like, man, this I did such a good job. <laughs> so I should have had more breasts. <laughs> more breasts. <laughs> See them nips. <laughs> yeah, more nipples, please. The nipple cut. Um, the other thing I loved was all the practical effects yeah, for this film. Hell yeah. He's really good at that as well because everything's... He's like steampunk before steampunk was a big thing. Because this is like 1992 and the little like Kronos device, it's all like gears and gold and metal. And like uh, there's like a creepy little creature inside of it. <laughs> I wonder if he had if if um, like Studio Ghibli stuff was an influence on him, because I could kind of see that. Yeah. In some of their like kind of steampunky stuff in the '90s, I wonder if that was kind of intermingled in any way. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is, I haven't seen this movie in probably 15 years. Um, but uh, yeah, it was still awesome. It's it's such a cool, unique take on vampire mythology mm-hmm. that it's like a bug in a little machine, weird machine that bites you and puts like venom in you or whatever. And yeah, uh, the whole section where where somebody I don't want to reveal too much because I really think people should watch this movie but there's a whole section where somebody dies and then right before they're going to get cremated they like disappear from their coffin and, mm-hmm. and he's just like walking around with his clothes <laughs> on backwards from inside when he's in the coffin yeah. and all this stuff it's so like it's both really disturbing creepy and also kind of endearing and funny mm-hmm. um, it's such a good uh, balance of heartbreaking and funny and unique uh ron perlman is great in this uh, he's yeah, like the thug who always wants his he, he wants to get a nose job yeah so he's got little <laughs> like paper things that he holds over his nose and he's like which one do you think yeah <laughs> um yeah he's this is i think this might be his best movie ron perlman yeah he's really good in this i think uh he's very he doesn't funny. get many opportunities to not just play like Oh, he's always like, a, well, he is a side character in this, but he actually feels like he has dimension to his For character. Sure, yeah. uh, he's usually pretty. He's usually just like the guy who like cocks the shotgun and is like, let's get him. Yeah. <laughs> or he's like a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and the other thing you mentioned is, you know, the production design of this is fantastic. Really cool practical effects and stuff. Yeah. Um, if uh, I was thinking about like, uh, we could do a whole podcast on this one day, but like our favorite movie props that you'd like want to own if you could own anything. And the Kronos <laughs> device in this is like high up on my list because it's just so cool. I have the yeah. legs come out and <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, I also love all the weird little characters that he comes up with, like the granddaughter who just never talks. Mm-hmm. And there's no real uh, explanation unless I missed it. It's like, it's just a, her thing. And then there you have like the Howard Hughes character who's like locked away trying to be pure and clean. <laughs> well, oh, and his yeah, the design of his like sterile room is so yeah. cool. He's got all those like uh, angel statues like under plastic hanging from chains. Yeah. It's like really <laughs> creepy and yeah. Um. But yeah, Guillermo del Toro is just like a great storyteller. So I love that every movie we watch, it's always, he's the most consistent director probably we've watched. Which is crazy though, because like, I mean, when he, he's come out with new movies and we just sort of missed it. Like we didn't see Pinocchio. Well, that's just because I'm tired of Pinocchio movies. I mean, yeah. but we I never, would watch his, but it's like, I need I've a heard break. It's good. <laughs> but, and we never watched uh, most of his netflix show either we only watched like the first two episodes yeah um but we did like shape of water and pan's labyrinth and crimson peak nightmare alley is like 
I mostly liked it. A lot it. of people love that movie. It just didn't do it for me. I mean, I'm not gonna dive into that It felt a little too now, studio influenced for yeah, this stuff. I don't stuff. know. Something about it just didn't grab me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm always, I will always go check out his new movie when we get a chance. Yeah, for sure. Always. And we're gonna try and watch Mimic soon. Yeah, I want to watch that. <laughs> so we'll see how. Well, yeah, that Blade goes. Two, a lot better than Blade Three. <laughs> yeah, way better. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, so I gave it four stars. I did too. And it's on Criterion and HBO. And... Don't you mean Max? <sighs> no, I don't. <laughs> so what is our next movie? Oh boy. So we watched a movie called Curtains, which came out in 1993, directed by Richard Siupka. <laughs> Uh, rules. This was a Miss Michelle miscellaneous pick. Go, Michelle. We saved a lot of these ones for towards the end because we were like, these are the ones we were just like curious about yeah. wanting to watch for no particular reason. Six beautiful girls trying to get ahead. When the curtains fall, five will be dead. I mean, yeah. It rhymes. That's a kind of cool. Yeah. Tagline. Six young actresses auditioning for a movie role at a remote mansion are targeted by a mysterious masked murderer. Starring John Vernon, Samantha Egger, Linda Thorson, Anne Ditchburn, Lynn Griffin, Sandy Curie, Leslie Donaldson, and Deborah Burgess, and a no-speaking role for Michael Wincott. That was so weird. <laughs> so weird. Uh, yeah, I didn't really know most of the people in this, but Samantha Egger's in The Brood and The Collector. Yeah. And what was his name? John Vernon? Yeah. He's in uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. He's the guy who's like, whoop de goddamn de do. <laughs> He's way better in that movie. <laughs> um, boy. This movie has a lot of potential, but it's also very icky. <laughs> There's a lot of problems with this movie. So I said Weinstein probably loved this film. Mm-hmm. And it's probably his like handbook on how to cast ladies in movies. Uh-huh. So yeah, that part is pretty awful. Um also, there are like a lot of weird elements and twists going on, but it doesn't make like any sense. No, um, it's like five, five different movies rolled into one. Yes, this movie has a lot of plot problems. A um, lot. It's like it's the initial setup is really cool. It's like, oh, this woman, this actress is she pretends to be insane and gets herself checked into a mental asylum to like mm-hmm. research her role. But then the director like leaves her there. He like abandons her. Like he's the only one who knows she's not really crazy. And he leaves her there. And so she kind of wants revenge. That's a good setup, right? Mm -hmm. But then it's like, oh, but now it's something totally different. Now it has nothing to do with that anymore. Cast a whole bunch of other women in this role. (laughs) And she's there. But it's like, yeah, we know she wants revenge. And she's like basically said as much. Yeah. So it's not really a mystery. It's not. (laughs) And but then like, uh, but even before they get to this like casting call mansion house, there, like somebody gets killed on the road, and there's a creepy doll that's involved. Yeah, there's a doll on the poster. I have no idea. Nope. They it never has ex- nothing to do with anything. They never explain what the doll is there for, or also the doll seems to have some sort of supernatural <laughs> aspect to it that's never explained. Yeah. Uh, the killer wears this really creepy old lady mask that is probably it's the, very creepy. It's the best thing in the movie <laughs> is the mask. Um, 
But that's never explained. Like, what is this for? Why does this exist? Was this well, they did show why. I mean, so did he bring it? Well, it's weird because this director's house is like a fun house. Yeah, yeah, and he has this mask for them to act in. He's like, seduce me as but a disgusting as an old, old woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, like, we had to watch this on YouTube, which the quality was actually the YouTube one was better than all the ones yeah. on like Tubi. And I picked stuff. this because it was streaming in so many places, but I did not know it was like VHS quality. The which... YouTube one is the best version <laughs> and it still looks awful. We tried to run it from Videodrome, but someone checked it out. I don't so. know that that DVD would have been much better, frankly. But um, yeah, I mean, that was probably part of it, but also, but just in general, there's like all these actress characters and you barely get any kind of background or information about any of them. So it's like, I don't know like, who, who any of these this? people yeah. are. I can't <laughs> tell them apart. At and some I, point, I'm pretty sure there was an extra person who had no role at all. And it was like, where did she come yeah, from? I have no clue. <laughs> or she was supposed to be dead already. It's like, who is this? Yeah. There's one, I'll say there's one really great scene. The whole ice skating sequence is really cool. Yeah. And it's a pretty unique slasher kill. Um, just, it's got a lot of tension and it's very cool looking. Mm-hmm. It's in the daylight. It happens on a frozen lake. Like there's a lot of cool things there. That's really the first time you see the mask too. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the movie is just baffling. There's a part where um, two characters get shot and they fall back out of a window on the second floor. And then somehow one of them falls back into a window on the first floor. <laughs> Why? No. Uh, I listened to Say Love Satan on this and they actually explained that. You mm-hmm. may, this is so insane. What really is flying through that window on the first floor is not the the person who got shot. I won't say who. It's Michael Wincott's character on a snowmobile from a, from a shot that never got used. A whole plot That's part weird. that they cut out. But they wanted to use that shot of the window. <laughs> so they just crammed it in there. But it makes no sense at oh. all. It's baffling. And the ending is supposed to be like this cool twist and it's not. It's really See, stupid. This is how I feel when we watch Giallo movies because it's all just like madness and chaos except we didn't get the character. Ex- well, we do get the character explaining everything at the very end. Sort of. Not really. Kind of. But then there's another twist. <laughs> except in Giallo's. There's so many twists. It doesn't make sense. Even if Giallo's don't make any sense, they're generally beautifully shot with super cool music and very stylized. Um, I love the of those like, animated curtains between between scenes that was just like boy we had to justify why this movie's <laughs> yeah, called, why curtains. Is it called curtains yeah so obviously there was some some problems going on with the script <laughs> or budget or i don't know <laughs> yeah would you get this one i gave it three because like i thought it had moments that were interesting like the ice skating thing is probably what saved it um, I gave it three two, but the more I think about it, I feel like it's probably more of a two. I mean, and it's a half. more interesting, like the skull, and I gave the skull two and a half. So. I don't know. I'd watch the skull again over this for sure. Well, no, I choose to watch neither again. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a normal person response. <laughs> Why waste your time? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Kearns, we're gonna. Uh, it's up in the air. Three stars from maybe two and a half to three stars. Yeah. And to be peacock, Roku voodoo slash YouTube. <laughs> do that voodoo you do. Um. All right, next movie. Let's take a hard turn. We're like we have to watch something good. Uh, so we watched The Lodger, a story of the London fog, which came out in 1927. 
Directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Which is the reason. And there are certain rules because it's a 1920s movie, so we need another decade. Oh, I forgot. That's right. Yeah, I forgot we needed a needed an extra decade. But also, we had to watch five films from De Palma, Craven, Ken Russell, Hitchcock, and or Moorhead and Benson. So, London: a mysterious serial killer brutally murders young blonde women by stalking them in the night fog. Uh, they're not blonde; they're golden haired golden curls. One foggy, sinister night, a young man who claims his name is Jonathan Drew arrives at the guest house run by the Bunting family and rents a room. Starring Ivor Novello, Marie Alt, Arthur Chesney, June Tripp, Malcolm Keane, Rena- Reginald. <laughs> Reginald. What was it? Oh, uh, Reginald. Oh, Rudiger. Rudiger. <laughs> uh, I didn't see Alfred Hitchcock, but he's the man in newspaper office. Oh, huh. Yeah, I forgot to look yeah. for it. This is his third movie. <laughs> so I didn't know he was doing cameos already yeah. at this point. All right. So this is a silent movie. Uh, it was restored. So we watched a very good version on Criterion. Mm-hmm. It's black and white slash has color tints. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. You can definitely tell that Hitchcock directed this because it has a lot of like cool angles and like even the title design is like he thought like I want everything perfect and he had like all these like rear projector scenes Mm -hmm. to like make everything in focus yeah it's very like technically very highly produced like yeah like the rear projection like every it feels like they're obviously sets but it doesn't feel like it because like they're in like their little basement house Mm -hmm. and there's always like extras walking by the windows. Like, yeah. like the world feels very full and real because he like puts all this extra detail and, you know, stuff into it that, you know, this, you can tell this guy is, he's going to be somebody. <laughs> We're going to watch his career with great interest. <laughs> um, Hitchcock says he considered this to be the first Hitchcock picture. Like I mean, it definitely feels like, like it. Getting his legs or whatever. There's a, a big twist I won't spoil. Mm-hmm. Maybe two twists. It has a, has a lot of his familiar obsessions like, you know, blonde women, for one. Yeah. Uh, uh, a falsely accused person and, uh, you know, people on the run from the law. There's a lot of like his, his kind of standard uh, themes and things. But man, just so many cool uh, editing, lighting, and effects choices that I don't feel like I've ever seen in a 20s movie. I was trying to think, like, was it Wings that we watched that had the track shot through the restaurant that people always post? Yeah, but Wings isn't this old by any stretch, No, not Wings. What was it? Uh, Like um, a night to something? I don't know. Is it a night to remember? I don't know. We haven't seen that movie. But the one that was... God, what movie redid that shot? That we—that's why that shot was like being talked about a bunch recently. I don't know. This is super boring. No, I think it was—it was it Sunrise. Maybe Sun, Sunrise has a lot of really cool effects. That might have been the one where they come through the the restaurant, or yeah. whatever. Um, but like, yeah. So there's like a whole thing where they hear him pacing around on the floor above, and like floor becomes invisible, and you see yeah, his feet walking. That was cool. So cool. <laughs> um, and I mean. Uh, is I here's a big question I have about this movie, Michelle. Mm. Is this movie the origin of the thought montage that they use in The Simpsons all the time? Where they're like, Lisa needs braces, where like little heads float by. Because, <laughs> like, remember that when the policeman he like sees the like footprint or whatever, and yeah. he's like, 
Uh, he like sees the, <laughs> the clues like float by. <laughs> yeah, it's like how they visually explain his like thought pattern. Yeah, I was like, a this lot is of the double Simpsons. exposure. <laughs> um, yeah, and a pretty intense finale too, actually. Yeah, uh, because who doesn't like being chased by a giant mob? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, we put it off for too long. We I knew it was gonna be good though. It was just like. A 90-minute silent movie. It's hard to get into the in the mood for. Yeah. And we watched the silent movie. We watched Phantom of the Opera last year. That was not, this was way, not enjoyable. It was okay, <laughs> but this was much better. This like you could you could tell it was a director who we knew and loved. Yeah. Um, it definitely had that touch to it for sure. I gave it four stars. I did too. It's on 2B Criterion Shout. Uh probably a bunch of stuff. It might be public domain. At this point, it's yeah, almost that's true. 100 it's almost hundred years. years old. Uh, but Criterion definitely has the best one. Yeah, there's this really nice looking. And that is the Lodger. What's next? Next up is Whispering Corridors. Whispering, <laughs> <laughs> which came out in 1998, directed by Park Ki Hyung, and there are certain rules. You just told me. 1998? Yeah, so this was our other uh, 1998 one, the movie from when the year we turned 10, which, uh, what was the other one? Uh, was it Oh, Disturbing picked? Behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So, Western, of course, Michelle picks, you know, American uh, high school faculty mm-hmm. drama. Mine was Korean uh, quiet horror. Quiet horror. Whispering yeah. horror. Whisper. Inside this school, down these corridors, within the whispers, lies the secrets and the sins. <laughs> the ghost of a student who died at a Korean school comes back to seek vengeance and protect her friends. Starring Lee Mion, Kim Gyuri, Cho Kenghee, Park Jinhee. I don't know if we recognized anybody from other movies. <sighs> Not specifically. Was the uh, one of the bad teachers? I was trying to uh, see. No, the main teacher I didn't recognize. Let's see. I'm I'm just clicking through some of these girls to see if we know anybody. Um, not really, which is a little surprising because this movie is at least popular enough that it spawned a whole franchise. There's like five or six of these movies now. Oh, oh, well, she's not the main girl. Well, is she? No. Um, oh, Nora. So the mom in past lives is one of the students in this. Oh, Mrs. Park, the first teacher is in Handmaiden, Decision to Leave the Wailing, yeah. Lady Vengeance, and a bunch of stuff. Oh, cool. But I don't remember her. And from I'm any a cyborg, of those. but that's okay. I love <laughs> that title. Um, anyways, uh, I thought I had seen this movie, but apparently I had not, or at least I didn't remember it. When, I think you oversold it. this movie. Yeah. Probably. But live and let live. It wasn't bad, right? <laughs> it wasn't bad, but it wasn't very easy to follow. No, it was a little I'm a confusing. Little confused. <laughs> um, because it's a bunch of girls that are all the same age and wearing the same clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some are. And in I feel the like past you don't even know their names the for the longest time. I don't know. It's definitely a little confusing. Um uh this was this probably falls in the same category as like Tale of Two Sisters. That's like, if you're in the right mood for it, it's mm-hmm. probably great, but it was just a little too like slow and, and moody. Uh, Very moody. <laughs> um, and not, I mean, it's a horror movie for sure, but 
only, but in like the very like quiet ghost story kind of style. Yeah, I don't like. I guess some other like Asian horror films we watch. I feel like it's relies more heavily on like the creep factor and this doesn't feel creepy feels more like a mystery Spooky. i guess yeah it's definitely it happens a little bit to of a have mystery. ghost <laughs> and it's also very like very squarely um aimed at like teenage girl drama yeah um so it's very like kind of soap opera-y and like the big climax when they like figure out who it is and they confront the ghost or whatever it's like very like melodramatic and yeah. soap opera for sure. Soap opera, but with extra blood running down the walls. Lots of blood on the walls. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about this one, really. I don't either. Um, yeah, I don't think I would ever revisit it, but it was fine. You don't want to watch all the, the five sequels? Probably not. <laughs> it's funny. I was reading about them on Wikipedia. It sounds like they all have the same ending. It's like a girl's walking down the hallway and she turns around and her face is of one of the other ghost girls. Ah! Also, this one, it just had too much like teachers punching students. Uh, it was like, <laughs> well, it was kind of uncomfortable. I mean, I know there it was supposed to be like super strict, crazy teachers, which apparently really the bullies in this whole. I was reading movie. when I looked at the Wikipedia for this, too. That was one interesting thing culturally is that this was very early in the um when the South Korean government stopped putting restrictions on like media. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is partially supposed to be a comment on like authoritarian government and like, you know, the teachers are like super authoritarian and strict and awful, Um, which is apparently what South Korea was just coming out of at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of interesting, but yeah, there's just, I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot to latch onto. It was okay. It's definitely not high up on my Korean horror list. Although, uh, are there that many Korean horror movies we like? They're mostly more like dramas or mixed mixed genre crime, you know. Uh, like the host is know. one of the one of the ones. I mean, I've definitely seen some K horror, but anyways, I don't know off the top of pop. my head. Um, I gave it three stars. I haven't rated it yet, but I will probably go three stars as well. And it's on Canopy. Next. Next one is a little movie called Gothic. <laughs> Which came out in 1986, directed by Ken Russell. A little, some, a Mr. Ken a Mr. Russell. Ken Russell. There are certain rules. Uh, and this is one of our Ken Russell's. Oh, yes, yeah, so an update on those rules <laughs> that we said we messed up. We didn't. We forgot about our De Palma movie, Phantom of the Paradise, yeah. the very first movie we watched. So we didn't break no rules. That's right. Um, so yeah, this was one of our Ken, this was our Ken Russell pick. Conjure up your deepest, darkest fear. Now call that fear to life. Ah! <laughs> What's the best Ken Russell scream? <laughs> or <laughs> or. <laughs> That one might be better. So basically in this movie, Lord Byron is like... You don't know what death is. Basically. <laughs> He's so moody in this. Uh, living in a state on the shores of Lake Geneva. Isn't that where George Clooney lives? Mm, probably. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, your mom's gonna be like, no, he lives here in Italy. He's married to nobody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lord Byron is visited by Percy and Mary Shelley together with Byron's oh, oh. lover, Claire Claremont, wow. and aided by hallucinogenic substances. No what? surprise there. <laughs> they devise an evening of ghoulish tales. Ghoul. However, when confronted by horrors, a ostensibly of their own creation, it becomes difficult to tell apparition from reality. For them and for us. Starring Gabriel Byrne, Julian Sands, Natasha Richardson, Miriam Kerr, Timothy Spall. If I was Gabriel Byrne, I'd be worried about uh, um, uh, a tragic death in his features. Both Julian Sands and Natasha Richardson had tragic... You think this movie's cursed? I don't know. Maybe it is. (laughs) But yeah. Poor, uh, poor Julian, RIP for Julian Sands. That was yeah. this year. I really like him, and he is bananas in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's probably the most extra. Although most he Russell-y. has the same energy in a room with a view. So <laughs> he's just maybe like he's just going through something that year. Constantly. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> um, so Ken Russell, we've seen a lot of his films. And I guess I'm comparing it to the other ones that I'm not as crazy about this one. It was okay. Yeah. I mean, it had a lot to latch on to, a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. It's not boring. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's not boring because there's always something crazy happening. But it's also like I couldn't tell you what the plot of this movie is. Like it's basically, here's what I I haven't written a review yet, but my review is going to be something like this. This is like Climax, except instead of dancing, they're just being all Victorian writery. Yeah. But they're all hopped up on uh drugs. A laudan- liquid <laughs> laudanum uh and having crazy uh like nightmares and hallucinations and stuff. Yeah. Um and Lord Byron is super bizarre. He like walks around with a limp. He has animatronic dolls everywhere. Yeah, he has a little robot lady that like plays sex the piano. dolls too. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and he's just constantly trying to F-U-C-K. fuck everything that moves. True. <laughs> um, of all the friends, every single one of them, I think, kiss him by the end. They're all more. they're all pretty sex crazed <laughs> in one way or another. Uh, there are. Uh, breasts with eyeballs. That was weird. The nipple was an eyelid and it blinked. Very creepy. It blinked at me. <laughs> <laughs> it blinked at me. Um, uh, there's a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, uh, what's the word for when a ghost shows up and there's that weird ooze that shows up? What is it called? Uh, uh, ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. There's a lot of, <laughs> quote, ectoplasm all over the place. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, lots of just weird night terrors and stuff. I, to me, the highlight of the movie, and I wish it was a little bit more in this direction is Natasha Richardson's Mary Shelley. Yeah. She seems like she should be the main character. Like it's more of an ensemble piece, but her story is the only one that has any kind of like weight to it at all. Yeah. Um, and seems like it really should have been more like from her perspective specifically. And it might be more interesting, I think. Because um, her, she's like the only sane one. Kind, kind of, of, yeah. Oh, and her fear is also like a legitimate mm-hmm. one. Uh, she's like, uh, my child, I had a child that was stillborn and I'm afraid of like what I would do to bring him back, like what I would yeah. do to, you know, the links I would go to or whatever. Like that's a really interesting fear, whereas the other fears are like, I don't know, Buried little creatures alive. standing on you or, yeah. 
Um, I don't remember what Lord Byron's was. Yeah, I can't remember. And that <laughs> other guy, the lawyer guy or whatever, he's like a... He seems like he's... Oh, was it Leeches? Yeah, he's oh. a big... You know, Leeches. He seems like he's maybe supposed to be like an inspiration for Frankenstein in yeah. this. Like he's he looks very Frankenstein-esque once his wig comes off and stuff. Oh, I thought he was just sexually repressed homosexuality. So, well, possibly. <laughs> he was afraid of being gay. Maybe. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens in this, but it's a lot less like, I don't know. There's a lot less, uh, meat to it. I felt like than. well, know. it kind of feels like he just told them to go crazy in a castle and he's going to yeah. film it. Like it, there's no structure or exactly. anything. Like there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens, but like story-wise, there's not really much going on. It's literally them just running and screaming yeah, naked for through most, most of the movie. <laughs> and then you get to the weird end where there's like a oh, narrator man, comes on and he's like, and that's how Frankenstein was born. And today tourists flock to the mansion or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It does that, which is weird enough, which is like yeah. the uh, Alan Turing mm -hmm. ending, except then it looks down in the water and there's a little fetus in mm -hmm. the water for some reason. You're like, it's so okay. <laughs> Plus all the tourists just waving at the camera. Uh, it's like, what is happening? It's really weird. Really <laughs> weird. Um, so if you're going to watch Ken Russell, maybe don't start with this one. I think the Devils and Altered States and where's this rank Lair of the White Worm are better. Do you like? Here's a question. Do you like this better or worse than Crimes of Passion? Because those are probably, probably both at the bottom. Crimes right? of Passion more. I would be more likely to watch I think that Gothic again. Gothic is at think. the bottom. Yeah. And I you mean, haven't seen Tommy. <laughs> coherent plot than his <laughs> other movies which is saying something so i gave it three stars i think i will too it is on to be it also had some great quotes that we might mention yeah later when we do some awards all right next movie house of wax which came out in 2005 directed by jean colette sarah what are the rules i'm sorry i was doing something else what is it which movie house of wax house of wax I think it's uh, just a random... This is a Michelle random pick. Oh, I think all the ones that are left are just random picks. Slash a 2005 movie. <laughs> Pray, slay, display. <laughs> I mean... Also, uh... <laughs> see Paris die. Yeah. <laughs> a group of unwitting teens are stranded near a strange wax museum and Sue must fight to survive and keep them keep from becoming the new exhibit. Starring Alicia Cuthbert. Chad Michael Murray, Brian Van Holt, Paris Hilton, Jared Padalecki, Robert Richard. <laughs> Why is there an apostrophe? Maybe it's Richard. Maybe. That would be better than Richard. Either way, it's weird. Richard. John Abrahams, Damon Harriman, Dragisha Debert. <laughs> I don't know any of these people. <laughs> um... So, House of Wax. So, tell, it's not awful. Tell me why you picked it, first of all, since this is one of your misses. I wanted to revisit it because I feel like it was marketed in the wrong way because it was just marketed to sh say, like, hey, come watch Paris Hilton die. And that was all they did. Mm -hmm. And I do, I was also like, it's a big budget horror movie for the time. So, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. maybe it'll have good, good gore and kills and stuff true um and i like the poster yeah it's a cool poster that's why i wanted to watch it um, i was hoping it'd be like a jennifer's body like oh we were all wrong it is great 
It didn't quite do that. <laughs> no. And some of these early 2000s remakes are not bad. Yeah. Like, I, none of them are great. I, well, I mean, I, I'm sure I could be corrected. There's probably something that's good. But, like, the I, I hear good things about the My Bloody Valentine remake that came out around the same time. Um, uh, uh, what's the other one I was just thinking of that was remade right around this time? That's not bad. Oh, the Texas Chainsaw remake's not bad. Which one? We watched it uh, with Jennifer Beale. Just... I mean, Jessica Biel. Uh, Jennifer Biel. My mistake. <laughs> uh, like that one's, it's not great, but it's not bad. It's fine. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know about other remakes. But it, but this is at Videodrome in the section, Needless Remakes. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny. Um, I thought this was okay. It's, it's, the setup is doesn't make sense it doesn't flow well and it's like 30 minutes too long yeah i mean that's the, the thing. actual like house of wax stuff is interesting but yeah. the like teens just hanging out in the woods is not interesting no once they get into the kills it's it's i wouldn't say like amazing but it's good it's fun mm-hmm. but yeah it takes way too long to get there it's like 40 minutes into the movie before anything bad happens to anybody at it just says like, they're like we're on our way to a football game in another state but we're gonna camp here tonight it's like the why they could have easily just had their car break down in this town well and it's the like, end <laughs> like look texas chainsaw massacre i feel like they make it to the house in like the first 15 minutes of the yeah. movie in this it's seriously like 30 or 40 minutes before anybody says house of wax yeah. or they see a wax figure it's so long you're like okay why mm-hmm. and and it it's not like they're establishing anything interesting about the characters. They're all dumb characters. They are. Um, so there's nothing like worthwhile to do that. Also, you don't know who Chad Michael Murray is. So you're like, sure is don't. that Chad Michael Murray? And then once I finally figured it out, I just thought it was funny to continue annoying you by being like, boy, Chad Michael Murray does not is not a good actor. And you're like, that's not him. <laughs> but Jared Padalecki like and Chad Michael Murray <laughs> both tried to date Rory Gilmore and the Gilmore Girls. That's right. And they hate each other in this movie, so it carried on. I think they did that on purpose. You think so? Yeah. Was that around the same time? Probably. Okay. So it was like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but once they get into the kills, it's pretty cool. There's some pretty good effects in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what, what was your favorite kill in this? Uh, well, there's that weird one where it's he's already like mm. encased in wax, and parts of him are getting peeled off, and it reveals, they're like, "Oh my like, god, let's get the wax underneath. Let's yeah. get the wax off him. He's still alive, and it's like peeling his skin off because yeah. he got all burned from the hot wax." Yeah, that I was gonna say that too. That one's pretty great. Um, there's, I was trying to think. I thought there was one other really cool one too. Paris just gets a spear through the head. Yeah, that one's kind of And then kind of slowly like goes through it. Someone else gets their head chopped off. Yeah, that one's not bad. I mean, really, it's the wax stuff that's the coolest for sure. We need more wax. (laughs) And anytime there's like an old wax figure that like breaks and it's like a corpse underneath, it's pretty cool. But I mean, there was one thing you really liked near the end, right? Did I? What? Everything was melting. Oh, yeah. There's so much melting. The whole house is melting. Yeah, they make (laughs) the ridiculous change. And I mean, I haven't seen the original in a very long time, so maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think in the original, the actual house is made of wax. (laughs) I was hoping they'd all start like biting stuff to see what was wax and what wasn't. (laughs) So when a fire breaks out at the end, the whole house starts melting and they're like climbing up the stairs and they're getting like stuck in it. Everything's like squishy and waxy. 
That's pretty cool. Some of the CGI I mean, is ludicrous, like, oh, this is cool. dumb. But oh yeah, yeah, at the end when the whole, when they're like climbing out, it's clearly yeah. like somebody photoshopped just like squish. <laughs> um, um, but it's pretty I would cool. make a house of concrete, not a house of wax. You would simply not simply build your house not out of build wax. my house of wax. <laughs> good, good call. Good call. Also, like, where do you get that much wax? Like, how long did it take to form the foundation of this place? Is there electrical wires running through the wax? Because when those heat up at some point... You can't point? have heating. Also, I don't remember what state this is supposed to take place in, but don't you think it would get hot enough for the house to exactly. melt? Exactly. Yeah. Too know. many plot holes. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I believe that this house is made of wax. <laughs> also, there's a very complicated backstory to the who the killers are that I don't think oh, we need. Yeah, that's true. That's like a whole thing. There's like, okay, there's twin brothers. Okay, and like, let me say their names. Their names are Vincent and Bo, but they should have named it Vincent and Bryce. Uh, For yeah. Vincent Price. Obviously. <laughs> Why do one and not the other? But they do this whole thing where like, in the beginning, in the like flashback scene in the beginning, one of the twins is evil and one of them's good. And so you're supposed to think like, oh, this one who's been with us, he's the good guy. Mm-hmm. But then... uh there's like supposed to be a whole twist where you're like, oh no, the deformed one is the good one. Except but he's that not th- either. Right. Yeah. They're both killing people. They <laughs> yeah. both murdered several people in the, before that point if in the movie. Anything, so it's like, okay. Their relationship is really strong. because it, <laughs> <laughs> They're basically both evil together and they uh, like it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that, that twist is not even a little effective. It's pretty not stupid. Not even a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. But this was okay. I mean, I, I it was fun to watch. Uh, after they get to the wax, town, yeah, then it's fun. Cut to watch. thirty minutes and it would have been solid. Yeah, I or m- more wax melt, kills, melty, melt Paris Hilton. <laughs> How was Paris Hilton in this movie? She was fine. I just feel bad for her because this was probably like her big break into like being an actress. Yeah, at least and she didn't have to like, get nope. naked. Uh, they kind of made her do a strip tease for no reason. <laughs> yeah, but she's not naked, at least. Yeah. Which is surprising. For a 2000s horror movie, there's usually a lot of nudity. Mm-hmm. Nudity. <laughs> um, what'd you give House of Wax? Three stars. I think I will go three stars as well. It's fine. That's not the best. Although... I think I fell asleep during the original one when we watched it at a party. No, we watched it at a Silver Screen Spook show. Then maybe I didn't fall asleep. (laughs) I remember the original, I mean, this is probably literally 20 years ago. I remember it being way creepier than I expected to because like the melting wax people was very effectively creepy. But yeah, again, it's been like two decades. All right. It's time for our last movie of Hooptober. We made it. And looks like we made it. <laughs> and that is Encounter of the Spooky Kind. Oh, oh. Which came out in 1980, directed by Samo Hung. This was a Harper miscellaneous pick. Wait, who is it directed by? Samo Hung. <laughs> My boy. <laughs> I love Samo Hung. Samo is courageous. Chung? 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 Well, in the English dub version we watched, he was it's Daring bold. Chung. Although in this, it's Kara's as Bold Chung. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of translations. <laughs> He's a pedicab driver in a rural community who is known around town as the man who fears nothing. Well, this is proof false before the opening credits finish when he endures a particularly frightening nightmare of flesh-eating zombies. But that's just the beginning of his run-ins with the supernatural. It sure is. <laughs> You read names. Uh, starring Sam Hung, <laughs> Paul Chung Fat, Wu Ma, Lam Ching Ying, 
Peter Chan Lung, To or Two, I don't know, To Siu Ming, Huang Ha, and a bunch of other folks. So, what did you think? I loved this movie. I thought it was everything I wanted it to be because it was bananas. It, so it's not like um, Boxer's Omen crazy because that yeah. movie's just like balls to the wall, crazy as it gets. This has more of a plot, but it's still just like a series of setups that are met just so they can do crazy. So this had great martial arts action, mm-hmm. really, really good martial arts stuff, especially towards the end. Um, it had uh, uh, some great cool special effects. I liked all the way all the the zombie and the vampires just like floated around a bunch. That yeah. was really cool. And and like I didn't see the strings. Like I'm not 100% sure how they did all of it. There's like fire that spits out all over the place and yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff. There's some great stunts. There's some mm-hmm. crazy fire as a crazy fire burn at the end that is like, wow, I can't believe nobody died doing this. You get hopping vampires. Yeah, hopping favorite. vampires. You got a zombie that's like chasing him through the cornfield. Well, you get vampires, ghosts, yeah, it's a ghost that comes through a mirror with like a ten foot arm yeah. that grabs him. Uh, yeah. Well, any other? Well, and then there's like possessions. Voodoo. Yeah, there's some voodoo <laughs> stuff that happens. Uh, yeah, that's one of the best fights. Is when his arm, Evil Dead style, uh, Samo Hung's arm, his le- one of his arms is taken over by a bad guy and starts punching him yeah. and other people, and he's like <laughs> trying to stop his arm while also trying to fight the police that are trying to capture him. Um, so there's just a ton of stuff going on. Like the story is is kind of loose because it's basically just a bunch of like we just want to throw this dude into a weird situation right. <laughs> like basically first is just guys playing a prank on him that turns into like a real ghost and then it's like oh his boss is this like mass this guy who's gonna run for mayor and uh he thinks he's taking him to a brothel and that's gotta be secret because he's like a politician, but really he's having an affair with Samo Hung's wife. Mm-hmm. And so this, this old guy's like, I can't risk getting uh, bad press. So you, this other evil black magic guy, you gotta <laughs> kill Samo Hung for me. Uh, and so it turns into like this whole thing where this guy's just constantly trying to get Samo Hung. <laughs> and he has like spend two nights with a coffin and this has a vampire in it and do all this stuff to defeat the vampire and blah, blah, blah. Tons and tons of crazy, like, little wacky encounters of the spooky. <laughs> it's not called wacky encounters. It should be, it's though. Just in- or though it was just spooky encounters. And- yeah. The title <laughs> just popped up as spooky here. I'm sorry, but though, I've been rambling on. What did you think about this? Same. Ditto. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as crazy as Boxer's Omen, but I enjoyed it. And did you had like a this? good action and a lot of spooky stuff going on. More or less than Boxer's Omen. Which one do you like? Well, better? I didn't understand Boxer's Omen. This one at least made sense. Yeah, I probably somewhere like this in between better. there's a happy medium. <laughs> um yeah. And I mean, it was funny, like halfway through the movie or or closer to the end, I was like, I was like, this is cool, but I think Mr. Vampire had better like actual martial arts stuff. Like there were some things where I was like, wow, that was wild. Yeah. But then like the last 10 or 15 minutes of this is like just straight constant super fast-paced choreographed martial arts that's really impressive and pretty wild yeah uh, so it made up for that for sure yeah there were it ended with a ton of martial arts stuff yeah that was really fun and they were possessed by like ancient gods and so sam hung was like speaking in monkey yeah it was like <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous i love this it was it was, yeah, it was exactly goofy. it even started with urns talking to each other 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was two urns <laughs> having a conversation There's about a lot how they of wanted to escape as ghosts. Goofy encounters. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was everything I wanted it to be. It was a fun, crazy way to end Hooptober. Yeah. Um, what did you give Encounters of the Spooky Kind? I ended up giving it three and a half stars. I haven't rated this yet since we just watched it last night, but I'm wavering between a four and a four and a half for yeah. me. I really loved it. Because um, I really liked Mr. Vampire, but I think I like this better, actually. And I'm very eager to watch some more Hong Kong horror movies because I've been really enjoying the ones I've seen. So guess what, folks? That's Hooptober. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get through the graduation part as we go on. <laughs> as we go <laughs> What is happening? You can fix that later. No, I can't. <laughs> as we go on, <laughs> we remember. Okay. We finished Hooptober. We sure did. It's our did. graduation song. <laughs> it is insane. I can't believe we can't believe we finally did it. We did it. We did um, it. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about some of awards we wanted to give out. We haven't really thought about this too much ahead of time, so we may be a little uh, rambling. So we're going to ramble for 20 minutes. Yeah, you ready? Everybody ready <laughs> As we for go that? like, oh, yeah, that was a good kill. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the best kills from some of these movies. Um, so I'll jump off with a good one. Uh, we opened up Maximum Overdrive. A kid getting steamrolled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one was pretty pretty stellar. What are some other good ones? Uh so well this was a spoiler one, but in nothing but the night, the ending where spoiler kids all jump off a cliff. <laughs> and spoiler. <laughs> I about spit out my drink and died. Because uh, it was insane. Yeah, but what? Any other cool kills? I mean, we liked the kill in House of Wax. Um, what you got, Harper? Yeah, I'm looking at the list. We're just gonna ramble. I for mean, Boxer's <laughs> Omen had a. I mean, I don't even know which ones count as kills or not because <laughs> it was so crazy. But that one had some really. Awakening had some good ones, but uh -huh. I guess they were repeats of the Omen. So nothing. Yeah, unique. Land of the Dead we mentioned had a lot of good like Vampire zombie in deaths. Brooklyn. Hmm. Mm. All right, so those are some good kills. What about our best monster or best killer? But best monster. Let's go with best monster. Best monster. I liked. Graveyard Shift. What kind of monster was it? It was bat slash rat. <laughs> it's supposed to be a rat, but I think it was actually a bat. <laughs> yeah, it was more like a mutant of both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was probably that. And I would say, of course, the myriad of insane monsters in, in Boxer's Omen were all pretty wild. But I also love the real monster of um, <laughs> Daniel Von Bargen slash... Mm -hmm. Malcolm in the Middle dude from Lord of Illusions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was good. I really liked that. <laughs> God, it seems like a long time ago. It was. <laughs> but yeah. It was like a month and a half ago. <laughs> um, any other monsters to mention? 
Nope, because okay. we didn't think about this long enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> Best practical effects. Uh, Lodger, Kronos. Yep. Lodger had really cool, we mentioned a lot of cool like in-camera stuff. And Kronos, all those like uh, super, they're supposed to be like super close up of tiny stuff on the inside inside of the Kronos device, all these big gears and stuff. That was yeah. really cool. Um, I mean, again, Boxer's Omen is full of just like insane just constant puppets and blood and crazy effects. Yeah, stuff. I guess Jennifer, what's her name from Exorcism of Emily Rose? She's a good practical effect herself. <laughs> her body. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. did a lot of contorting. <laughs> uh, I mean, some of the stuff in House of Wax wasn't bad. It didn't feel bad CGI until the very end. Yeah. Mostly it was pretty solid. Uh, Satan's Slaves? Did that have anything good? I don't know if it had any cool practical effects. It was mostly just like spooky people wearing vampire in brooklyn had good practical effects did it <laughs> a lot of people's body parts oh that's off true you're stuff. right the ghoul yeah. guy the, the ghoul. ghoul guy had good makeup what about blade trinity <laughs> i loved her sleeves that she unzipped <laughs> is blade trinity the worst effects of all the movies we watched yeah it's worse it's than, worst overall for worse me. than land of the dead probably <laughs> um yeah i would agree um Okay, uh, what about best music? I thought maybe there'd be some other picks for Music this, but... was kind of disappointing. Yeah, I kind of agree. There was only one that really stood out, and it was an obvious one. Well, you liked What's-His-Name's movie that had... Was it Short Night of Glass Dolls? The more Yeah, the more Coney, but I, uh, but I mean, I liked the music, but I couldn't like hum you any of the themes right now. Yeah, that's I mean, true. We only watched it like a week ago, but yeah. I'm not, so I'm not sure if that... Yeah, we didn't really have anything that had good themes that stood out well, enough. One obvious one. Which one, Harper? Well, I thought you were looking at the list. Phantom of the Paradise, obviously. <laughs> obviously. You hated it. I didn't hate it. I'm <laughs> You're like, Ugh, I hate this movie. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like May might have had good music, but now I don't remember it now either. Nope, I don't either. Um, but yeah, Phantom of the Paradise is obviously the best score, I would say, of these. Yeah, it's uh, a movie. How musical. about that Swamp Thing score that was just Friday the Thirteenth yeah. remixed, basically? <laughs> um, okay, so here. Oh, how about our best lines? That's hard because I didn't really write any down, but we did remember the Sentinel had the funny line. Uh huh. So someone comes in and she asks these two roommates, so, "What what do they do? What do you do for a living? For a living?" She's like. Fondle each other. <laughs> we fondle each we other. We fondle each other. That's how I want Michelle and I to introduce ourselves. People will be parties. so creeped out. Yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> I actually just remembered a funny one from Swamp Thing. You know, when the kid that owns the gas station wakes up and sees the Swamp Thing, what he says? There goes the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wasn't there one in Graveyard Shift we recorded? Oh, man. Oh, actually, yeah. The Brad it's, Dorf. It's Brad Dorf. I have to find it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, it's not really a funny line, just the way he delivers it. I mean, it, it. is funny. Let's <laughs> see if I can find it. I think this might be it. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's God. just like, whoa! <laughs> it's when he's, he's spitting a bunch of uh, rats out of, he's like draining the building. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that and one I was think pretty wild. And I think Charlton Heston says, oh, my God, oh at least my once, God. right? Oh, <laughs> Certainly, yeah. I feel like he also laughs like ah, ah, you see ah, every ah, single tooth in his yeah, mouth. All even the at his all molars yeah. are on display. <laughs> uh, the tightest I liked a line in May when she says, Goodbye, hands. Oh yeah, that was funny. 
Um, and I was trying mine. to remember, we had just mentioned a minute ago, in Gothic, I feel like Julian Sands has a funny line when he's naked and standing on the roof and yelling about lightning. <laughs> he's like, lightning is the primordial yeah. force of the universe. I think he does say that. <laughs> Something crazy like that. that he's was like, get off the good. roof, Julian Sands. What are you doing? <laughs> um, oh, I'm going to throw in a, a word we didn't write down. Uh, which movie, we don't have to say what happens. Which movie had the craziest ending? Because we had a couple of crazy ass endings. Mm. <laughs> well, the very, uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind, the ending made me guffaw out loud. Guffaw. It was very ridiculous and very. I assume Boxer's Almond did. Probably, but I don't remember. Well, obviously, we've mentioned nothing but the night the ending yeah. is insane. Um, <laughs> the disturbing the behavior. Trinity, it was really stupid. Oh, yeah, disturbing behavior kind of similar to so dumb. <laughs> Lots of people jump off a cliff. Um, okay, so that's probably enough for that. <laughs> All right. Now let's get into the meat of it, Michelle. All right, what was the what were the biggest stinkers? What was the worst? What were the worst movies we watched? Honestly, I think Blade Trinity, because like there was nothing redeeming at all. There's nothing. Yeah, I it mean, might have been the lowest rated one. For me, for it's me. either Blade Trinity or Kill Baby Kill, and but probably Blade Trinity. Yeah, I mean, Kill Baby Kills are just dull, but. Uh, Blade Trinity had no excuse to be a total piece yeah. of garbage. It's just <laughs> awful. Um, what about? Uh, I guess okay. We can do our best of, but we should also mention if any of these are like pleasant surprises. Well, like that's what this could be. Yeah, for them, pleasant surprise definitely. The um, the awakening. The awakening. Mm-hmm. I thought also Satan's Slaves, but you had seen that before. Yeah, but that's fine. I'm glad you liked it so much. Um, And then also... About the Sentinel. Does that count? Or is it too problematic? It it might count. It might. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess Sentinel. What about yours? I think for me... The biggest surprise is definitely The Awakening. I'd say The Awakening and Lord of Illusions because both I thought were going to be terrible and I really enjoyed both of them. Mm -hmm. I'm the only person on earth that really enjoyed Lord of Illusions, apparently. (laughs) I also really liked May, although I kind of expected to like May. Yeah. Um, And I mean, same with like some of the ones I thought I would like, I did like, like Encounters of Spooky Kind and Short Night of the Glass Dolls. uh, both of those I was looking forward to, and they both lived up to expectations. They were I was really cool. Also, say Maximum Overdrive and Vampire in Brooklyn were supposed to be rated so awful, but I thought they were fine. That's true. Yeah, actually, it's funny looking at our list. It was like at the beginning of the month or whatever. I was like, man, we've picked a lot that have like low ratings, but you know, a lot. Uh, you know, obviously there were some that weren't like amazing, but a lot of them were better than what the ratings suggested. Yeah, I, I think Maximum Overdrive is definitely one of those. Um, what was the other one you said? Um, Vampire oh, Vampire. Yeah, Vampire Brooklyn's fine. Like, it's not amazing, but it was fine. It was fun. And The Awakening, obviously, we've talked about Did you say, you said Short Eye of Glass Dolls for a surprise? Not a surprise, but it was one that I expected, oh, okay. I hoped was going to be good, and it did. It lived up. Um, yeah, anyway. I assumed The Lodger and Kronos was going to be good, so. Yeah, those are probably, like, the top tier. And, like, Fan of the Paradise is, mm-hmm. like, you know pretty lauded um 
But yeah, I mean, there's some good surprises and a few bad surprises. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, I'd be curious to see what like our overall rating is. I'd feel like it's probably around like a three and a half, maybe three. Uh, I would say three, three and a half is mostly what I gave everything. Yeah. So next year we could probably do better. But I mean, here's the thing is that we try and you always say we shouldn't do this. And I'm sorry <laughs> that I'm bad about this, but we should we try to watch stuff we haven't seen before. Just to, But we've seen so many horror movies that like, you know, we're not. There's not going to be that many like five stars left that no. we've never seen. That's why we need to rewatch things that has been like 10 years. Yeah. I don't think there's anything on this list that we had both already seen besides maybe Land of the Dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one we had both seen before. And even so, there's only a couple on here that like one of us had seen before. Yeah. So you're probably right. Next <laughs> year we should. Uh, and you're, Just feel free. have some fun ones. Feel free to save this recording and play it back yeah. to me. You were right. You were right. You were right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I had fun. Anyways, I enjoyed it a lot. I had zero fun. I'm kidding. Hooptober's the best. (laughs) Mother, oh God, mother. Blood. Blood. (laughs) (sighs) So, take a deep breath. We finished Hooptober. Yay. As we go on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through these horror movies what if we had like a whole song we wrote yeah <laughs> oh we did not <laughs> uh so guess what we're gonna do because we want to be that crazy for october this is like a five-hour episode probably we'll <laughs> see uh we're gonna do some horror movie trivia so it's time for brains 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 That's right. Brains, Brains, Brains is back. <laughs> it's time to do some horror movie trivia. But who's going to keep track? Yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get a piece of paper. Uh, so I guess I'll have to do it on my computer. I'll do that. Computer? I yeah. hardly know her. <laughs> oh! <Hey-o. laughs> All right, Michelle and Harper, how many points will we win? Okay. <laughs> So we're gonna just gonna go back and forth, and we're these are asking questions from the Trivial Pursuit Horror Movie Edition. So we didn't come up with questions. We're using the the we're being fair. Mm. Do you need a light? I can barely see what I'm reading. Here. It's a little dark. I'm gonna in turn here. a light. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> All right. Shall we get started? The darkness. <laughs> you want to get? You want to ask first, or should I ask first? Who directed Twenty Eight Weeks Later? Twenty Weeks Later? Yeah. Poop. I don't know. <laughs> John Carlos Fresnadillo. Oh, of course. Wow, that was hard. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was Army of Darkness originally going to be titled? Uh, low on gas, stuck in time. Uh, Evil Dead Three. <laughs> Evil Dead Three would have been a good guess. It's actually a really cool title. I, I forgot this. Me- the Medieval Dead. Oh, it's pretty good clever. for them. Uh, you aren't gonna know. These are hard. <laughs> All right, and Doctor Jekyll, and Mister Hyde, nineteen thirty-one. How many actors portrayed Jekyll and Hyde? Two. 
I was at one. One. Oh, yeah, I should have known. That was obvious. <laughs> All right. Uh, in what 1978 film did Anthony Hopkins portray a ventriloquist slowly losing his sanity? This is a cool movie. Uh, uh, magic? <laughs> I'm so proud. You did it. It's only because I looked at this movie last night and I was like, what is this it's ventriloquist trying. movie? Yeah. It's pretty cool. I've seen it. <laughs> All right. In Freaks, what is the name of the circus strongman that trapeze at sorry (laughs) that trapeze artist Cleopatra conspires with to murder Hans Uh, I'm gonna say Hercules you did it that was a total wild card yeah it was a total guess too on my part (laughs) it was either Hercules or Samson yeah Uh, oh I gotta change cards well here I'll give you an easy one in Carrie the blood of what animal is poured on the titular What is the gender of the child the Baxters lose at the beginning of Don't Look Now? Boy. Really? 50-50. It's female. Huh. I'm surprised. (laughs) Been a while since we've seen it. Um, In The Birds, what color is the iconic outfit protagonist Melanie Daniels wears uh, while trapped in Bodega Bay? Slash seafoam. You're kicking my ass so far. Yeah, I'll give you a different one. I don't think you'll know this one. (laughs) Gee, thanks. In what decade does it take place? The book or the the twenty seventeen movie? Oh, eighties, I guess. Okay, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> um, what is the name of the isolated island upon which the Wicker Man is set? Summer Isle. Correct. I had to look on the back of the card. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this one's made for you, too. The American outpost in The Thing is located on what continent? Antarctica. You did it. (laughs) In Raw, what is protagonist Justine studying to become? Veterinarian. (laughs) This one's very specific. What is the amount of money Marion Crane steals at the beginning of Psycho? I want to say it's like $60,000. You're close. 40000 Oh, man. I really wasn't that far off. Yeah. Damn. Um, uh, in signs, what kind of headgear does the son of protagonist Graham Hess believe protects against Aluminum foil. Waves? Tin yeah. foil hat. Tin foil is correct. Okay. Aluminum tin foil yeah. hat. <laughs> Wait. Did I just get one right a second ago? You did not get Psycho right. Oh, right. I didn't. Never mind. In The Conjuring 2, what is the name of the demonic nun whom Lorraine battles at the climax of the film? Oh, man. I didn't see those stupid sequels that you did. You don't have it to see the sequel. It starts with a V. It does start with a V. <sighs> it's not Vera. It's like... Vera. <laughs> v- oh, man. When you say it, I'm going to know it. It's mm-hmm. like Volume or something. I don't know. Valak. Oh, I, yeah, I would not have gotten that. You got a V. <laughs> it's a start. <laughs> uh, what is the name of the vengeful entity that emerges from a well in The Ring? Was the name uh-huh. of the little well girl? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't I remember. I don't know. Velma. <laughs> what? Velma. No, Samara. <laughs> oh. Uh, what Pirates of the Caribbean actor appeared in A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984? Oh, Johnny Depp. 
Um, who directed The Silence of the Lambs? Ugh, it's always this one. You love this movie. I know, I don't remember the director ever. Because it's weird. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's Jonathan Demi. Um, what was the name of the actor that played the vampire at the center of Nosferatu? Um, um, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Ah! Oh my I'm god. blanking. I don't know. It's uh, Willem Dafoe plays him in that in that other movie. It's Max Shrek. Max Shrek, of course. He's a real. You don't vampire. know what death is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, this is. I'm not ex- really expecting to answer this one. I just want to see how hard it is. In Tale of Two Sisters, which character is younger, Sue Me or Sue Yun? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, here's a real one. Um, who directed the Grindhouse fake trailer for Don't? Uh, not Eli Roth. It's Edgar Wright. <laughs> Don't go in the house. Don't, Don't go in the <laughs> Which is only barely Don't. a parody of the the burning trailer, which really is like that. Yeah. Man, these are hard. Do you want a poltergeist question? Or a scream well that one's easy. Scream four question. Whatever. What is the name of the clairvoyant character that helps the Freeling family and poltergeist? Uh little Miss Lady. Yeah. I don't know her name. Tan Tangina Barons. Oh, t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely would not have gotten yeah. it. I didn't get it. Um, What's the score at? Uh, you're winning by a big margin because you keep asking me really hard questions. You I guys, didn't know we're picking. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to give you a hard one then. Um, uh, <laughs> no, wait, I'm not going to give you one, one about audition. You would not like that. <laughs> In, this is not hard, I don't think. In Pet Cemetery, what type of vehicle hits Gage Creed on the highway near his house? Semi truck. Yes. Should have asked you a harder one. <laughs> uh, who directed the Grindhouse fake trailer for Werewolf Women of the SS? Oh, crap. Uh, I don't think I knew this one. Is it Robert Rodriguez? No. I'll try another guess. Uh, well, it's not one of the. It's not him or Tarantino, right? So, um, and it's not Eli Roth, and it's not Edgar Wright. So, no. damn, I have no idea. Apparently, it's Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should have known that because it's probably got Sherry Moon Zombie in it. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> All right. Um, I gotta give you hard ones. The town that dreaded sundown was based on true crimes of what serial killer? I would never know this. <laughs> I didn't think they would be Gacy. <laughs> the Phantom Killer. Never even heard of him. I don't even know his name. Did they solve it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the climactic pool scene, the titular entity of It Follows uses what form to attack Jay? Her father? Um, what is the name of the haunted house in The Haunting? Hill House. <laughs> so you should get this one, I hope. Uh, what character in Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, has telekinetic powers? The name of the character? Maybe that's too hard. I have no clue. Yeah. What gender movie. is the vengeful spirit in Juan? 
uh, male. Harper. Name it again. <laughs> I thought it was a little boy. Uh, well, I always think little boys are creepy. What weapon does Maddie obtain from the villainous man in Hush? What weapon? Mm-hmm. Crossbow. Good job. Now you're really killing me. Well, how many more are we doing? I don't know. Enough. How many do you need to well, tie? Five more. Let me just do you then. No. And see if you can catch up. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm submitting, committing seppuku. In Videodrome, the civic TV station located in what Canadian city? Toronto. <laughs> uh, what Academy Award winning director was accredited writer on 10 Cloverfield Lane? J.J. Hmm. Abrams? No. Damien Chazelle. Really? Apparently. Um, Let me ask you one now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> what she's just gonna look? I just got. Yikes! The plot Trouble. of what film is set in motion when the entire population of an English village falls unconscious? A oh, village of the damned. Whoops. All right. Well, I ain't got time for much more. Oh, okay. So how many more are we doing, Harper? I don't know. I'm still losing. Okay. Gerald's game was released on what streaming service? (laughs) Uh, What is the name of the leader of the Revenants in the Fog? Oh, I don't know. Blake. Blake. The answer is Blake. In <laughs> uh, Suspiria, what type of dancer is protagonist Susie Banyan? What type of dancer? Yeah. Ballerina. What is the relationship between Amelia and Samuel in the Babadook? Uh, mother and son. All right, now we're tied. So let's do one more each to see break a tie. All okay. right, shuffle your cards. So until we get... We have to pick the... the... Oh, wait, what are we doing? Whoever gets it wrong first. Yeah, whoever gets it wrong first loses. Are we picking the question at random or like... Yeah, I guess. I don't know. How about we roll these dice? And you have to pick what it is. Yeah, that's this is very technical. Supposed to play. Do we have our our music? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll ask you one first. All right, I'm a roll. Purple, whatever that is. Um, Nosferatu 1922 was originally released in what audio format? A silent or a sound horror film? Silent. That is correct. Okay. So whoever gets one wrong, next. I need the dice. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yellow. The man's first victim in Hush is which of the following? Maddie, Sarah, John, or Max? <laughs> oh, it's got to be Sarah. Correct. Because it's not Maddie. I only would have known that because I just asked you that other question. I yeah. know the main character's name. All right. Uh, another purple. So I get a f- oh, wait. That's, that's light. That's pink. Sorry. What was the name of the Stephen King novel that the film Pet Cemetery is adapted from? The name of the novel? Mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery. That's correct. <laughs> that's a trick question. <laughs> of course, now we're both getting them yeah. all right. 30 Days of Night is saying what? American state? Alaska. <laughs> oh my Yellow. God, the tension. It is. Oh my God. What is the name <laughs> of the protagonist of the Scream series? The... I'm, I'm going to need a full name. <laughs> Your favorite. Oh my God. I just went blank. It's. I'll give you a second. 
scream screams. It's 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 it's. When he calls. He says hello. Uh, Sydney Prescott. Ooh. Oh my god! I don't know why my brain that just stopped working. <laughs> well, I think I did purple on that already. Who directed the birds? <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Another purple, so I gotta go to a new card. Uh, what actor portrayed Sheriff Eben Olison in 30 Days of Night? What actor? Joss Hartnett. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it'd be some other random person. <laughs> I don't know anybody Green. else's names in that movie. Eyes Without a Face was filmed in what type of monochrome form? <laughs> Sepia. <laughs> Black and white, obviously. Yeah. What kind of question Sepia. is that? <laughs> what else could it be? Blue. Uh, does protagonist Sherry Carson... Oh, you know, we've never seen this movie. Does protagonist Sherry Carson survive in The Wizard of Gore? Yes. Damn. <laughs> 50-50 shot. <laughs> Purple again. I have to keep going to new cards. What German electronic band composed the music for Near Dark? Tangerine Dream. Now things are getting intense. I, I love know. it. Uh, in Les Diabolique, what position does victim Michelle hold at the all-boys boarding school? What position? There's only one position at a boarding school, really. Like headmistress? Headmaster. <laughs> Master. She's a mistress. It's a man. <laughs> oh, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> Blue. In Teeth, what character is not subject to the uh -oh. titular trait of Don O'Keefe? Ryan, Bill, Toby, or Brad? It's total guess. Wow, I have a 25% chance. <laughs> what were the names again? Ryan, Bill, Toby, or Brad? Toby. No! <laughs> it was Bill. <laughs> All right, you are the Halloween queen. Where is my crown and my pumpkins? Well, you. Only, so what do I win? I don't know, but you would have won anyways because you kicked my ass in the first half. <laughs> I am the super mother bug! Yeah, you are the super mother bug. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, boy, that was a hell of an episode. I uh, think it's like five hours long. So sorry. We hope <laughs> you all really enjoy your Halloweens. And we hope you all watch tons of horror movies as you finish up October and have a great spooky month. Right? Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Nope. You got it, dude. <laughs> Let's finish this bastard up. Do we, what's our next episode? Do, is, do we know? We haven't remember. decided. Yeah, so you'll, you'll Surprise. see. Surprise. Mystery. <laughs> Actually, no, we do know. Probably. Should I not say it, though? Don't. Okay. Don't say anything. <laughs> In case we change our yeah. minds. All right. So Whatever we'll be back we could for watch another really episode quickly. of something sometime <laughs> one day. At some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, we hope you had as much fun with Hooptober as we did. But uh, we'll see you all next month on an episode of Spliced, Spliced Together. together. Oh, yeah. ah!